Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. This is being broadcast and recorded live on August 16th, 2017. Right now it is 8.35 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Welcome to the show and always nice to be back on a regular Wednesday schedule. We've had two Wednesdays in a row starting, I wouldn't say on time, but at least not too far from on time. So glad to see that. And glad to have everybody with me who's live right now, as well as anybody who is listening in the archives, which is, to be honest, probably most of you. But we have a number of things to talk about tonight. But before we even begin, 
going to put on Calwatt, who I know is there, because he was taking bets, or he's about to take bets in the chat as to whether or not we would start the opening song before we would have the free roll start. And just as he was announcing that, I came into the chat and said the, the, the show is starting in one minute. So I kind of ruined his action. Actually, I don't see him online. It's weird. I did not see him. What's going on here? Well, we'll get him on at some point. He's here, though. He's here. He'll be here tonight. So, the free roll does start in three minutes. I didn't beat it by that much. And the free roll this week is $79. $79 free roll, which came from a variety of sources as usual, and as usual did not come from me. The sources this week include Handicap Me, who gave $31.52, Malibu Elise. This is actually a woman who listens to the show regularly. She's been listening for years. In fact, she goes back to other radio shows that I was part of. And she actually lives in Malibu. And she's an older woman. She's a much older woman. She calls herself the old lady in Malibu. I've never met her, but uh, she seems very nice. And she's a loyal listener. She gave $22.48. And next week, she is giving again. She gave a donation that we're splitting over two weeks at her request. So $22.48 from Malibu Lease. And $25 from Belly Buster, which conveniently all adds up to $79 even. So, the distribution of the prizes this week, $40 for first, $20 for second, $11 for third, $8 for fourth. $40, 20 11 and 8 This takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. It does not cost a penny. To play, it's totally free. It does not even cost play chips to play. You just make an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room and play. Register and play. Late registration takes place until 9.05, 25 minutes after the event starts. Full stack you get to start with, whether you're late or on time. And the fields are always fairly small. In fact, uh, we almost always have fewer than 100 participants and often fewer than 50. So this is a way you can win. Obviously not big money if the top prize is 40 bucks, but you know, a little bit of money while you listen, if you listen live. It's a fun thing to do. But make sure you know the rules, because if you don't know the rules, I may not pay you. You have to know the rules. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. All lowercase, exactly as it sounds. So that begins at 840, which is one minute from now. Late registration until 9.05 Pacific Time. If you want to call into the show, we have the same phone numbers as always. The main phone number to the show is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, is the main number to the show. We have an alternate number, which is the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas, about 45 minutes away by car. It does get snow in the winter, and in the summer, it's only in the 70s up there. Unlike Vegas, which is in the 110s or 100s, it's in the 70s in the summer at Mount Charleston. Very, very different scenery there than you'll see in Las Vegas. 
702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. It's an old 70s rotary phone. Sits in a little shack. Actually, a little cabin. The shack is the other line. A little cabin I have up there and forwards to me wherever I go. Don't text that number, but you can call it. It's a different line into the show. We do have the call to listen line, which is a way to listen to the show without using up any data, without needing a smartphone, without having internet access, without having a computer. If all you have access to is a phone, if that's your only position in life, you have a phone with a dial tone, or even without a dial tone, if it can dial a phone number in the U.S., you can listen to the show live by calling 712-775-8162. That's a call to listen line, 712-775-8162. It's located in a shack in the small town of Carroll, Iowa. And when we're not live, you will hear one of our many streaming reruns. It'll pick a random show that we've done from the past out of a library of more than 230 of them. Play it as if it's live, and then when that's over, it picks another and another and another until we go back live again the following week. 712-775-8162. It won't use up one byte of data, and it does not require a very strong cell phone signal. So a great thing to use if you're driving. It'll never buffer either. Never going to buffer. It's just always going to just play straight. It's a joy. Someone else's a joy is uh, Calwatt, who's here with us tonight. Hello. Going on, Druff. So I'm I'm sorry to kill your action. What was the exact bet you were going to take? It was ten bucks that the free roll was going to start before the show. Oh yeah, well that was close. And the second I put the bet out there, you wander in and say one minute. <laughs> well, to be fair, the, sec- <laughs> the second I came into the chat, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. So once in a while, I'll come in and say not starting for 15 minutes. There's, but usually when I come in, that means it's starting very shortly. Uh, speaking of the chat, we do have a chat room. If you're listening live, go in there. You can talk with Calwatt. You can talk with the other people listening live. Don't go in if we're not live because there will be nobody there. You need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads. You, need a, you, have a, or you have to have a validated account in good standing on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to get into the chat room. But that's not a very stringent requirement. So that's the chat room, and it goes on during the show. You'll mostly be talking with the other listeners and with Calwatt. I don't look at it that often, but as I often do near the beginning of the show, I'll look at it right now. So I see Larry Laffer going off on there. I, I, I won't even try to figure out what he's talking about. Uh, I see some people rallying to free Lou Father, and some people even unaware that he was banned. But yeah, Lou Father was banned. Uh, he's he's watching, by the way. He he lurks on the forum. He listens to the show, and he tells me this. He he messages me on Facebook, which is fine. I told when I banned him, I said, you know, if he wants to communicate with me, he can message me on Facebook. So he has been, and uh, he he's been very respectful on Facebook. I'll say that. You know, actually, Lou Father was never disrespectful to me since the site started. He, he was disrespectful to me on the other site, but on this site, to me, he behaved fine. But I realize that wasn't the case with everybody here, and that's why he's banned at the moment. Uh, let's see. Drake is saying free Lou. Frank Rizzo is saying free Garrett. That's never going to happen. Garrett is someone who needs to be kept away from the forum for his own good. Uh, he also flipped out on Brandon, which I didn't like. Uh, Bart Hansen, the Hansen kids here. Hello to you. I know he's a good friend of Cal Watts. 
and I'm not seeing much uh, worth repeating in the chat. So that will be. Andrew, I got to warn you right away. Yeah, I got up around seven o'clock this morning. Uh-oh. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what I can do. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll confess something. Last week, when I had to pause the show to put Benjamin to bed, uh, I came back and was very tired because I, I was trying to get him to sleep. I was lying down with him in the dark, and I started getting tired myself. I'm like, oh, I got to get up and do another few hours of the radio show. I did not feel like doing that. I could have totally fallen asleep, and. If you'll notice, listening to the archives, you'll notice I seem very mellow and low-key when I came back. Uh, You said that's because you turned the lights down, though. Yeah, well, so then that was part of it, too. But also because my eyes were more used to the dark at that point. And then uh, Phil Helmuth helped perk me up, though. I I was so outraged at Helmuth's uh, comments on that Doug Polk interview that it actually perked me up again. But... Then I started to get tired again, and to be honest, I don't remember a lot of what I said in the second half of that show. Like, I, I, I'm, not being, I'm not making this up or being dramatic here. I really don't remember a lot of what I said. Mm. So, but I, I got through it, and if I didn't sound exhausted, then I did a good job faking it. Right now I'm not tired, but I have some bad news, two, two elements of bad news. The first element of bad news, and I, I kind of knew about this, that uh, Poker Fraudler has been having some issues today uh, connecting to it, where it's been timing out, it's been slow. Uh, I don't know if someone is attempting to DOS the site. I don't know if it's just having technical difficulties. It, it just started happening a few hours ago. Whenever this happens on the day of radio, I get very suspicious that maybe it, it is someone trying to screw with the radio. Uh, but uh, last time this happened, it had nothing to do with that. Last time it was Russians. So I'll take a look into this afterwards, but hopefully you guys can connect okay tonight and and listen okay. I noticed it myself. And the weird thing is that uh, Vegas Casino Talk operates on the same server as Poker Fraud Alert. And when I couldn't connect to Poker Fraud Alert earlier, I tried Vegas Casino Talk, and (laughs) I connected right away. So that could have just been random, but uh, that was kind of weird too. So hopefully you guys have no trouble getting through tonight if you do catch it in the archives and i guess if you can't hear this that means you couldn't connect which means i'm kind of pointlessly saying this but i i'm saying this in case some of you <laughs> have trouble connecting during the show it's probably on this end but uh it's one of these things that hasn't been going on long enough for me to have investigated yet but uh, thank you to seriously serious who actually alerted to me of this and i know he's right because i experienced it myself He's usually right with this stuff. He's pretty sharp. So, let's see what else. Just when I think I've put an end to these Russian hacks here, this may be happening again. Speaking of Russians, by the way, I was really considering just banning the entire country of Russia because pretty much everybody connecting from Russia is either someone attempting to spam or someone trying to hack the site. That's what I've done before. But I can't because we now have a listener who lives in Russia. You can whitelist him? Oh, I, I could, but I'm afraid he doesn't just have one IP. It may be tough. So, uh, he, he, it's Mr. Tickle has moved to Russia. He posted some very interesting pictures of Russia in the last radio thread from last week. But, yeah, and I checked, and his IP is a .ru. It resolves to a .ru address. So, I'm like, ah, crap, now I can't blacklist Russia anymore. 
It's, it's tempting. No shit. I've got a friend of mine who's right now horseback riding in Kyrgyzstan. Do you know where that is? No. So Kyrgyzstan is kind of like um, northwestern China hmm. is kind of where it's located, but, but kind of located uh, right between there and Russia, right? Mm-hmm. And she was, <laughs> she was watching some movie with The Rock, and it's got The Rock uh, overdubbed in Russian. She sent me a video of it. It is bizarre, man. It's really bizarre. They got some pretty good voice actors, but it's really weird to see The Rock talking, sounding like he's Ivan the Terrible. You know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so let's see. Anything else in the intro tonight? Uh, no, I think I covered it all except for the agenda. So here's the agenda tonight. And Oh, I, here's the other piece of bad news I forgot to tell you guys. Uh, last week I... I had to pause the show because I had to put Benjamin to bed because his mom went to bed before he did. It's because he was on a bad sleep schedule. I said in the week that would follow that I would have him on a normal sleep schedule and that he'd be able to go to sleep with her. Uh, that did not completely happen. <laughs> so it's better than last week. And there's a chance that he will be able to go to sleep with his mom tonight. And then everything will be fine. But there's also a chance I'll have to pause the show again. So if you're listening live, I apologize if that happens. Uh, last week it was pretty much a certainty. This week, uh, you know, he's moving to an earlier schedule, but it's, it's kind of a slow process. It was, it's been tougher than I thought. The, the problem is he just keeps uh, – it's so hard to get him to sleep at night. And when we try to put him to sleep early, he's just so awake you can tell he's never going to fall asleep. Like super, super awake. So – Anyway, let's uh, let's get going here, and uh, here's the agenda, and then we'll start with the main content of the show. Last week, we spoke about a lovely gentleman known as uh, Zohair Karim, who is a poker player, a tournament player, $1.6 million in caches. Of course, that's not what he's won. That's what he's cashed. So, so $6 million in caches. No, $1.6 million. Or 1.6 million caches. Yes. yes. I mean, over over what time period? I, I don't even know. I didn't check. But, I yeah, I don't know if he's a winning tournament player or not. But he's at least prolific enough to have cashed 1.6 million. Do you think he's, you know, above or below Seven uh, Eleven clerk wages? <laughs> That's a good question. He could be a negative wages. I mean, it's a... Uh, yeah, you never know with these tournament players. But but anyway, he regardless of what his wages were from his tournament winnings, I put in quotes... He definitely doesn't have any of it because not only is he broke, but he has been scamming. He's been scamming poker players. Uh, the most recent scam was overselling the World Series package he had, where he was selling more than 100% of himself, where if he did not cash a tournament, then he would win money, and if he cashed a tournament, he would lose money. And that was uh, announced last week on this show, and one of the victims was Matt Glantz, who was very angry that some friends of his who also had been scammed by Zohair prior to him, kept their mouths shut. And he was frustrated that he ended up buying pieces of Zohair not knowing about this. He was mad at the friends for not warning him. But uh, the big thing we talked about last week was the fact that Zohair actually cashed the main event despite having sold more than 100% of himself. Because he's a dummy. Yes. Um, But... More has come out since then, and it really seems like 
this is worse than it was originally thought. One of the victims of this scam is, spoke out on 2 Plus 2, so I'll read what that person said, and we'll talk further about what Zohar did. And how to recognize red flags when someone you might be backing is screwing you in some way. Two things you might think of from last decade involving poker would be Tom Dwan and Poker After Dark. But both seem to be gone. But both are back now. Poker After Dark is back this past week, and Tom Dwan was back, and he played on it. So we'll talk about Tom Dwan's appearance on Poker After Dark. There's also a, an epic hand that took place, an aces, kings, and queens hand, where Tom Dwan was involved. We talk about Kate Hall sometimes on this show. She's only acknowledged my existence once ever. And that was to make a snarky one-line tweet back to me, saying something like, maybe it's because nobody likes you. That's, that's when she was, she was asking someone to... I think let her stay. What, what was it? Some, something about some favor of someone letting her stay at her play at a place in the in Vegas for a week, something like that. Like you have an extra room, something like that. And she got a number of responses. So I said something. No. Uh, yeah. So I said back. Uh, I, I wonder if I put out the same message. If I'd be getting the same uh, same response, the same amount of generosity, and I put like hashtag white female privilege or white female and poker privilege. Well, you know the answer. Yeah. So so then she she that's when. Oh, she hold on. Did your heart? Get a little flutter when you saw you had a tweet from Kate Hall? No, I thought I, no, I thought I was going to be blocked. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, like when I saw she's responding, I'm like, oh crap! Now I'm going to be blocked. Now I got to go on alternate accounts to read her, tweet, her tweets. If I <laughs> like, that's the only reason I've like really, really like not talked to her on there. Is that I'm so afraid like anything I say is going to make her block me because she blocked everybody. It, it's still a mystery why she does not block me because like the slightest thing that irritates her, like you can just disagree with something she says slightly and she's going to block you. So somehow she's not blocking me. And even after that, she didn't block me. But anyway, a few, she's made a few tweets of note recently. Most uh, attention-whoring, but uh, we'll talk about them anyway. She is never going to block me. Because she doesn't know you're there? Because I don't follow her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a naked poker player, not a female, so don't get excited. A naked poker player got shot... And attacked by the police canine unit when he went absolutely crazy this past week. Why the hell was he naked? He was naked in front of a church. What? Yeah. By the way, do you hear the sound effects or no? No, I don't hear anything. I thought I I turned it on for you. I'll try it one more time. I just like the old way where I could just make it happen. Don't you hear this? Yep, cuckoo. Okay, good. So, we'll talk about that. A naked poker player named Jason Funk, with an E at the end. Funk E, I guess. Jason Funky or Funk, I don't know. Molly's Game, the movie about Molly Bloom, the New York City area private game super host. That movie is coming out soon. And a trailer for that movie has dropped. So I'll play the trailer and I'll give you my opinion on it. As can Cal Watt when he hears it. This one was brought to us by Seriously Serious, this next topic. And 
I don't believe it's been discussed anywhere yet. Poker Central could possibly be violating FTC rules. And that might be because it appears that Phil Helmuth, Daniel Negreanu, and Antonio Esfandiari may be undisclosed owners of it, and yet they were promoting it as if they were not. And that is against the FTC rules. So we will discuss that a bit. That was just brought to our attention today by Seriously Serious, and I think it's worth discussing. Uh, a similar scandal, that not you know, worse than this, but a similar scandal occurred in the gaming community where two guys, very popular YouTube gamers, strongly promoted a site where you could essentially gamble for equipment on a game called uh, uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, and they didn't disclose it was their site. Well, as I as I told you before, that's rampant. Yeah, I mean it is because it's so hard to track. Yeah, so and that's why there's that's why the market for various people's social media accounts are is underground. Yep. So that we'll talk about that uh, situation with Poker Central. Now, hold on. Does that mean that Doug Polk can take their footage and make videos out of it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's. I, I, you know, I have to say though that uh, you know, since seriously, seriously, serious is very close to Doug Polk these days, working for him. Uh, since this does involve Negranu and it paints him in a in all a, right flattering light, that's uh, I, I have to think you know anything that could help make Negranu look bad. I know seriously, serious and Doug Polk love to jump on these days because they've got this. Yeah, on. but aren't they? Isn't he buddies with Helmuth? They need he to just, just have him on and involve him too. Right. I was going to say that too, though. I was going to say that they are on yeah. good terms with Helmuth, so I'm probably just making that up. But it, it is true that there's this little. It's kind of like a, a soft feud with Negranu. It's not like they detest each other, but it's it's you know it, it's not made up. The, the the two sides don't seem to like each other very much. Oh, uh, they'll kiss and make up eventually. They could. It is possible. I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. But but at the moment, would you be shocked if there was tongue? Um, since it involves Negranu, probably not. And uh, I don't know. I'd be shocked. <laughs> I'd be shocked. You You'd know, be shocked. I really would. And f- some people say that Doug Polk looks like Vanessa Selps. Yeah, like, but the, I mean, some people. Some that people that just he, means he likes girls, so everything's fine. Well, no, but you could go the reverse and say that uh, just if you look like Vanessa, that you're going to like the same sex. No, I mean you're you're essentially saying that she looks like a dude, and he's a dude, and he likes girls, and she likes girls, and everything. Everyone's but, happy. But it right? could be a middle ground here, where they 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 both, uh, you know, she could be a masculine girl, he could be a feminine guy. I mean, it's, that can be. So you think that they might date? You know this could be happen. like the the battle of the faux hawks. It, it, it could happen. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, they could share hair product. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I actually saw a guy who looked like Vanessa Selfs uh, more than Doug Polk does. It was years ago, and it's not it's a nobody in poker. But I saw someone over at the next table years ago, and I'm like, oh, Vanessa's at the next table. But then, like, I thought I heard a voice coming from there that was not Vanessa's voice, and it was clearly a dude's voice. And then I. I Looked over there and I go, wait a minute. And then like I, I actually stood up from my table and walked over to that person, pretending I was walking over something else, and just looked more closely. And no, it was a guy. It was a guy who just happened to look just like Vanessa Selfs. And uh, mm. I should have taken a picture. I really should have. No, he should have taken a picture with Vanessa. Yeah. Well, there, there are there are some uh, poker doppelgangers out there. Like there's even one of Micah. 
There's a guy who, who's uh, looked incredibly like Brian Mikan. I'm I'm still waiting for the one with me. The closest that has been found. There's a player named Pat Poles. That's P-O-E-H-L-S. I think is how you spell his name. Pat Poles. And one time at Commerce, I was reading updates after the event, and it kept talking about Pat Poles in hands that I knew I was involved in. And I realized that I was Pat Poles, and that made me look him up. And I go, oh, okay, I guess I can kind of see it. So that, that's the closest I've seen to... Uh, but it was nothing like the two Micons. Like the two Micons. I don't know the name of the other Micon, but uh, they actually took a picture together. And they, Micon knew about this because I guess someone went up to this other guy and kept calling him Micon. Like s- several people had, had kept calling that guy Micon. And he was a British guy. So like people say, hey, Micon, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's not, not my name. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 no, Micon, come on, stop screwing around. He's like, I beg your pardon. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know this character you're, you're referring to. So, one day they met. Okay, uh, I got a speeding ticket on my trip that I, I don't think I mentioned on my little trip report last week. And I brought it up on the forum for advice. But as what occurs on this forum, often when you're bringing up a topic looking for serious advice, it turns into trolling. And that's what happened. The, the, the trolling was against me, by the way. So... A lot of people gave me a hard time about this ticket. So I'm going to talk about the speeding ticket I got in Alberta and ask the audience if you think that I should pay it, number one, from a practical standpoint, like there will be consequences if I don't, and number two, from a moral standpoint, should I pay it just because it's right to pay it? So I will discuss that ticket. America's card room has been processing Bitcoin cash outs very quickly from what I hear, like sometimes within hours. That's the good news. The bad news is that these quick Bitcoin payouts have a major flaw, at least the recent ones have, and it's a major flaw which has caused a massive delay in people receiving their Bitcoin, and for this delay, America's card room is saving a whole dollar for their, uh, the shortcut they're taking. <laughs> so... I hope they enjoy that dollar per cash out that they're saving. So I'll tell you what's going on there with the supposedly fat, fast Bitcoin cash outs on America's card room and why they're doing something very stupid. Remember the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, the PCA? It's been going on, I think, since 2004. It's in the Bahamas every January. And I announced on this show in 2016 that I heard from an inside source that the PCA would be gone in 2017. And this upset poker stars. They actually mentioned me and Poker Fraud Alert in a statement saying that this was false. Well, uh, I was half right because there was no PCA in 2017, but they still had the same tournament essentially in the Bahamas. It just was under a different brand name. So they really did retire the PCA brand. I had heard it was just going to be gone. But uh, they did retire the brand name and called it something else. And that was a permanent decision, supposedly. Well, I guess not. After the non-PCA PCA this year was a failure, they had fewer entrants than ever, they are bringing back the PCA. So we'll talk a bit about that. Mm -hmm. Haley Hintz 
posted on FlushDraw.net a little story about Phil Hellmuth and his book called Poker Brat that uh, just came out. And the appendix in the book involving UB, which very much resembles what he said to Doug Polk in that interview. Oh, man, I was wondering what the hell you're talking about. In the show notes, it, it said something about Phil Helmuth's appendix. Yeah. Like, probably, what the hell are you talking you're about? probably hoping it, was, it needed to be taken out. But no, it, uh, so that's, that's the appendix. Yeah, <laughs> not the body. Not, not the appendix in his body. Well, you didn't say his book's appendix. Yeah, you I know. said Phil Helmuth's appendix. No, it says Phil Helmuth's appendix in new book. Come on, that's... Uh, Come on, Druff. Words mean things, man. That's good enough. So (laughs) Haley told an interesting story about how she actually was given an advanced copy of that appendix and told to respond in whatever way she wants. They They wanted her to be brutally honest and even nasty to them about that appendix if she felt like doing so. So I'll tell you a bit what uh, Haley thought of that and... The whole process she went through with that. It's, it's a bit of an interesting story, so I'll tell you guys when we get to that segment. Finally, on VegasCasinoTalk.com, my other forum, the question was raised, not by me, but I thought it was a good question. What will Vegas be like in 25 years? So in the year 2042, what will Las Vegas be like? I'll be 70. Hopefully I'll still be alive to go there. In 2042. But there will definitely be changes. Look at Vegas in 1992 versus now. There's been incredible changes since then. So we'll talk a bit about what Vegas will be like in 25 years. Maybe we can even find Brandon for this segment. I know people love having Brandon on during the Vegas segments. And when I wrote that topic into the show... I thought, wow, it would be nice to have Brandon for that one. So, Yeah, we got to have Brandon back here. Yeah, so, so I'll, try, I'll definitely make a, a real effort to reach him for that one. And it's good that it's the last topic because Brandon has a very late schedule. It's not even uncommon for Brandon to be asleep now and waking up sometime during the show. I'm not even kidding. Like, not like he, like, it's not like he goes to sleep at, at 9 or something and happens to wake up and notice the show's on and he stays up. I mean, like, he'll go to sleep. You know, maybe at 2 p.m. and wake up at 10 p.m. His sleeping schedule is all over, but what is the, the commonplace with him is being up all night, like after midnight. So the later in the show this is, the higher chance it is we'll reach him. So hopefully he can comment on this. People always enjoy his feedback in the Vegas segments, and uh, he does give very good feedback on those type of topics, and I know he really enjoys them. So... Let's get going here. Free roll not only began, but you can't even get in anymore. Late registration's over. It's set in stone. If you're not in, you're never going to be in for this particular free roll. So let's talk about Zohair Kareem and his oversell scam. Shall I say talk a bit more about it? Because we talked about it last week. But there's an update to it, and there's more I want to say about it, because I don't think that it was fully covered to my satisfaction, especially with the newer material that came out. So basically, the first indication something was wrong came from Matt Glantz, Poker Fraud Alert regular listener and uh, pro poker player. He tweeted on July 31st, which is now more than two weeks ago, that he was very angry that his friends did not warn him 
about Zohair's scams, which was basically overselling his World Series package, selling more than 100% of himself, and that had his friends told him about this and warned him about this, then he would not have invested in Zohair himself and then been scammed. So Matt got scammed almost 10K. It's pretty much certain that this happened. Not only have a lot of people come out about this, but Zohair himself tweeted, I can just out myself on your show at uh, Joey Ingram. I don't think he ever did that, but uh, it's not like Zohair said, oh, no, this is wrong, or oh, there's a misunderstanding. Like He's pretty much giving up. Yeah, I can out myself. <laughs> so so I, I don't think we're stretching it to say that this is fact, this really happened. Not that I didn't believe Matt Glantz. I fully believed him, but I'm just saying for those that might be in doubt or thinking there, there could be a chance that there's another side of the story, there's not. He's scammed. By the way, usually when there's someone accusing someone else of scamming in public, there's a very high chance, especially if the person doing it is someone that's like even semi-known in poker. I don't mean just like some random anonymous person who you can't link to a real name. But, but pretty much anyone else that isn't like an anonymous troll, if they say someone scammed and they were the victim of it, it's usually 100% true. It's very rare that someone is accused of scamming and then it turns out, oh, you know what? The person accusing them just made that up or exaggerated or this, this really wasn't that bad. No, like just about every time you find out it's exactly as portrayed in the original post. Once in a while, not, but usually yes. So Zohair did what it seems like happens every year at the main event with someone or more than one someone where they sell more than 100% of themselves. And then you have a few idiots who cash anyway. I think with the main event, and I mentioned this last week, people realize that if they win the main event, or come close to winning, that they'll get so much money that at that point they don't care what anyone thinks. Then they can just take the money and run. So it's very hard to punt off a stack in the main event when you think, wait a minute, what if I don't punt it? What if I just you know get millions of dollars and just take it and leave? So I have to imagine that's what he was thinking. Either that, or he figured that people who bought pieces of him would take Lesser payouts If they're still getting a very good payout In fact I heard I don't know if this is true But I heard that actually happened with Stu Unger The last time he won the World Series In 97 That he oversold And that he held a meeting With his investors, his backers And said look I oversold this but you're all going to get rich here I've got a very good chance to win this thing So let's work out some percentage you'll really get I don't know if that happened But it kind of sounds like Stu Unger no way to ask him at this point <laughs> But uh, I've always wondered How would Stu Unger do If he was still around today Playing poker Would he be as dominant As he was 20 years ago Or has the game changed so much Would there be uh, A lot of counter To his uh, His strategies I mean I think he'd obviously Be really good But With all the tools That are out there I think that's uh, Quite an equalizer Yeah You know Yeah I think that uh, That's what I think too I think he'd, be, he'd still be A very good player But not wouldn't have the same dominance because uh, well I mean a person can be super gifted but when you bring in the kind of analysis tools that are out there now I mean people that aren't really gifted but just put in a whole lot of work uh, can get super super good yeah so anyway this thing with uh, with Zohair it happened we discussed it last week he has uh, $1.6 million in cashes. We don't know if that equates to being a winning tournament player or not. We don't know how many tournaments he entered. But 
someone's come out since then and told a little story about him, which I was kind of floored by reading. I mean, I, I knew he was a scammer by this point. I wasn't shocked that Zohar was scamming people, but just what shocked me was how naive some people can be. I guess I shouldn't be by now in poker, but it's really amazing how naive some people can be. And I, I hate being the guy to ever shame the victim of these type of scams because, number one, it, it makes victims not want to come forward when you shame them. And number two, the focus should be on the scumbaggery of the guy who did it, not the victim who may have used bad judgment. But still, I am surprised when I read some of these stories and I think, how could, how could some of these people have fallen for it? Even if they're trying to convince themselves that someone they like is okay. Like there's, some of these red flags were so large that uh, you felt like the flag was going to be so big it was going to block out the sun. Like it, it, it was that big of a red flag. Several of them, not just one. So I'm going to read you a post from a guy who calls himself Fake Logic. I don't know his actual name. He didn't. I know who that is. Oh, you know who it is? Okay. I do. Okay. Is it someone who makes his name public or you just know who it is? I well, I, I'm not gonna you won't out say it. his say his name, but he's a nice guy. He's been around for quite some time. Smart guy. Okay, that's, see, that's that's the funny thing is a lot of these people like they, they write well, and it seems like they it doesn't seem like they're idiots. It just seems like uh, that's why it's surprising why some of these people actually. He didn't get scammed, did he? No, he did. Yes. Oh my god! I'm no, wait surprised. Till you, wait till you hear the story. You're gonna be really be surprised. <laughs> I'm I'm actually very surprised. Well, yeah, listen, listen he's, he's usually a pretty smart guy. All this, right. this is from 2 Plus 2. He read, So finally decided to post something publicly about this because I've reached the end of the road in terms of getting real f- info from Zoe. Nothing will ch- really change anything, but at the very least, it will realign some sense of sanity in the world for myself by putting this out there. At the same time, this is a somewhat embarrassing story to tell because when it's laid out, there are definitely red flags and just basic unprofessional habits that should have kept me away from being at risk in the situation before it blew up. Now, that's the understatement of the year, by the way, as you'll hear from this story. Wow. Uh, most of you don't know me, but I'm a regular in the 2 plus 2 marketplace and a relative newcomer to the whole MTT scene. That's the uh, multi-table tur- tournament scene. Starting 2014, despite being a live cash game pro for the better part of a dozen years. Right. So he, he goes back uh, just a little bit less than I do. I, I go back uh, in, in the cash scene about 16 and a half years. He goes to about uh, 12. Uh, he says, I staked Zoe from August 2015 through March 2017 with the conditions being that I had all live MTT action up to 1675 or the proportionate amount of 1675 in a bigger buy-in unless agreed to otherwise. In the end, our average buy-in was just under 860 in, two, in 268 entries. He never cleared makeup at any point. Now, just to clarify for those of you that don't understand the staking arrangements and what makeup is, it's very simple. If you have some kind of long-term staking arrangement with someone, makeup means that if, if you've been staking someone and they're currently losing overall, that if they finally get a score of any kind, any money they win, you get 100% of it until they get back to even. And then at that point, whatever split you've agreed to is what's done. So makeup is, is, is getting you back to even immediately rather than them keeping part of it. So and there are some makeup deals where they don't you don't get 100 percent. Maybe, you know, uh, a deal where as long as you're in makeup that you get 80 percent or but but usually it is 100 percent. Usually it is that uh, if, you, if you're backing them and they're losing that anything they win immediately goes to pay for past losses. They don't get to keep any of it as profit until they're actually profitable. So that's that's what he 
So he's saying that he, while he was staking Zoe, he was Zoe was never a hit. So, Dref, when you look at the the terms of these staking agreements, if this poker player was walked into like a financial advisor's office or a bank or something like that and tried to get a loan on these terms, you think they'd get it? Uh, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you just look at it from a purely financial perspective, I, I just wonder because. It, <laughs> You know, obviously there are some professional stakers that do a really good job with it and they actually make money doing it. I, I know some guys that do it, but they're guys who are like very hands on and they're training the, the, their, their horses to, to play a certain way and do a certain thing. But just people who are just kind of generally staking people, I mean, the, it always just seems like a terrible deal. It, it usually is, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, um, and by the way, this is again. These are stakes. These are not buy a piece deals. These are not where you, right. you get a direct percentage. This is where you're as a, you're right. putting up the whole buy in. Or a I'm talking specifically buy-in. about that. Yeah. specifically yeah. about staking. Something. Yeah, I know. It's, it seems like uh, yeah. it's a very tough thing to make money on. So he goes on to write in March 2016. Zoe final table the $2,000 Bay 101 preliminary that's in San Jose, uh, where he had a $32,000 score of which 70% was on a stake. All of which went towards makeup, so he had about That's so brutal. So, so so he had about twenty. <laughs> so he had That's about so bad. The guy finally binks a tournament, and just everything he won, just he just hands it. Well, over. and this is a problem, by the way. This is another problem with the staking arrangements: is that when people get deep enough in makeup. At this point, they realize that they've either got to win big or it's meaningless for them. So right. they'll play like crazy suboptimal styles to just hope to hit that big score this might explain chino reams play style yeah <laughs> so, you know so so sometimes if you see someone even like a known pro who just seems to be playing like a donkey and shooting it all off and go i thought that guy was good well that may be because of that <laughs> so anyway in this case uh zo won 32k at a prelim event at bay 101 to march 2016 and uh since i guess zo put up 30 percent of his own money and 70% was on a stake, or at least 70% was the stake that uh, this fake logic gave. 23K of it was supposed to go to uh, fake logic. Now, you're going to like this part. This is where it starts to get ridiculous. Remember, mm. this happened in March 2016. In April 2016, a few short weeks later, I suddenly receive a message from Zoe telling me that he has just lost his backpack at the airport, traveling from Pittsburgh on the way to Borgata. According to him, all of my money was inside. Hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so, I think we lost the sound effects again, okay, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I can imagine what that one was. Yeah. Yeah. So can you imagine uh, this guy is being staked, and he claims that he lost a backpack at the airport, and all the money was inside. He says, long story short, it was, long story sh- short, it was never recovered, according to Zoe. So it disappeared. It was never recovered. He does not mention in the story anywhere about, like, demanding a police report about it or anything. Just, it's gone. So he's, you know, he just calls him, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I'm not going to do that voice. We'll do, we'll do uh, I don't know Zoe's voice, but I'm going to do, uh, because of the name, I'm going to do uh, Arab voice. Which may come off as Indian. I don't know. You go, oh, hello. I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, 
I my backpack my backpack it, it is gone. It it I was at the airport. It's my backpack is it's it's nowhere nowhere to be found. I'm very sorry, my friend. That's just more Indian. That's that's Indian, man. Very, very Indian. I know. I can't really do the Arabs. I can only do the Indians. Okay. That's, anyway, that that's offensive to Indians because it's such because <laughs> you're you're saying it's a, an Arab person. I mean, come on, man. Okay. So how about some how about some sensitivity here? <laughs> so so <laughs> so the backpack is gone. Okay, the backpack is gone, and it's obvious. I mean, everybody listening, forget knowing the fact that Zoe turned out to be a scammer. Forget what you know now. If you knew none of this, and you heard this story in April of 2016, that the guy who finally hits a score after struggling at Bay 101 and has all the cash in his backpack, 23K of which... 23k of the 32k being uh, belonging to the backer, and that the backpack was lost at the airport. Would you ever believe this? Would you ever think there's like even a a five percent chance this is true? No, I would think I just paid a lot of money to get fucked. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no chance that's true. There's no chance. <laughs> so, and, and the uh. amazing thing is that Fake Logic never demanded proof of this. He never demanded, okay, go file a police report. Like because then the people have to start filing false police reports. Not not that some wouldn't do it anyway, but it gets tougher to actually go to the police station and, and just make up this whole story when it didn't happen, and then risk getting in trouble for that. So that's not mentioned. He doesn't say whether he did or didn't demand a police report, but I'm guessing he did not. So he goes on to write, it was at this point Zoe revealed to me that he was pretty much broke. In addition to his own money he claims he lost in the backpack, he had nothing significant left in the bank, nor any savings or income sources to repay my cash immediately. None of his friends could give him a loan to cover any part of his debt to me. In his responses at the time, he thought it was absurd that I would assume otherwise. Of course. Of course it's absurd. Mm -hmm. So... Not only did he lose the money, but he's claiming he's totally broke and can't pay back the money he lost. He says, Looking back, I could have definitely done a lot better due diligence and asked for bank statements and signed documents confirming that he could cover any cash he was carrying on him. I did make a stipulation in our original deal that he couldn't have more than 25 k on him at any time. Yeah, that, that's, that's useless. Uh, at, at the same time, if you know Zoe, he had a confidence... Ego about him that 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 made uh, that that made it tries to question him seem like it's an absurd thing. For example, he'd brag about holding a hundred k of his former backer's money with no issues. So at the time, I just didn't think that a guy like him would be stupidly carrying around case money in a backpack and then losing it to the airport bathroom. Silly me. It was the airport bathroom? Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe what happened there? I, I'm changing my mind here. Maybe Zoe is actually gay. And he was doing one of those airport bathroom things where you you kind of reach over the, under the stall and give a signal to the next guy that you know you're gonna one of you's gonna go over there and you can give each other a blowjob. Maybe that's what he did. And then while the backpack was left unattended during the blowjob, it disappeared. Yeah, now I'm you seem to know an uh, awful lot about this. Well, there was a, there was a scandal with a politician some years ago where that in, mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota where that's uh, in the airport there where uh, a politician did that uh, little signal under the stall. And then what came back on the other side of the stall was a badge. <laughs> so do you have a wide stance, Druff? Yes, that was the wide stance. That was the excuse that he had. A, be honest a, with me. Do you have a wide that he stance? Had a wide stance. Is that what we're talking about yeah, here? It was a wide stance. <laughs> this would explain the weak immune system, Druff. <laughs> Just saying. So may, may, maybe that's where the backpack went. But 
Anyway, getting back to this. Uh, uh, analyzing what he wrote here. Okay, so he's saying that Zoe has this confidence, this ego about him where he just acts like it's crazy that you could ever worry about anything like that and that uh, if you dare question him, hey, I held 100K for another guy and everything was fine. How come that didn't appear, disappear, huh? How come that didn't disappear? Well, because you probably didn't need the money right at that time. Or maybe you didn't actually do that. Maybe you never really held 100K for someone else. Or maybe that was a, a confidence scam where doing that makes you look trustworthy so you can steal later. There's a lot of reasons you could have held 100K for someone at some point and not stolen it. That doesn't sure. mean you won't do it again in the future. Sure. By the way, I, I held 50K for someone this summer. So wow. He, he better watch out next year. If that, if that guy lets me hold You're going to lose a backpack again, somewhere? Yeah, he, he, he better be careful. It better not involve a backpack. It better not be when I'm going to the airport or any bathroom, especially a public bathroom. Just warning this guy. He got away with it once. He, he, he left 50K with me once and got it back, but next time he may not be so lucky. You don't know. So he goes on to write, I was obviously livid and definitely had my doubts. I have screenshots of Zoe's activity on Twitter during the first couple hours after notifying me, including replying, Picks or it didn't happen, uh, to some model. <laughs> so, so after all his money to his name was stolen, plus 23K of his backer's money, he's on Twitter, like, flirting with some model saying, Picks or it didn't happen. Okay. So, he's already thinking, okay, he's not really showing the same, like, frustration or, or uh, Stress about this that he would have expected. It seemed so. Right, it seemed fishy for someone to be doing that after losing their case money. But through a combination of things, including my naivete, my own confidence in my rep as a regular two plus two marketplace uh, action buyer, and Zoe's personality, reputation, and the friends he seemed close to, I mostly believe this was a very unfortunate situation, and at worst, a case of lazy of a lazy weed smoking poker player royally screwing up. Not someone who's oh. trying to straight good, up. Good job vetting the guys that you stake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, there's this guy who's a lazy weed-smoking poker player. What do you think about giving him a bunch of money <laughs> to play tournaments? Well, I, I like also he said this is like the worst he thought it was. Not like, well, I concluded this was most likely. No, this is the worst. He, he really didn't think scamming was even possible at this point. Oh, my. So he goes on to write, now it was a question of how best to proceed. A couple other people told me I should just end things right there and hope to create a payment plan, though all of them told me it was unlikely I would ever see a dime back. Yeah, those people you might were see right. a dime back. <laughs> you might know, see a dime back. You might see a dime bag. Just like the end things right there, it just reminds me of like some woman who's like always getting beaten by her husband, and uh, she's like, "Oh, but but you know he he's going to counseling. He's saying he might change." They're like, "You know you need to end it right there." No, no, no. It's it's uh, it, I I think he loves me. It's going to end up okay. So it's, it's a lot like that. It's like they're telling him, end things right here. Just cut your losses, get out. No, he did not. He says, but again, for the reasons listed above, and maybe the degen inside of me hoping that Zoe was due to go on a big run, and I get the debt back sooner. I decided to continue our stake, but add an extra 25% of every buy into our makeup number, where the debt amount would eventually be doubled, meaning... Eventually, a max 23K extra makeup would be added on the stake. So he just dropped this 23K onto makeup is what happened. Uh, but, but then also, uh, 
the the twenty three k is a uh, a debt owed separately. So that was uh, so he added on to make up and then said, oh, but you also still owe it. So that's our that's our agreement. So is that if I continue staking me, if I continue staking you, you also are going to owe me twenty three k in make up. But then you also are going to owe the the twenty three k back that you lost. So I'll get, I'll basically collect it twice if you get out of makeup. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm never going to pay you back. So sure, whatever you say. Fuck it. <laughs> would 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 you like a thousand percent in the future? Would you like that? <laughs> Anything you want, man. <laughs> would you like? Would, <laughs> would you like me to? Uh, here, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Back me here, and I will guarantee that in two years I will hand you. One million dollars. Just for being such a nice guy. By the way, can you hear that sound effect? Nope. Ah. Sorry, man. It's funny because I, I, I put it on, and it works for a short time, and then it stops working. I can fake it. Don't okay. worry about it. Okay. Just bothered me in principle. Okay, so he's... So, uh, plus I told Zoe he could never carry that much of my cash on him anymore. I thought that this was a fair, a fair deal, and Zoe agreed to it. Now, why wouldn't he? In a month or so, immediately after the backpack incident, Zoe actually paid back $3,500 in the form of buy-ins he fronted, but nothing since. What, he, what he's saying by paid back is that uh, he didn't really pay him, but uh, like in the next $3,500 worth of tournaments that Zoe entered, Zoe gave him credit for, as if he were staked, but then actually put up his own money for them. Uh, the debt has stood at $19,556 for a, almost a year now. All of that extra makeup was added to the stake, but we ended the stake before I saw any benefit from that. In the meantime, we actually earned 1700 in tourney profits, with the high actually being twenty four k in profit before I quit the stake. Our makeup stood at uh, 52778 uh, That's inc- including that 23 k he added. So, so in addition to... Uh, the scamming that he's been victim of here. He also lost about uh, 29K on the stake. Or almost 30K on the stake. Now, losing on the stake is fine. That's the agreement. That's part of the risk. I'm not saying that's, uh, that part, that's part of the scam. But <laughs> the guy, he not only uh, lost with, with Zoe playing for him, but Zoe also stole from him. So he says, the main reason I quit the stake was because of this. Zoe has a propensity to fire everything and go as hard as possible, especially on small buy-in re-entry events to try and spin up stacks. As pointed out to me from other MTT pros, it's not out of the question with high, with high variant styles and structures. But he pretty much fired max bullets to the last half dozen or so events in one month, including 15 bullets to the $570 event. Oops. One million Did you hear that one? I put, played the wrong sound effect. I bet you heard that one. I did. Okay. <laughs> I meant to play a, a laughter there. Uh, including 15 bullets in a 15, 570, the last event I staked him in, and went from that 24K profit peak post-backpack back down to only 1,700 profit post-backpack. I just decided I had enough. So in case you don't understand what he's saying here, what Zoe started doing is playing like three-figure buy-in tournaments, like 570 buy-ins, but where you could rebuy, and just would play like a complete maniac. Every time, rebuy, 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 and kept bust, rebuy, bust, rebuy, bust, rebuy, bust, rebuy. And then when the tournament would be over, he'd say, well, guess what? I did not cash, and I entered 15 times. Sorry about that. 
What? How did you enter 15 times without cash? Well, I just played a very aggressive style. I'm trying to run up chips, and it just never quite got there. My aggressive style, I just I just ran into hands every time. I never got lucky. Uh, I blew, blew through 15 buy-ins. Well, you might be wondering, how do you know that he entered with 15 buy-ins? How do you know that uh, he didn't just play once and then leave and then keep the rest of the money? Well, the answer is, you don't know that. The answer is, that's probably what happened. Because as far as I know, as far as I can tell from reading this story, proof was not provided that Zoe actually entered these 15 times. He just said he would. Why would he say that? Well, because Zoe was given money to enter. So, you, for example, uh, Zoe says, okay, I'm going to be entering this... this uh, tournament series here I'm going to be playing mostly these smaller buy-in events but I, I need you know 20k here so I can keep firing at them if I bust because these are rebuys so you can say okay you hand him 20k to play this tournament series he enters a 570 tells you he fired 15 times and you know there it goes over 8k but if he has he, if he didn't actually do that if he just played once and didn't rebuy now he's just kept over 7K from you. Now he just st- straight up stole from you, and you, just, you think he lost it on the stake. So that's the problem with these rebuys. A lot of times there's no proof someone actually rebought. Or if there is, you have to ask them to provide it, blah, blah, blah. So, and, and it's also harder to be caught. Like, okay, let's say Zoe just never showed up to play. Well, you, you know, this guy could have asked his friends, hey, did you see Zoe around here with Zoe playing? Whatever, you, you might be able to find out if Zoe played or not. But it's a lot harder to find out how many times Zoe rebought. Maybe Zoe rebought twice and he claimed he bought 15 times. How are you going to know? So uh, he's telling this story basically assuming that he got scammed this way. Then he writes, Then the news of him overselling the... Um, the 2017 main event came out, and it made me question and scrutinize everything. The timing of him losing his backpack soon after a significant final table, and the timing of busting the 24K in buy-ins sooner after another one definitely took on a different perspective now. Oh, yeah. He got a feeling in the pit of his stomach very similar to the one that you got when you saw you had a Twitter notification from Kate Hall. <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck. Yep. And he's thinking the same thing. Yep, so he's thinking, oh, my goodness. Maybe he didn't really buy in 15 times. Maybe he didn't really lose his backpack. Oh, my goodness. It's all making sense now. It's all making sense. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, if only there were some signs I could have seen this coming. But, oh, well. Sometimes people are just really good at hiding what they're really doing. So he went on to say, I went, on, I went to Zoe directly and asked him what was going on. And he was very vague and combative and defensive, to say the least, especially for a person just outed to have scammed his closest poker friends. As his main staker for the last year and a half, I asked him the very reasonable professional request for a player's audit from every casino he's played at for the last year and a half, just starting with the main ones like Rio, Venetian, Seminole, Hard Rock, etc. He was not very receptive to this idea. No. I, I'm shocked by that. No. <laughs> he was not very receptive no, to that? I, no. I can't believe it. Yeah. 
No, and he that's, kept, that's incredible. But instead, he kept offering alternate or alternative options, such as pictures of faded receipts from a year ago. <laughs> or, or, hey, bro, how about I'll suck your dick? <laughs> we'll just forget about the whole thing. I don't know why I keep playing that million dollars <laughs> thing. I keep hitting the wrong. I, I keep trying to do the laughter. I get a million dollars instead. Okay, so after repeated prompts for updates... He never took the initiative to reach out to me at any point of this. I'm shocked by that, too. And me telling him that I received an audit back myself, he finally sent me one screenshot of a supposed WSOP audit from 2016. Remember, it's a screenshot. He didn't actually send the the actual audit. And just from that one picture, Photoshop anyone, there was already one discrepancy. I have an event played in my spreadsheets scrolled back in our text to confirm he says he played and busted. Yet this wasn't on his supposed World Series audit. I guess he will just chalk this one up to being the Rio's error. (laughs) So already he found that an event he was supposed to have played at the Rio, presumably a World Series event, wasn't even on this audit that he gave him. (laughs) So... Uh, so first of all, he thinks that it was photoshopped, and second, he thinks that even with the photoshopping, there's still something missing that he should have played. He has thus far refused and ignored my request for an actual World Series of Poker audit email to be forwarded to me, to me and has stopped returning my texts. In the meantime, shocking. I have, I have just, just just shocking. I know. In the meantime, I have found out other facts and anecdotes regarding my situation, confirmed by speaking to others involved from this summer. Zoe owes upwards of 150k total at this point, before accounting for undiscovered phantom buy, bullets, loans, and pieces of action and overselling. No one knows where the money is. He claims to have none of it, despite repeatedly telling me he just pays his bills and lives a relatively simple life. And then he put, untrue based upon anecdotes from close friends. So, not sure how I was ever going to get paid back or what priority I would have had anyway, given some of his closest poker friends were scams. Zoe claimed to me that the Toomey backpack he lost with my money in it was the biggest purchase of his life in years. I'll tell you what, I got some Toomey backpacks, and they are very nice. <laughs> so, so. He's, he's got good taste, but I don't, I don't owe anyone no 150K. But can you believe this? He's claiming that the... the the Toomey backpack was a big loss here too. Like he's like, he's like, not only not only did I lose your money, sorry about that, but I had a Toomey backpack. That was the biggest thing I've bought in years, and that's gone too. You got to feel bad for me, man. I lost my Toomey backpack. Well, I mean, he may have blown through 150 grand or so of money, but he supported single mothers all across the tournament circuit. I'm sure, you know. <laughs> yes. Throwing, making it rain with some of those buy-ins, just throwing them down to the strippers. But his close friends have already told me he had purchased another Toomey backpack soon after the incident, uh, oh. dis- despite being broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, the funniest thing is he couldn't even like like hide the backpack for a while. <laughs> so he pretends he lost. Right, the I got to be honest, Ruff. If you're broke, like I don't see buying no Toomey backpack. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're very nice, but we're talking like you know five, six hundred bucks and up. So, and and if you just need something to carry your shit around and you don't have a lot of money, you're not going to buy one of those. You know, I, I like how though he he just can't hide the backpack. He can't just like shove the backpack under his bed and forget it exists for six months, or just keep it away from poker people seeing it. Like he has to still use that backpack. He's like, oh, I said I lost this backpack. Oh, but it's so nice. It's such a nice backpack. Okay, I'm going to say I bought another one. That's it. I'm, I'm just 
I, I bought a second one. That's it. That's I just a, sad. I bought a second backpack, a second Toomey <laughs> backpack. He couldn't even dispose of the backpack for a while. He couldn't just yeah. hide the backpack. He has to still use the backpack. He was that brazen. No, no, bro. This isn't the one that, that I lost your money in. It's the same thing. I just bought it again, man. The second Toomey backpack. I, I'm broke, but I needed another Toomey backpack. It's just, it's important. It's important. It's got, it can't, it can't be like, like, you know, American Outfitters. It's, it, it can't be REI. It's, it's got to be a Toomey backpack. Got to be that. You expect me to live like the caveman without the Toomey backpack? So he goes on to say, I once transferred Zoe 12K within two weeks leading up to series of events, as uh, poker events, uh, with no events in between. And when he arrived at the first event, guess how much money of that 12K that he showed up with? Any guesses? How much he had left? Zero point zero. Zero point zero. He yeah, no, he, I, I was pretty sure that's what that sound effect was. Said so he showed up with a, to the events to play that he was given twelve k to play with zero. Mm. How does he know this? Because he asked friends for a loan at that point to actually play the events. Oh my god! Now, what was the explanation? The explanation was that. Uh, he still had the 12K. He just needed to get to a Bank of America, and it was closed. Right. <laughs> then he writes, taken alone, it could just be laziness. But uh, based upon what's known now, it's a bit different. You think? My God. So, so you think when you, the guy you give 12K to play various tournaments with, and he shows up to the place with zero and is begging others to loan him money, do you think perhaps it's not just... He couldn't get to the bank. Then he writes, Zoe has made thinly veiled threats that those who out scammers don't usually get paid back. Uh-huh. Well, the truth is those who out him and don't out him are probably going to get the same amount of money. So this, this 150K draft, do you think he, uh, he's got it in a savings account? No, I think. Or do you, do you think do you think maybe he took this money and he, he put it into mutual funds or a 401K <laughs> or something? Well, it has been reported. On, it's been reported on two plus two that he's been seen in uh, in Foxwoods playing high limit pit games. That's it's what I was going to say, man. Yeah. This dude shot it off in the pits or spent it on hookers or you know who knows what. Yeah, but and, it, and it definitely all went to to vice stuff. The only sounds like the only nice possession he can't seem to get rid of is his uh, Toomey backpack. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's he's going to be buried with that backpack. Okay, so uh, anyway. That's a lot of stuff, but I'm about to puke on my keyboard reliving all this stuff. If anyone has any more info of Action Bot from August 2015 to March 2017, I have all my records we can cross-reference. While I didn't have 100% of every event, especially the 1675 buy-ins, maybe Zoe sold, enough, sold to enough comers of the poker world to where over, this overselling incident wasn't a one-time thing as he claimed it to be. Wow. I, uh, I would be shocked if... He actually oversold other times and not just the World Series. Mm. He may have actually oversold other events. I can't believe that. That's that's some theory. That that's kind of out there, but maybe you're right. Maybe maybe he did oversell other events. Right? Maybe this wasn't just a one-time lapse in judgment. Mm. You think? I for one, he writes, am definitely convinced I'm owed more than the nineteen thousand five fifty six he admits to. So I'm guessing this guy's probably owed you know fifty k or more. In reality, as far as uh, what was 
Yeah, probably this this almost twenty k plus uh, probably more than thirty was stolen from him, maybe even above thirty. I mean, who the, the, the who knows? Like more than a hundred could have been stolen from this guy. This, he said he's been Zoe's primary backer. But who knows? There could be other primary backers. Truff, <laughs> any any time something like this happens, it's never. Yeah, and people will say stuff like, "Oh, he's usually trustworthy. He never does stuff like this." It's never the first time that this person stole from you. No, never. It's the first time you caught them. Yes. And, and Always. In, and in poker, it's rare that you're the only victim also. Like right. that motherfucker with chopsticks trying to get the uh, the money out of the tip jar a long yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah. That poker reporter guy. Yeah. That, that didn't come out of nowhere. I'm sure he's been chopsticking it up for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, right. This, this guy here, not only was he repeatedly stealing from this fake logic guy, but... I can only imagine the number of people that he has scammed over time. Oh, he had his very own welfare scam going on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is great. People pay me money, and I just donk it off in tournaments, and I live the, live the high life. It's good stuff. I, I think 150 is a, uh, probably a very conservative number because there's, there's probably a lot of people right. who, who were just, uh, you know, were buying pieces of him here and there that yep. were also scammed but don't, either don't even know it or haven't come forward. So, Absolutely, and and you don't even know, and this overselling scam. How far he oversold? What if he what if he oversold to two hundred percent, three hundred percent? He could have. So, and, and also you don't know how many times that he just didn't play events when he said he was going to, and just took the money from people. So, this is a mess, and if this guy ever gets backed again by anyone. <laughs> Then no one has learned a thing, because this this is pretty egregious. I mean, some of these. Well, what's the reason I read this whole thing is the absurdity of some of these stories. He didn't even do a good job at being convincing, like the backpack story. No one's going to believe you, that. Wait, the the pot smoking lazy guy. You're saying he didn't do <laughs> he didn't do a thorough job <laughs> with his cover story? Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe it. <laughs> there's so many of the like the twelve k that he shows up with with zero dollars and claims the Bank of America just isn't open like you know like this this is so such a lackluster effort to steal and yet he's still successfully stealing. Hey, people that are lazy do a lazy job when they're criminals too. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean the the thing with the backpack story, like he couldn't even make it that something more. Traumatizing, like it couldn't be that he got mugged somewhere, and then you know, go to the police, make some stupid report. Oh, some black guy mugged me, and then you know, of course, it's going to go nowhere because the mugging never happened. Or at least you know, go somewhere where it could have happened. You know, go, actually drive down to a neighborhood where it's not unlikely this could happen. Pretend it happened. You know, make sure there's no cameras around. Kind of stake out where you're going to where you're going to pretend it was. Then say you got mugged there. Actually, go down to the police and report, and then, and then offer to give the backer a police report. So at least put the effort to do things like that. Truff, anyone who's going to go through that much work to do this can actually have a full time job that pays them more than they'll be able to scam. <laughs> and then, there's, you know? yeah, and then there's the the but like the, it's just that's probably the laziest story. I lost my back. Not even it was stolen. I just lost my backpack at the airport. I, I put my Tumi backpack down in the bathroom, and it just I don't know. It just got lost. This actually reminds me of a, we had a buddy of mine who um, was playing poker for a living. He had a he had an okay bankroll for playing 
uh, you know, low mid stakes or whatever. But he also had a penchant for drinking and would uh, would shoot off money in the pits sometimes too, right? So he he came back from a casino one time and he was telling us a story about he he lost his entire bankroll, like he didn't know where it was. He had just a, a wad of money and he must have dropped it somewhere. He had no idea. Yeah, and I, I mean, frankly, I, I didn't believe him. You know, I was sure that he got drunk and shot it off in the pits. Now, I mean, he might have blacked out and shot it off in the pits, whatever, you know. But I honestly didn't believe the story that he just lost it, right? Kind of like this lost backpack. Yeah, yeah. Well, it ends up being that he did not shoot the money off. It ends up being that his wife stole it from him. <laughs> Ex-wife, I wow. should say. So he did the right thing, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> come up with a better cover story. Yeah, you know. By the way, here's a guy who never needs a cover story. Trader Ruski, hello. What's happening, fellas? Thank God I got Trader Ruski. I can tap out to. Yeah, you got a, a backup here. You know, and the thing to say you lost it in an airport where there's like cameras everywhere. Yeah, that's a good point. Did that even happened. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. You You're know. right, though. You're right. Okay. And, and you know how, how much airports like uh, luggage and backpacks that are just lay, left laying around, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you I mean, they have like 10K. bomb disposal units that come in. Exactly. <laughs> and if you put 10K through, they're going to watch you to claim it, blah, blah, blah. He could have said he just left it in the taxi when he rushed out of the to get his yeah. plane or something. Yeah, it was like the worst story. But if get, he got away with it, though. Like he told the story, uh, okay, you know, oh, you know, at worst, he just smoked a lot of weed and wasn't really thinking what he was doing. All right, continue the steak. Again, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, again, for you know, he, the way this guy was described. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't stake him to begin with, but I also wouldn't count on him to come up with a brilliant cover story or not anything that takes a whole lot of effort to come up with, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's. I know, and then the, for the guy to say he was like he's had so much confidence. You know, it's short for confidence. Con. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually, I, I am really surprised just because I know the. Uh, the guy that is writing this, I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, because he's he's a smarter guy than that. And I, I assume that there must have been some level of combination of friendship and pity involved. You know. Yeah, and he didn't have to come forward. I'll say that. You know, he could have kept this shame silent and uh, and not told this story. So I don't want to be too hard on him. But this, look, I'm going to tell you guys something. Anybody here who stakes anybody else, if there's ever anything. That is suspicious regarding either money disappearing or people not playing events that they say they will or firing more bullets than you think appropriate or was agreed to or the person you're staking wants to fire a million bullets at the same thing. First of all, even if they really are firing the bullets, it's probably not a good idea because they're probably playing a super reckless style that is not going to be positive expectation. Uh, A second, always get proof. Always get proof on these things. You, You... no matter how trustworthy you think the person is, unless it's someone you really know well that you know is for sure not going to screw you, if it's somebody who is being staked because they otherwise can't afford to play, there's always the potential they're going to steal it from you. There's always the potential they're going to scam you or lie to you. Because a lack of money really makes people do things that are often not even in their normal character. And I'm not defending it. I'm saying that someone who otherwise doesn't seem to be a bad person and doesn't seem to have a bad history, if their back's against the wall financially and they think either I've got to steal from my backer 
or I can't pay rent this month, or I, I can't pl- keep playing poker, or I, you know, or, or my wife's going to leave me, or my wife's going to make me do get a real job because I can't support myself in poker anymore. Wh- whatever it is, if their back is against the wall in some way, and the way out of it can be to scam you, they will often scam you, even if they are not career scammers. So you always have to be super skeptical. And in fact, any stake you set up should have something built in where you are given proof to, to where the person is not insulted, where you just say, okay, uh, I'd like you to send me a proof that you entered. If, you, if, you, if it's a rebuy, I want to see proofs of the rebuy. I want to see something that's uh, authentic, an original copy, whatever. It's like something where you can verify it, that the money really went where it did. And, and also if it seems like that they are playing in a style where they're just trying to play as reckless as possible to supposedly run up a big stack, that's not a good person to be staking either. You don't want to be staking someone who's desperate or who's playing just absolutely crazily because they're either trying to finish in first or bust. So, always... You know, Drew, some, some part of me here would be just disgusted at the, the lack of effort that was put into the excuse that I was given. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd, yes. be, I'd be kind of disgusted. I'd be like, you know what? If you're going to rip me off... <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least, put a little bit of effort. Yeah, that's what it. I was thinking when I read this. You thing. know, that's what I was thinking when I read this thing. That there's just the, the, the lack of effort that was put in, and and, and then he gets away with it too. It's a lack of effort that succeeds. I don't know. So I mean, some part of me. I mean, I'd be pissed that I was ripped off, obviously, but I'd also be shaking my head like Jesus Christ. You you can't even put a little bit of effort into into trying to get away with this, right? I mean, god damn. But yeah, really, anybody here who who's staking anybody else, be very careful. Cover every base. Nothing's too rude to ask for, as far as proof is concerned. And never believe any story of things out of the ordinary. I always like to talk about on this show how every year it seems there's claims that people's rooms were broken into at the Rio and money was stolen out of the safe. And just about every time there happens to be a roommate in that room or somebody was playing on stake money, it's it's never just the guy who's there by himself playing with his own money. For some Drop, reason... I, I, I'm going to make you a promise right here and now. If I ever roll you for a buy-in, I'm going to give you a fucking fantastic story. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to give you just an amazing story with... with with hookers and banditos and cocaine, and I'm, I'm just going to give you a fantastic story. Yeah. I'm making you that promise right okay, now. Okay, that's, that's good. That's good. And I'll, <laughs> I'll promise everybody here, if, if uh, I sell pieces in future World Series and I roll people, uh, it's going to be a great story. I mean, a really good one where you're, you're not going to know what to hit you. It's going to be so believable that even if you catch me, you won't know what's true. It'll be that good. It won't be. It won't be a backpack that's lost. It won't be. Uh, my room was broken into and they stole money out of my safe. It, I promise you, it, it won't. It will not be that. If mm. I end up rolling, you, you, you might have to drop set, that. Yeah, I might have to drop that markup down just a touch next year, Drop. Yeah, it'll, I think. I think it's going to be so good. The person's going to end up sending Drop a few more thousand to get home. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, when I did, what so I, you know, this year when I, I missed part of the second day of the three K event and I ended up refunding people, but. Uh, and I had that troll harassing me about it, and the troll was uh, ultimately uh, discredited and uh, disgraced. Even Mason Malmuth didn't believe with him, believe him, but or agree with him. But this this was all a setup here. So this way, with this troll being disgraced, when he calls me out next year when I'm actually guilty of something, no one's going to believe him. It'll be the boy who cried wolf. So that's uh, that's a perfect setup. I knew I knew this guy would take the bait. 
And then, after making him look foolish, now, now the real scam's coming next year. So you watch out, guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm making sure to say this in August. If I said this like in, in March, no one would buy anything of me. By, by, uh, you're you're, you're going to have to be charging Mark down. Yeah, by, by next year, people <laughs> will forget this. Okay, so, yeah, that was a crazy story there, and that was posted this week, so it couldn't. It was not in And all week. of this said, even, you know, whether I knew this guy or not, I still feel bad that he got robbed like this. Oh, I, I do really too. Do. I do too. And yeah. I, I, I've never wanted to say that someone deserves to get scammed or stolen from just because they were naive or they were gullible or they did something stupid to enable it to happen. I don't care if, if you leave $100,000 cash on your dining room table and leave your door wide open your front door wide open when you uh, leave for the weekend and somebody comes in and, and walks away with your 100000 in cash. Will I say you were stupid? Will I say you were reckless and careless? Yes, but I won't say you yeah. deserved it. Right. I mean, this is why we have the concept of contributory negligence, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that it's your fault, but you contributed by being somewhat negligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am surprised, too. We haven't seen just somebody like at the World Series just punch somebody in the face when they're walking by them in the yeah there there have been a few yeah. little scuffles like, like have... with uh, with Brandon Cantu and uh and Jeffrey Lissandro a few years ago and then there was uh, something involving uh who was it now I think it may have involved John Robert actually and Greg Mueller or something <laughs> there was well there was like... I- Ivy's bodyguard got in it with that dude at the in the aria right you ever see that video yeah yeah I forget who the guy's name is. Some kind of pro, and the IP's <laughs> bodyguard just absolutely wrecks the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I you know because nice, there's got to be some payback. Trader Ruski's right, though. I am surprised that we haven't seen just some outright beatdowns over some kind of like bad scam where the person just shows their face again. Like you, you think one of these times it would happen. Or, one, or even worse. Yeah, like, the, the problem is these days, if you do something like that, the the person that scams you going to take you to court. You know, for assault. Yeah, I know. And that's, yeah. well, I'm just talking about somebody. Will. I'm talking, yeah, but I'm talking about somebody like who uh, who just is just is out of rage. They, they don't really think. It's yeah, right, right. They're right, not right. thinking. They've had a few beers. They're like, I saw this motherfucker. I just cracked my beer bottle over his head. Now it is true that scammers will pick their marks of ones that they feel will not physically harm them. That they'll pick someone they think is not going to ever do that to them. So Right. That would be good for poker when that happens. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's probably a lot of the reasons some of this. But I, I am surprised like you that we're not seeing anything like this happening. That's, uh, that these scams just happen. People just get away with it and nobody ever gets uh, beat down. Or There's not even like there's not even like things on a lesser scale than that like you're not even seeing where they come and they, they find all their tires slashed and then their, their car is uh beaten with a baseball bat or something like that like you don't even see things like that as a time warner cable subscriber i'm used to getting ripped off so <laughs> it's just a fucking it's the same old same old you know yeah. well uh tom Dwan- it's beaten wife syndrome bro yeah i guess it is <laughs> so on to the next topic tom Dwan has been gone from the poker scene for a while. He's, he's been in Macau. And there's a lot of mystery surrounding him these days. 
as to what was he doing in Macau, uh, who was backing him, though I, I think we know. It's the, uh, the same guy who got in trouble at Caesars running that uh, World Cup sports betting ring. Fua. Yeah, Paul Fua. And in fact, they even did some videos together. So these weird poker strategy videos <laughs> Tom Dwan and Paul Fua did together for I don't know what reason. But uh, it's clear those two have some kind of friendship, and it's assumed that Paul Fool was probably backing him to play some of these very big games in Macau. But beyond that, not much is known about Tom Dwan. Of course, there was the Dura Challenge, which made Tom Dwan look really bad, where he was uh, taking on all comers to play him a certain number of hands at, at high stakes, heads up, no limit, hold them. And uh, what, what was the exact term? I'm forgetting now. It was something where you get a bonus if you beat him. Is that what it is? Do you remember the exact terms? I keep forgetting the exact terms of the dirt challenge. But I know you had. I know you had to. F- yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they got an extra. Was there like an extra million or something? Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. So, something like that, where you get a bonus if you beat him after a certain minimum number of hands. So. Jungle Man Daniel Daniel Cage, he's, he's got some issues himself, but he he did this with Durr, was beating him handily. So what does Durr do? Well, if you just stop playing, you don't finish the minimum number of hands, then it's never over, and then you you never have to pay. So that's basically what happened. And some people really thought that Tom Dwan was coming to do this, to where he didn't finish his own challenge and screwed Jungle Man. He claimed to seriously serious at one point, privately, that there's, quote, a very good reason why he couldn't complete it. Seriously serious has never said what that reason is, but he said if it's true, it is a good reason. Yeah, that was at the World Series a while ago, right? Yeah, and I surmise that there's a yeah. good chance it had to do with Full Tilt, which had gone down at that point. This is in 2011. Probably. And I surmise that maybe Full Tilt had been, they were the ones who put up the million dollars. Or whatever, the, whatever the bonus was to finish, and when they went down, then he couldn't do that anymore, and and then he was just kind of hiding from it. It doesn't make sense. So let's let's say I was in that position. Let's say I was a full tilt pro, and I was known as like the heads up, no limit hot shot there, and I I put out this challenge with full tilt secretly backing me for either the bonus that I was give give people for beating me, or even part of the match they were backing me, and then that. Black Friday happens, where Full Tilt is revealed to be broke, and they uh, they fly the coop, and they obviously can't back me anymore. Well, I, I would come forth and be honest at that point. I'd say, look, I, I know I didn't disclose this when I started, but the truth is Full Tilt was backing me on this whole thing, and I can prove it. So I, I had no idea they were going to just go belly up and not be able to, to, to pay it, so... Yeah. Was he a pro for Full Tilt at that time? Yes. He was, right? Yes, he was. So if, if so, uh, it actually could have been a marketing scheme contrived by them, right, potentially. Right. So, yeah. so if that were the case, fine, but then you've got to say so and, and then uh, kind of figure out what to do at that point. But you can't just hide from the match and, and uh, not complete it. So right. he's been gone since that happened for the most well, part. Well, he knew he was just getting wrecked. And that's too. the other thing. He was getting I mean, I don't care what the excuse is. He knew he was getting wrecked. Yeah. If he if he's up one point five mil, he keeps playing. Oh, of course. Well, and then also he doesn't. <laughs> he's not on the hook for anything. He's going to be the winner. But right. Anyway, he's been pretty much gone in Macau since then. And, and by the way, uh, I'm getting a, a message. I don't know if this is true, but uh, 
Someone's telling me in a private message, according to Jungle Man, Dwan has paid him about 700k so far in the penalties. Actually, I can say who it is. It's from Bobby Orr. He put it in the chat, too. Hmm. So I, I hope that's true. I, I mean, not that I, I think Jungle Man, he did some unethical things, too, in other areas, not having to do with this, such as uh, unlock poker with the whole thing with uh, the Jira scandal. And, yeah, but that doesn't justify no, it, him getting robbed. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I, in this in this case, he should be paid. There's no, there's no question. Right. So anyway, Tom Juan returned with relatively short notice, it seemed. Poker After Dark returned, which has been gone for a long time. And it featured Tom Dwan, and it aired on Poker Go. You know, I I didn't see this, but just uh, from a commentary point of view, it actually would be pretty interesting to see how these guys play now that the money that's being put up is actually theirs, presumably. You know? Whereas back in the day, I mean, we ended up finding out that on Poker After, After Dark... Um, that uh, Full Tilt Poker was paying the buy-ins and stuff. Yeah, I know? was always very suspicious of that. When Even before I found that out, I was very suspicious about yeah. it. Yeah. But, you know, I just wonder if they're going <laughs> to... I wonder if Durr is going to shove for 3x pot on the river against a, a wreck guy with, uh, you know, six high again. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe, maybe he will. Who knows? <laughs> so, 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 anyway, he... Uh, a lot of people wanted to watch this because uh, of Durr's return. A lot of right. people watched this thing. And a, a big hand went down during this this uh, this game that everyone's talking about. And that was the, uh, the aces, queens, and king's hand with, mm-hmm. uh, with Durr and... Uh, Daniel Negreanu and I think it was Antonio. Is this where this was? I think that's who it was. Three people, aces, kings. What a horrible people. setup! That's God. More... Yeah. So, where is it? I can't. No, I can't find it. I had it up before, but it was it, Dur had the aces, and uh, Negreanu had the queens. Oh, God. And he got out of the hand. He actually folded. Negreanu got out. Yeah, but uh, wow. let me find this here. I had it up before. I lost it. I'll find this here. Let's see. Let me... Durr. I should have had this up before. Okay, it was this. I got it right. It was, it was Negroni with the Queens, Esfandiari with the Kings, and Duan with the Aces. So, yeah, that, uh, and Negranu, I had read, got out of it. He actually got out of it and was, uh... Here, I'm going to play this little clip here. This is from, uh, this is actually from... I can't wait for the solar eclipse. I can't either. I didn't even talk about that. I actually am... Actually, I mentioned it last week where I'm going on a plane for the solar eclipse. But here, that was an ad. But uh, let me bring up this. Uh, here, here we are. 100. So what happened was uh, Negreanu raised the queens. Um, I don't know what the action is before this. It starts in this clip with uh, Juan has four bet to 14K. Esfandiari 5-bet to 41k. 
And it's back to Negron, who I think I don't think he's put in. in he must have put in like only a little bit of money at this point. He's on the button, Negron. So it's four bet and five bet. If, if it's five bet, it's back to you on queens. You, you gotta let. Yeah, I see he has a little money in front of him. It looks like a. I don't know. A few thousand. I don't see why that's even a hard thing to fold at this point. He's thinking Negranu. Negranu has a Poker Stars New Jersey thing on his. <laughs> that's the patch he's wearing. Daniel makes the call. So he actually calls. Back over to Dwan. He actually called. And I don't know what Negranu had in the first place, but uh, he actually called. So, uh, it, it went 4-bet, 5-bet. So I'm guessing Negranu 3-bet and then 4-bet, 5-bet and back to him. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Looks like... Um, how do you call that? I guess I hadn't seen how they were playing before, but I, if it gets to 5-bet and I got queens, I'm usually out of there. <laughs> I had this happen in the World Series main event of, uh, in 2012, I believe, where I had queens against aces and kings. And I laid the queens down pre. And I, I got to see what they were. So that goes back to Tom Dwan, who's got to be, like, thinking... You come back after all this time and you get this hand. Tom Dwan's thinking. The pot is already almost 100k. I don't understand. What, what is the talking we're hearing in the background? Is that the commentary? Like I'm hearing like very soft. I can't hear anything. So. Oh, you can't hear. hear I'm like, there's not no. much. To, there's not much to hear, but I'll put it. I'll, I'll That's all right. It. No, no, don't don't worry about it. I'll try to put it back on for you here. So he's thinking. I, mean, I don't want to sit here waiting for them to act here. Let's uh, speed this up a bit. There's no on the radio. That's not good. It's still sitting here. So Dur is deciding what to do now. He he's been you know he's been four bet. He's got the aces. Or he's been five bet. He four bet. He's been five bet. Now the game's gonna get fun because so he goes all in. Uh oh. So he goes all in pre. And that's Fondiari. And, and Duan has uh, 328k. He's all in. So now. Esfandiari has to call 287k to make 328. Don't you lay it down at this point? I would lay it down here, no question. Against Juan? That's pretty brutal. Same. That's just so much money that you have to call to. Yeah. On the heels of talking about I mean, it's, it's holding just, Kings pre-flop. Can you hear this, by the way? Yeah, now I can. Yeah, they're saying on the heels of talking about folding kings preflop. They had just mentioned folding kings preflop in the commentary before this. Like, like can mm. you do it? And then this happens. Could this be the sixth time in history that Antonio makes that decision? 
This is the Aria, by the way. You see the Aria in the background. Said those days are long gone. Oh my God! Who calls? I was gonna lay this down anyway. I think. <laughs> I really just we're just talking about me getting that hand and in this spot. Well, and I, I was going to probably fold this anyway, but now I think it makes it much easier to fold. Yeah, I'm gonna fold. Two queens, right? Yeah. Okay. They both have ace king. You both have ace king. <laughs> what? <laughs> So you both got ace king or what? Oh my gosh! I'm sure he was joking, but still. Kings, queens, wow. I was going to fold it anyway. We're just talking about this. And, and Antonio just looks like, oh my god, what did I just do? Uh, oh, he's got to feel terrible. Are we allowed to run it twice? Dwan with aces. And right, he wants to run it twice, Dwan. He just, he just. Did that, Why not? Well, the thing is with Dwan here, the old Dwan would not have said this. The old Dwan was such a gambler; he didn't give a crap. Like now, he's just returning, and he probably doesn't want to. Blow his big, you know, his big equity here. He doesn't want like that eighteen percent to screw him out of this monster pot. So it's interesting that uh, I don't think the old. I don't know, man. You, you remember that huge hand with Barry Greenstein? Yeah. And Barry Barry said, "Hey, uh, do you want to?" Or, or or Tom said, "Do you want to run it twice?" And Barry said, "No." Like yeah, he true. Tom Dwan had him in in decent shape. You know, he had a pair and a flush draw or something like that. That's true. And uh, uh, Dwan said, you want to run it twice? And Barry said, no. And then Barry's like, uh, but we can just play for what's in the middle if you want and like not play the, <laughs> the <Yeah>. other <laughs> 300K. And Dwan's just like, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not if, not if you yeah, don't want to run that. it twice. Like, forget it. I guess maybe he did run it twice more than I thought. In, in, in a live poker game, I was, it's just, I was it's just not right. It may just be a gambler this is thing. Seven hundred thousand dollars. Good for TV too. The drama of the board coming out twice. You know. Wow! 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 That's how Tom does it. Huh? He just sets it up. Or someone gets kings. Someone gets queens. He gets aces. How many times you guys running? Twice. So these players will run. They are going to run twice. One half of the pot so oh, will go to the winner on each board. So the, the board is coming 10, 10 7, 9. 7, 9 on the flop. And uh, rainbow. So no one's going to make the one card flush. Turns to jack, giving a few more outs. Big turn card for the kings, an eight, and they'll now chop this first half of the pot. A queen and Antonio can scoop it. By the way, we can't hear again, bro. I can't hear it. It's lovely. And then a six. Then a six. So but nobody, no big deal. Just let you know. Okay, so, so anyway, that six happens. So he, so the first one, Antonio loses. And uh, let's... Uh, do the second run out here. Six is no help. I was all, I almost folded in grade. You guys hear this again? Yep. Okay. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm I was too. Oh, this didn't seem like a bluff there. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem like a bluff. Second <laughs> board. <laughs> the second board is says two jack four with two hearts. Four, so, so he does have a backdoor hearts, uh, Antonio. But other than that, really nothing. Now, no more backdoor hearts. A six in the turn. That's black. Antonio needs a king. He's down to two outs. Only to chop. And it's another six. Instead, it's a six. So, 328,000 of Antonio's is uh, down the drain. Boom. That's so good for TV, though. The Dwan is back, and then a hand like this plays out. Yeah. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah. I don't know. You know, with the five bets... 
I don't know. Maybe these cash games are different than I'm used to, but and I got queens, and I've got one guy four betting, one guy five betting. I'm I'm laying it down. Even even like I wouldn't even call as much as Negreanu did. I would have laid it down before that when it came back. So it was hard for me to hear the action. Um, uh, basically, Negreanu got trapped in the middle and flatted a five bet. Yes, he got he got uh-huh. he got trapped in the middle. I think he three bet. Uh, then one of them must have, been, must have been in the blind because uh, he th- he three bet and. Uh, with Juan four bet and Antonio five bet, and it came back. And then he flats the and five. It, bet. He flats the five bet. Then <laughs> Juan goes all in. Antonio calls, and then Negron is like, "Ah, I was going to lay this down anyway, but okay." And then now it's easy to. Well, yeah, of course it's easy. Of course you're not going to call Queens for three twenty eight k, but with with another with another caller in there, but. Uh, yeah, he seemed to be genuinely saying, "Do you guys both have Ace King?" <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a joke or not. Do you guys both have Ace King? Like, it didn't sound like he was joking. <laughs> I don't know why aces or kings is hard to believe there, but yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I've. Uh... I mean, for him to flat the five bet, he has to think something like, "Juan is out of line," and Antonio thinks he's out of line and is trying to ISO him or something like yeah, that. I yeah. mean, it's just, you gotta, it's a real stretch. It know? is a stretch. I, w- I would have laid, once it came back to me five bet, I was okay, I'm laying it, just getting too big, I'm laying it down. If, if, if I have them both beat, oh well. That's, that's the problem with queens sometimes. So, I don't know. I'm not in that game. How sick, how sick would it be if, like, if the action goes like that and he, he lays down, you know, queens... And it ends up being that Antonio has ace king, and Duan was making a move with like ace six off suit yeah. or something with an ace blocker, <laughs> crazy like that. He'd probably want to throw up in his in his mouth. You he, know? he would have fallen on the ground like he did in, uh, in the World Series when he made tenth. Uh, so at least he didn't curl up into a ball like Helmuth. <laughs> so that's that was uh, the big hand everybody's talking about with with poker after dark. I don't even know what Duan finished with. As far as you know, how much he won when the whole thing was over, but great hand for Tom Dwan there, and I'm sure good poker, for the triads. I'm, I'm sure, I'm, yeah, good for the triads, and I'm sure Poker Go will continue running more of these Poker After Dark episodes because they this one got a very good reception, even on Poker Fraud Alert, where to be honest, the forum people don't really. They're really not that much into poker anymore. The forum people are more just about like general discussions now just because they've known right. each other so long. And even they were talking about it a whole lot. Hmm. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. And we'll see how many more of these. I, I was wondering what Poker Go would do to keep subscribers after the World Series is over. So this, this is a smart move. But now I'm going to talk about something else that has to do with Poker Go that uh, may not be a smart move. And that was brought to us by Seriously Serious, who is in the chat right now. So he'll get to hear his own topic being discussed, which I, I thought was an interesting find on his part. And that has to do with Poker Central, who owns the Poker Go app. Possibly committing an FTC 
violation, it's very possible that uh, owners of Poker Central, part owners, have not been disclosing that they were part owners when they were disclo- when they were uh, promoting it. Now, is that going to be a problem for Poker Central, or is that going to be a problem for the guys that are promoting the site? I, I believe it can be a problem for both. But, uh, really? So this okay. Is, this is what it says here. Uh, in Variety, on uh, Variety.com, it, it mentions, Poker Central's owners include Kerry Katz, a top pro poker player and founder of College Loan Corp. We knew that. That's been uh, pretty well known the whole time. Uh, along with other poker pros, including Daniel Negranu, Phil Helmuth, and Antonio Esfandieri. So that's the first we've heard of that. So today at 1.30, Seriously Serious tweeted to them, at Magic Antonio, at Phil Helmuth, at Real Kid Poker, do you guys own a piece of Poker Central? This is the first I'm hearing of it. I think this is the first that any of us have heard of this. Uh, Helmuth actually liked the tweet, but didn't respond. He liked the tweet. Yeah. Okay. Liked, which is also known as favoriting. Yeah, he did that, but didn't respond. And uh, the other two uh, just didn't do anything at all. So they have promoted, they have all promoted Poker Central at some points. And they've, if they haven't said that they own part of it, that, that is a violation. And... Uh, a while ago, as I mentioned in the intro, there was a, a scandal involving a thing called CSGO Lotto. CSGO stood for Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which is a, a, a video game, a home video game. And CSGO Lotto was a site where equipment that you would get in the game, they were called skins, you could actually uh, put them in a big pool and gamble with other people who, with their skins, and then the, the site would determine who wins. And uh, the reason this was actually gambling is these things should really be sold for real money. People would actually buy this stuff in the open market. And then the site would make money by taking a piece of each one. So two people who were very well-known YouTubers that had a, a gaming audience that, talked, that played and talked about these video games, including CSGO, they pretended they found this site and they pretended they were playing on it and winning all these different uh, drawings on there. So not only were the drawings obviously rigged for the uh, for, for the videos, but they were really pretending like, hey, I just found this great new site. Check this out. Oh my god, I won! This thing's great! And the, in reality, these guys were the two owners. So when mm-hmm. this came out, there was a big scandal. So this isn't quite as bad, but uh, they are required to say, to disclose when they're doing these promotions, that they do own a piece of it. They can't just say how they found it, uh, how... Yeah, Poker Central is so innovative, how Poker Central is great for the game, things that they've said. They have to say, well, I own it, but this is great for the game. I own a piece of this. And, and Druff, it's not even just that they own it. It's if they're being paid to say it. Like, they, they could not own a piece, but being pay, uh, being a paid promoter, they, they have to say, disclose Yeah, that. that's another one, too. So l- listen to this. This is yeah. Negranu. This is also found by Seriously Serious. This is Negreanu talking about uh, in a video called What's Good for Poker. Listen to this. Poker Go. Poker Go and Poker Central are trying to innovate. They're doing more live streaming. They're trying to create more content. They're bringing back Poker After Dark. They've got Uncle Ron. Can you hear this? No. God damn it. 
There's something wrong with this. Last time we didn't have this problem so much. Okay, well, I'll continue. I think you can hear it now. Yep. Actually, let, let, me, uh, let me bring it back here. You'll start it over. Sorry to the audience after you hear this twice. Looking like the World Series of Poker, Super High Rollerball, etc., etc. Another good example is obviously Poker Go. Poker Go and Poker Central are trying to innovate. They're doing more live streaming. They're trying to create more content. They're bringing back Poker After Dark. They've got Uncle Ron, you know, with a freaking wagon and a watermelon and a big camera. Some people might like Uncle Ron and some people may not. Point being is innovating, trying different things, and I'm really like happy to see this because really if you think about it, who's filling that space otherwise right now? And a lot of people complain, well, why do I have to pay for Poker Go? It should be free. I'm like, well, because it's a business, right? It's not a charity. They're trying to do things to create enough value for players, and they do that with a lot of the tournaments they run. Like, for example, the Super High Roller Bowl, rake-free, and we all know, as I've said many times, less rake is better. Okay, okay so, so you heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, very positive about Poker Central and why you should pay for it and all the innovative things they're doing. Didn't mention their business, and I own a piece of it, and uh, therefore I think it's wonderful. Didn't mention once that he owns any piece of it. That's that's pretty unethical. Now, now, Antonio, this wasn't quite as bad, but on March twenty third, two thousand seventeen, he tweeted, "Love the Burning Man picks. Thank you at Poker Central." So yeah, (laughs) well, uh, again, this is you know Antonio has a very well followed Twitter, and he's thanking. Poker Central, so people say, oh, what's Poker Central? And click on it and see it. This is back in March. Antonio has 2004, or 204,000 followers. That's a lot of followers. 204,000 followers Antonio has. Love the Burning Man picks. Thank you, Poker Central. At Poker Central. You can click it and see that. So that's, that's like a paid ad. But he's one of the owners. So... As seriously serious mentioned, it's not a huge deal. It's just kind of shady and rubs them the wrong way. I feel the way, too. You know, this isn't a major scandal. This is from Phil Helmuth, too. Wow. This is on Twitter uh, on May 15th. Wow. Live WSOP main event coverage on ESPN for 12 days. Huge, huge news for the poker world. Of the company I own. <laughs> so... This- I, I, have, I have something related to this that i got to tell you, but I'm going to... I'm going to tell you off air. Okay. Yeah, so, look, it's fine that these guys are promoting it, but if, if they really own a piece of it, they should say so. They shouldn't just yeah. th- You shouldn't be thinking that, that Helmuth's excited about uh, Poker Central or, or Daniel Negreanu thinks that you should pay because uh, they're doing innovative things or Antonio wants you to notice Poker Central because they're posting cool pics of Burning Man. No, you, you should know they own a part of it and that these – very well-known poker players who are promoting them in some way own part of it, even if they only own a small percentage. That's uh, it's just dishonest. You've you've got to. There's if they didn't own pieces of this company, they wouldn't be doing these things. They wouldn't be promoting it like this. And I, I wonder if people were kind of surprised to see Negranu speaking of them so highly and Phil Helmuth having such enthusiasm. And Antonio, it's not as surprising that he just mentioned Burning Man picks, but the other two, they wouldn't have. Yeah, they they wouldn't have done this. They wouldn't have glowingly praised Poker Central. Even if they liked Poker Central, they wouldn't have glowingly praised them like this to all of their followers if there was nothing in it for them. Right. So you you at least want to believe that if you are taking the advice 
or getting excited over something that your poker idols are uh, praising or talking about, that they're being honest with you. They're not just uh, pretending to like something because they own it. So that it is shady. So that's... Uh, I, do I think the FTC is going to come down on them? No, because unlike the major scandal that CSGO Lotto, this was just a little bit of promotion from them about something they probably own a small piece of. Or maybe a moderate piece of. And it's not a huge deal. It's just not a huge deal. It's not anything that's going to be investigated. I'd be very surprised if they were investigated for this. But uh, still... They they really should be honest about this stuff. And what's wrong with saying that? It's not like they have to be ashamed of owning it. Say, okay, we invested in Poker Central. We believe in the product. Here's why it's good. In fact, I'm just, I, I would think maybe if they invested in it, that might make more people be interested in it. Yeah. I mean, Druff, this, thing, this kind of thing happens all the time. I, I know a bunch of poker-related companies that have pros that own pieces of it and they don't tell anybody and they promote it. I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure. All the time. Yeah. And I'll let you guys know that uh, I do not own any pieces of any poker-related company except for PokerFraudAlert.com, of which I own 100%. That's the truth. So anything I, I say is good on this site that isn't one of my sites it's something i really feel because uh i don't i don't own <laughs> and i have not been paid to promote anything except for things that have actually run ads here so and when we have a sponsor we're very honest about it and don't uh i don't have backdoor sponsors here so all right uh And by the way, Seriously Serious says in chat, there's tons of other examples of all three of them promoting Poker Central. These are not the only ones that I just shared with you right now that he had posted. So he just grabbed a few he had seen. But uh, there's probably a lot of examples. I am sure that that's the case. Yeah, I am too. Okay, so so thank you, Seriously Serious, for that little uh, tip. I thought that was, it's not a huge topic, but it was worth pointing out. I, I can tell you, like, there was a... Um... I know someone that uh, was kind of buddies with uh, with Helmuth, yeah, and was uh, had a, a package up listed and was trying to get uh, people to invest in him, right? Yeah, and um, you know he, he was asking Phil, you know, hey, will you tweet out about this to try and get some attention to it? And he his uh, reaction was basically like, <laughs> like why would I do that? People pay me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, why would I do this for free for yes. for you when people pay me to do that? Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, and it, and clearly they do. And, you know, clearly uh, they do. Another high-profile example of this that hit, didn't have to do with poker in recent months was that uh, disastrous Firefest, where people like Kylie Jenner promoted it by just you know, writing things on social media, acting like they're excited for the event. Right. And didn't disclose that they were paid as much as $500,000 to do that. So uh, that that's a good example. Even though they weren't owners of it, they were paid. And instead, they just acted like they were excited, unrelated to, any, to it being uh, a sponsorship. So uh, on a completely different note, I want to give a Kate Hall update. 
Why? Well, just because we talk about her sometimes here, and she's acting like an attention whore on Twitter again, and I figure, why not? Why, why not uh, highlight some of the things she said? So you're just you're just condoning it. I, I'm I'm you know adding, she's I'm doing adding, it for attention. Know, you're I'm, giving her the attention. I'm adding, just saying. I'm adding fuel to the fire. You put the saucer of milk out. The cat's going to keep coming. <laughs> so there are three different uh, tweets. Of, of see now I can only find one of them but oh here we are one of them was around the time a few days ago or earlier in the week when that situation came up with Donald Trump and North Korea and there were fears that there's an escalation happening so people started talking about the end of the world blah 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 so Kate tweeted out, who's up for some end-of-the-world sex? (laughs) Now, obviously, she wasn't serious. She wasn't uh, actually asking guys to come have sex with her. But uh, this is very typical because she loves to brag about being a slut all the time. Loves to talk about that. Loves to play up, oh, I'm such a slut. Oh, I have sex whenever I want. I'm sex positive. I think casual sex is great. Uh, blah 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 the problem here is it's not even true I don't know 100% because I, I, you know, I'm not I don't have a camera in her bedroom but from what I can see she's not having sex with a whole lot of guys she's not a slut from what I can see she, she goes kind of like from, from long term relationship to long term relationship or at least a semi long term relationship to semi long term relationship like you're, you're, you're seeing her she's having sex it seems within the confines of a relationship and then when that ends, you know, she finds another boyfriend and so on and so on. So that's not being a slut and that's not what she always says she does. And for some reason it's very off-putting to me when a girl goes out and pretends that she's a slut, plays up that she's such a slut and actually isn't one. Are if, you mad because it's false advertising? Or? Uh, kind of. I mean, not, not, that I, <laughs> and not, not that I want to take her up on it, not that she'd want to be with me anyway, but I'm saying that it's at least... Do this if you really are a slut. If you're really doing it and you're proud of it and you want the world to know and you're not ashamed of it, fine. I, I don't necessarily agree with that's the, the good way to live your life. But if you are living your life that way and you're proud and you want to put it out there on Twitter, even if it is for attention, at least it's about something true. I just hate when someone shows they're rebelling against the establishment by not, uh, not sticking to what society views a woman should do. And a woman is in charge of her own body. And if she wants to have a lot of sex and enjoy it, by God, she should. And she does. Except she really doesn't. She pretends to on Twitter. Like, that kind of annoys me. I kind of feel like saying, practice what you preach. Like, why, why brag about being such a slut, why always put messages up like, hey, who wants to have end-of-the-world sex? Like, why always put things like that about sex, about, you know, pretty much bragging, and this, is, this isn't the best example of it, but she's, she's talked about before, using terms like sex positive, and talking about how, you know, someone calls her a slut, and she admits, oh yeah, I'm a slut, but I'm not this. Like, we see all the time, I'm a slut, I'm a slut, I'm a slut. It's, it, but she's not. She's not at all, from what I can see. And I guess that's good for her that she's not one. I'm glad she has some self-respect not to do that. Is it? Well, I, 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 yeah, for her it is, I would say. <laughs> well, it, maybe she's having less fun. But she, but she could she, she could live up to what she's claiming she does, but she chooses not to. I think she actually believes that's not the right thing for her. 
I think she thinks women should be able to do it, and there's a lot of positives in doing it, but for whatever reason, she shouldn't do it. For whatever reason, it's not right for her. It should be right for other women, but not really for her. She's not even saying, like, women should be able to choose to be this way. She's, like, saying, I am this way, and it's great, and more women should be like this. And, oh, by the way, I'm really not this way, but I'm not telling you. That's what kind of bugs me. And I don't have proof of this, but just from what I've observed, um, it, it seems like uh, it's kind of just jumping from one boyfriend to the next at, you know, every few months. But not I, I've never heard, like, I don't know anyone in poker that's had casual sex with her ever. I've never heard rumors, nothing. I had casual sex with her. Okay, you're the first one. <laughs> but not, not one. I did not. And I don't care. It, it's fine. I just, I just, I hate when people try to pretend they're something they're not, especially if it's something that's supposed to be edgy or different, outside the box, and they, they extol the virtues of being that way, but then they're not that way. It just kind of bugs me. So that when I when I saw that, I like, oh, it's another one of these sex tweets from Kate Hall. So that's the first one. Uh, she could be angling, by the way. How is she angling? You know, well, I'll get poked. You know, so maybe she's working a soft player now at the table. They <laughs> have a chance. Oh, from a po- I thought you meant for a sexual standpoint. From a poker standpoint, she's angling. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah maybe. Maybe the. Maybe yeah. If they, everyone thinks she's a slut. Yeah. They soft player and they think they'll they'll get her in bed after and then they get the the bad news that she says nothing to them the rest of the way and then just leaves. That actually be pretty. That'd be pretty clever. Yeah. It's not you a know? bad idea. No, I mean honestly, I, Druff, I don't, I don't know that this has a whole lot to do with sex necessarily. I think it more has to do with she has found something that gets her attention, that or that gets people's attention. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And it just so happens that sex is one of those things that, uh, especially when a woman talks about it, uh, she gets a whole lot of attention out of it. I mean, I, I knew plenty of. Uh, of girls in high school that wore like super short skirts and everything like that. And they didn't necessarily, you know, I mean, it's kind of advertising, you might say, but they didn't even necessarily want to have sex. They just love the attention that it got them. Yeah, I understand you know? that, but it kind of goes along with her whole social justice warrior stuff that she puts out, like the, the, the whole sex positive movement that a lot of, that some women are into these days, the young women that they, they try to say that it's an antiquated concept that women shouldn't be shouldn't sleep around as much as guys do. That they they don't like the fact that guys are often celebrated for being promiscuous and women are looked down upon. So therefore, not only should we <laughs> stop doing that, but that women should just embrace it. If women want to have a you know a hundred sexual partners in a few years, not only should they do it, but they should be proud of the fact that they're doing it. Just like a guy with a hundred sexual partners would be proud of it. That's what she's trying to say. And she's not just saying they should be. She's saying. I am one of these people who does that, and I'm proud of it, and tough luck if you don't like it. But then it seems like that's not what she's really doing. That, that's what's bothering me here. If she were actually doing it, I'd say I don't agree with it, but you know, it's her life. She can do what she wants, and at least she's being honest about what she is. Right. But, but, she's but, being real. Yeah. She, right. She's I, being I just, real. I just don't feel that she's being real here. I don't have proof of this. I, I'll, I have no way to prove it. So Jeff, I think you need to go on a uh, little exploratory thing and, and try to get proof. You shouldn't think I should hire a PI? It's too bad. No, no I think you should. You should try to uh, get in bed with her. Well, no, but I. Oh, no, wait a minute! You're in, you're in a relationship. You can't. No, do no, that. not only that. See, this wouldn't be a good experiment because there'd be many reasons that uh, she wouldn't want to be with me. Uh, I, I don't think our personalities would click at all. I don't think she would like my politics. Uh, I, th- I think I'm too old. That's another one. So there's a lot of a lot of reasons why I, I don't think that. Uh, I, I think whether she was a slut or not, I think she would still reject me. 
if I were to try. So e- even putting all that aside. But uh, no, may- maybe I, it's too bad Jim Rockford's not working anymore. It's too bad he's dead. I could, uh, could hire him to investigate. Uh, so anyway, the, ne- the next thing that she was claiming, and she's been claiming this for a while, is that she's only a temporary resident in the poker world. She- she's not here for the long haul. So uh, she tweeted something. I don't have this one in front of me. Something like, I've been in the poker world. I've been a professional poker player for two years now. I think I have one year left in me. And we keep hearing this. We keep hearing that she's about to be done. She's about to quit. She's about to leave poker. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Now, now maybe if the money runs out or the stakes run out or whatever it is, uh, but, but I don't believe that she's just going to decide that it's too stressful and she's leaving. I, I think she really is enjoying all the attention she's getting, and she's run well since she, she has uh, joined the tournament scene. So it's not even like she's losing. The money's going to run out. So... I, I don't believe it. I think that's another thing for attention. We have people on the forum like that too. Always talk about it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving, and they never leave. And the ones that actually leave are the ones who say nothing. They just disappear. It's true. So, I, I have a feeling this leaving just she wants people to say, "Oh, come on, stay. We want you here. Come on, you know, stay around." Or, "Oh, it'll be too bad when you're gone. We're going to miss you so much." Like I think she's waiting for comments like that, and she also just wants people to talk about it, which I guess. It's successful because that's what we're doing right now. So I'll stop. Okay, so the, the, the last... Hey, you're doing exactly what she wants, okay. man. So the last thing... The last thing is something that not she said, but something that happened. Something happened today that... Uh, uh, I, I am wondering, when I tell you guys what this is, I'm wondering if this has to do with anything in poker or if this was just random... Or if this has to do with something else, like she pissed off someone outside of poker. But something happened today that she tweeted out pictures of. She probably didn't put out. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So, someone uh, someone keyed her car or scratched up her car. Someone uh, messed with her car in some way. The weird thing is I can't find this on her Twitter right now. Maybe she deleted it. I'm scrolling through and I can't find it. But she wrote something like, uh, w- one of my fans left this present for me today with a, with a heart, and then she posted pictures of her car with various scratches. It didn't look like a message was written. I was wondering if it was going to say something like slut there, but it didn't. It just was like, just scratches in various parts now, of her did car. Now, they, did these scratches, the pattern of scratches, did they look like claw marks at all? <laughs> Like they could have come from some bony fingers that were raked along the side of the car. Uh, I know what you're saying here. You know, you know what? This this could have been an excuse. You're right. It could have been an excuse. <laughs> she scratched up her car trying to open it and said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know what I'm going to say. I've got to put this out first so the insurance company will believe me. You, you ever seen what it looks like when there are a bunch of scratch marks with a uh, animal is trying to get into yeah, something? Yeah. <laughs> Their claws are kind of hitting it repeatedly. That's true. I wonder if she's got that like pattern around the where the keyhole is. Maybe yeah. that's what happened. Maybe she was. Uh, maybe the bony fingers did the damage, and she wants to blame it on someone else. But anyway, yeah, it, it showed uh, it showed some scratches in various parts of the car. It looks like someone keyed it, 
And as I said, there's no message left or nothing was written there. Even with it, Nothing was even written in the scratches from what I could see. I, I just went to go find it again, and it seems to be gone. So I wonder if she deletes it, which is kind of weird. Mm. But uh, that's not like her. She usually does not delete anything. But am I hearing crickets in the background? Sounded like it. Trader Risky, are those crickets? I don't know if they were crickets. Yeah, they are crickets, actually. Wow, you said cr- it, I heard it. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's crickets in the show here. We have crickets here. I'm glad they. I'm glad they didn't do that right when I told a joke. Then I would have felt bad. But why? Wow, this feels kind of. I don't know. Feels kind of nice. A, a warm summer night where there's crickets in the background, and it's uh, it's just comforting. Thank you. So anyway, yeah, I heard someone keyed her car today. It looks like or scratched it with something. Maybe somebody else with a bony finger was jealous. But whatever it was. Uh, she seems to think that it's someone who has an issue with her from poker, like a fan from uh, a fan in quotes from poker who hates her outspokenness or maybe even hates that she's a woman in poker and, and, and scratched up her car. Now, I, I want to say that unless someone has actually committed some kind of uh, offense that harms other people, such as scamming, uh, nobody in poker, whether I like them or not, uh, deserves to have that happen to them. So, yeah, whoever did this is a scumbag, and I hope they get caught for it. But I mean, it could just be some random asshole. Too, but that's what I was going to say. It could have been she cut someone off in the parking lot, and then they decided to key her car. When no, I mean, I, I've seen people do it. They don't even know the person they're doing it to. Yeah, and that, that's like, true. Do they just want to be a general asshole to somebody. Right. Well, I, I had something happen to my car. No, no, yours was definitely directed at you. <laughs> Your, yours was not random. <laughs> about, 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 about two years ago. Uh, I found uh, a big dent on the hood of my car. Not uh, when I said like the very front of the hood, but it was like a dent. It almost looked like a fist size, like someone like a knuckle size, like someone would have punched it. Uh, but I, I tried to compare it to a knuckle, and it wasn't quite that size, but it was pretty close to where it could have been it, or it could have been that someone walked by my car, like you know maybe I was in a parking lot of a grocery store and they walked out and something fell out of the cart onto the car they're like oh better walk away something did hit the top though so that's what's weird is that it wasn't a car there's no way a car going by could have bumped my car it was either someone dropped something in my car or something did this someone did this on purpose so i never determined the answer but uh a a drone could have flown over and dropped something i think (laughs) i don't know interesting a drone Hmm. Maybe someone who didn't know how to land it properly when it had low battery just kind of <laughs> smashed down on top of the car. Yeah, they, they may have. They may have had a big, big uh, boost of money recently, and they could just you know throw away drones when mm-hmm. it crashed it right into it. I don't know. It's a good theory. So, Take some of that money to hire a strapping young boy to come retrieve it. <laughs> strapping young boy. <laughs> By the way, you know, something with that strapping young boy I want to mention who got my drone back. He left. He accidentally left his uh, new L.A. Dodgers cap in, in my car. And yeah, he, he wanted a reason to go back, bro. So he contacted me to give it back to him. So I said, okay. And then a few days later, I tweeted. I said, okay, you know, meet me in such and such place. I'll give it to you. No answer. Like, so he just kept ignoring me. So I decided to just call him and say, you know, hey, go get your, you know, I thought you really want this hat. Number was disconnected, so I don't know what happened to him. But uh, wow, I have no way to reach him, so I, I still have his hat here. I don't know what mm. happened, but anyway, maybe the strapping young boy is—I uh, don't know—fell on hard times since he got maybe, maybe getting my drone was the highlight of his life, and that was it. Nothing left to live for. 
Where he was arrested for solicitation. <laughs> so, yeah, so someone keyed her car, and the, the responses, it had like 55 responses in these tweets, or to this tweet. And uh, a lot of them were exactly what she was looking for. Like Eric Seidel said, I just want to let you know the poker world is much better off with someone like you in it. Please, uh, you know, please don't let this drive you away. Like, uh, this is exactly what she wants to hear. Like, this is I, – I understand, like, if she's frustrated about this and wants to put it out there and wants people to condemn it or whatever or, or, or sympathize with her. But I, I, I just I, – I, I kind of got from the whole thing, like, uh, look, I'm, look what I get for being outspoken. I'm being persecuted now. So this is really why you have to appreciate me. Look what I'm doing for all of you by speaking out on these important causes. This is what happens to me, but I'm not going to be silenced. I will not be silenced, no matter what happens with scratches in my car. I will continue for the people. That's, that's con- she didn't say that, but that was the vibe I was getting from that. That's what was kind of bugging me there. Druff, I think you might have a crush on Kate Hall. No. It's just... Uh, Are you sure? No, these three things happened like in a week, so I figured I'd uh, put them all together and put it out here no this seems so in in a perfect world if you uh you know were not attached and and didn't have familial obligations and you're playing at the poker table with kate hall and she starts rubbing your leg and you know she says why don't we rack up and head back to my uh my room what do you say well it, it depends what it would come with like i i, I okay i i couldn't come with really <laughs> I could not really. I could. I couldn't. I don't think I could stand like like being with her for a very long time before I'd really be irritated. So if it was just like a sexual thing, like a brief sexual thing, and, and I wasn't with someone, then I then I would probably have said yes to it. But uh, probably it, how about definitely. But but if it has to if it has to do with anything like just like like having her as a girlfriend or spending a lot of time with her, I, I really wouldn't want to because she would just it would just get on my nerves so much and we'd be like so incompatible. It just it would be something I couldn't stand. So, so you would turn her down if it came with as, that as a girlfriend. If yes, you know, yes, I would for sure. For sure, it's not even a question. You wouldn't even you know kind of pretend to tolerate her for a little while just to hook no, up. No, no. If it was really really you know, no, if it was really just about sex, like in a brief, you know, if I was single, it was just about sex on like a brief thing. Then then you know, that's a different story. But, like, again, that doesn't mean anything because most guys will fuck anything. Well, I know. So that's that's the point. That's what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. But I, but, I my, but my point is here. Like, she's not a horrible look. I mean, I know we make jokes about her. It's not a, a terrible looking no, that's, woman that's or why, anything. And that's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm saying yeah. you know, it's, it's not about her looks. Her, her, her looks are fine. You know, yeah, her, her fingers are bony and long, but uh, you know, and, yeah. over, <laughs> but over overall, yeah, overall her, her, her looks are fine. That, that, that's not the problem here. Now, would that make you insecure? The fact that she could wrap her fingers around your dick twice? No, no. I, you know, like they would they would wrap, they would kind of curl all the way around him a couple of times? You know, it would be dark. I just wouldn't notice. I'd just put it out of my head. I'd look somewhere else. You know, You'd notice. Like I bet you she'd get a death grip on that thing. Well, that might be good. But, you know what I mean? Like you, you'd have to unwind her hand to get it off. <laughs> that might, <it> might be good. <laughs> that part would be good. No, but, Trader Risky, do you believe this? Do you think Druff would... would uh, you know, play nice with her just to, to get laid for a little while. I think he could go a week or so. 
You think you make it a week? You think you put up with it for a week? I, I wouldn't do it. I'm telling you, like, yeah, like you never know. Sometimes opposites attract, and you know you might find something there. But the problem is, I, I really get uh, it. Really takes away from a girl's appeal to me if there's that much of a personality conflict, or or just they they get on my nerves personality wise. It, it really kills it, and uh, so I, I don't even get in those situations. I don't. I, I try. I've just avoided them. I don't even. It actually pushes me away from wanting to pursue someone, even on a very short-term basis. When you wouldn't even have some grudge sex with her, you know? No, here I'm going to tell you guys a story. This this is from way back in 1988. I was 16 years old, and I'd never been on a date before. I'd never done anything with a girl before at all. I I was completely new to everything, and I thought my chance was coming. In fact, I'm even surprised when I think of this story. Even I'm surprised that I, I did what I did here. I was 16. I was on a, a computer bulletin board. I went as multi-line boards, and uh, there was a, the Young Republicans board. No, no, it was nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing about that. Nothing about no, no. It's just a regular old chat board, and and there was uh, there was a girl on there named Tammy. I still remember her name. Don't I didn't get to see her picture because in those days that wasn't up there. There were there was no easy way to see pictures in those days. But she was eighteen, two years older than me too, and. Um, I was talking to her. We got along pretty well. And at this, around the same time, I made a friend on there named Eric. And uh, so I, f- I forgot what, what led to it, but I ended up talking to Eric on the phone. And Eric told me that he had met Tammy before. And in fact, uh, kind of a similar way, it, was, it went down as it was starting to go down with me and Tammy. You know, me and Tammy had just started talking on the phone uh, we actually had a date set up. We were going to go like roller skating or something that upcoming Friday. And uh, I was very excited about it. It was going to be like my first date, and you know, I thought maybe you know, something would happen, and I was very excited. It would be the first time for me. So Eric told me he had that going on, but it ended very poorly. And he told me that what happened was uh, they actually met up and then we're going to go to a, a party for that bulletin board together. This is before I was on there, so I wasn't part of all this. So they met up, and uh, then they went to the party together. And I, I guess she didn't like him, wasn't attracted to him, whatever. And she just ditched him at the party and went home with some other guy. So like the second they got there together, she just completely ditched him. And then left with somebody else and was just very rude with the whole thing. So I said, yeah, that's kind of messed up. You know? <laughs> I'm like, you know, if she didn't like you, that's one thing. But, yeah, she, she could have at least, like, not done that at this party. She, if, she, if the thing was you were going together as, as, like, a date, at the very least, she should have stuck it off, you know, stuck it around with you for, for that party and then after that not seen you again. So, uh, anyway, then I found out that she had some other guy on there, something similar happened with that, uh, you know, who she rejected in some sort of rude way. And he was pissed, too. So there was starting to be, like, a backlash on there, and people were starting to bash her. So she called me up all upset. And she says, I don't know what's the problem with these guys here. It's like they think they're, like, in junior high school or something. It's like, you know, I just talked to them once, and they think they're my boyfriend, and they think I, you know, they own me. And I go, well, hang on a second. Uh, Let's talk about Eric here. Didn't you, uh, like, you, like, met him, and the plan was to go with him to this party, and, you know, like, you two were supposed to be kind of, like, together at the party, right? She says, well, yeah, I guess it kind of started out that way, but I, you know, I just didn't like him. I, I didn't like. I thought he was gross. Blah, blah blah. She started. You know, I have a right not to be with him anymore. I go look. You know, I just you have to understand how it looks to them here. 
that uh, you show all this interest, and then uh, not only do you just kind of abruptly drop them, but like in the middle of a date, like it's just, uh, you know, you got to understand their point of view. And I was, tr- I was trying to reason with her without being like obnoxious or, or trying to piss her off, but she got pissed off. And she started arguing with me, telling me that I sound just like them, that she thought I was so nice, but now I'm sounding like a real asshole, and then she hung up on me. And needless to say, the roller skating date didn't happen. So I never met her. So uh, I went back on there and I told Eric what happened. I sent him a message on there telling him what had just happened. And uh, so, interestingly enough, to this day, almost 30 years later, Eric and I are still friends. And uh, this Tammy, I don't know what happened to her. But amazingly, because she, because of how she was treating other guys on there, and I, I wasn't even so much, I mean, yes, I was a little concerned it might happen to me, but that wasn't the concern here. I just didn't like the way she was treating them. I thought she just wasn't uh, handling these situations right, and I thought she was being rude, and it just uh, it was kind of bothering me. And at that point, I started to lose interest in her, even though Eric told me she was very attractive. He, did, he conceded that she, that she was hot. So I was 16, I could have had a date with a hot 18-year-old, and I actually knowingly pissed her off, uh, kind of defending these other guys that uh, she had rejected. Still kind of surprised me that I did that. <laughs> so so it, it took a little more time until I ended up uh, ever doing anything with a girl, maybe thanks to that. But uh, yeah, that was when I was 16. But But still, like, if there's something that bothers me, the way a, a girl behaves or uh, the way she conducts herself, that really takes away from the, the attraction I have towards her or the desire I would have to be with her, even like on a short term, even like on a one-night one thing. So that, that's why I'm being serious about this. I'm not just, uh, I'm not just posturing because uh, it's never going to happen and the scenario is never going to happen, so I'm trying to make it look like uh, that I would have the willpower to reject this. So, that, that, I mean, that's the truth. Okay, now that I'm done with the story, how many, which of you two are awake still? I'm getting there. Okay. Trader Risky, you have the tea with you? I'm sorry, I, I missed that last part, Truff, because somebody was talking to me. Okay. What was it? Never mind, it's fine. No, 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 no. Don't let him say it again. <laughs> I, said, I said never mind, no, we're going to, we're going to get <laughs> No, he's he's basically just saying that he he had turned down girls before because they didn't like him. Yeah, no, I mean that's you know. Oh, well, with this situation being sixteen and you know your first encounter, I'm, that's that's surprising. It surprises me now. Like I, I, I even when I was only a little bit older than that, I looked back and I go, I'm surprised I did that. I'm surprised I actually. Uh, like I, that was actually a surprisingly like mature moment for me at sixteen, which I, I didn't always act mature at sixteen. It was just it's, was... it's easy to turn down a uh, ice cream sundae if you've never eaten one before. Okay, if you had gotten a, a whiff of that fine before, you, you probably would have been all over it. You know, it, it, okay, that's yeah, that's, that's I'd say half true because I was very very excited about this coming up. But at the same time, yes, I hadn't experienced it yet. Like, if we had messed around and then this happened in the middle, then, yeah, it might have been harder to send her away. But I was also very excited about it coming up. So it wasn't that, because I hadn't experienced anything yet, that uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, you don't know what you're missing. (laughs) So, 
I did wonder after that. Like, I go, I go okay, well, that, yeah, like, now that that's done, uh, when's my next opportunity coming? Like, is this going to be, like, years now? Fortunately, it wasn't, but it felt like it could be. So, uh, I, I, if I had to guess, I'd say I don't think her car was keyed by a poker player. It's just, like, during the World Series, I believe it, now, like... I don't think a poker player is going to key your car in the middle of August. It's just... I mean, it certainly could be. It could or it be, could be but just I, some random person. I just don't know? think it is. I th- I th- I'm telling you, I think it was she either pissed off someone like in a parking lot or just a random, as you said, who just went by and did it. So, you never know these things. Okay, someone who... Well, we're going to talk about another poker player... And we're going to talk about nakedness. But the sad thing for most of you is that it's a guy. This is a poker player named Jason Funk, or Funky, F-U-N-K-E, is the way you spell his name. And I'd never heard of him before. But apparently he was sitting naked, completely naked, and he was in front of a church... And he had a gun next to him. That's never a good sign. Can't get this damn sound effect right. I'm trying to play this. There we go. So, this was reported in the news, and it just so happened that he is a poker player. Again, one I haven't really heard of. But here's the story. In fact, there's even a video that just came out that the police took of the situation. I'm going to play you parts of that. You get to. You know what I what I don't understand about this stuff is let, let's say this guy was an accountant. Would the headline be you know naked accountant? No, no, they gets just, robbed. You no, know, it's kind of weird. No, it just makes it more interesting to the public to say it's a poker player. So it's, in fact, here's the article. So what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. Of course, they got to throw that in. There uh, you go. Especially when the story revolves around a poker player who is stark naked in front of a church in broad daylight while wielding a gun and w- reportedly wanting to die because he kept telling p- police officers to quote finish me. The cops didn't finish him. They shot him in the shoulder when the offender refused to obey orders to get down. Did he have a Toomey backpack? <laughs> no. He was completely no. naked. It should have been naked with a backpack. That would have been better. <laughs> and, and instead went running back toward the loaded automatic handgun he, he had previously dropped on the ground. Now, just in case you think he's a poker player who you know, maybe last played in 2006, think again. Jason Funky, who cashed three times at the 2017 World Series including a 490th place finish the main event, which is cash, by the way, uh, was identified as the perpetrator in the bizarre incident that occurred on August 5th and was captured on video. Funky faces charges... I I really want to know how to say his name. I feel like I'm... Whatever way I say it, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. He faces charges of indecent exposure and possession of a dangerous weapon, but those may be the least of his problems at the moment. Uh... Funky's apparently known to members of the Life Springs Christian Church at Warm Springs Road and Eastern Avenue as someone who donated cash there previously. He told a church staff member, identified as Keith, that he had been drinking, smoking weed, and using LSD. I guess you're right about the Toomey backpack. Uh, mm-hmm. pri- prior to the arrival of police, who were called to the church, who were called by a church staffer after Funky seemed unable to respond to his own name. So listen, oh, listen to that, this. Yeah, no, no one should have a. No one should have 
a gun and LSD. That's just a terrible idea. <laughs> so listen to this here. This is a this is from. I'm gonna make sure your sound can even work here. This is interesting. This is from the, the police actually put this out here. Now, do you hear it? Yep. Stand by, stand by, stand by. He's standing up. He's standing up. He's starting to reach down. He's got the handgun in his left hand, and he's walking out front. So, yeah, so he's doing exactly what they're saying. He's in front of the church, and he had a gun in front of him. He's totally naked. They, They have a black box in front of his penis, by the way. So I'm not looking at the guy's dong. But uh, he's carry, he's, he, he stood up and picked up the gun. Gun in his left hand. He's walking forward. He's continuing to walk eastbound, right in front of the church, right in front of the palm trees, towards the parking lot, towards the southeast corner of the parking lot. Break. He's looking around again. Do we have a uh, CIT officer in case he drops the gun and we can try to talk to him? Okay, he's moving. He's uh, turned back towards the church. He's walking northwestbound towards that front alcove again. He's walking really slow. By the way, you can get this. Vi- you can see this video if you go to the Poker Fraud Alert uh, Flying Stupidity Forum. Look for uh, naked poker player Jason Funky gets shot and attacked by police canine. That's the uh, name of the thread. You can see the video right there. Handgun in his right hand, and now he's. So now he dropped the okay, gun again. he just dropped the gun and put his hands up. I don't know if someone's challenging him or what, but he just put his hands on top of his head. He's walking away from the gun to the north. His hands are over his head. His- so this is what's so weird. Can you still hear this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is what's so weird. Is it appears that the police don't even know why he's putting his hands on top of his head and dropping the gun. Like, he's he's, he's carrying it, and it's like, drip! Drop it and puts his hands up as if, as if they said someone's challenging him. But it seems like he's imagining this because the, the, the police are not challenging wow. him yet. He just thinks someone's challenging him. And now he's, he turns around, is walking the other direction, and has dropped the gun behind him now with his hands above his head. He's uh, continuing to walk northbound. I think he's walking towards the canine unit. The handgun is laying on the ground. If anybody can get up behind him. Officer that's inside, if you come out the door behind him right now, he won't see you and you can get uh, custody of that handgun. I want to thank the cops for narrating this. It's so much better radio. Yeah. This is this is great. Thanks, guys. I, I hate these police videos which are silent. I have to tell you guys what's happening. This is, this The guy speaks for me. I don't have to tell you. But you will be in a crossfire. I just don't see this guy has any other weapons on him. <laughs> you think? He's naked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has any weapons on him. He may have one up his ass, but we're counting on we're counting on his ass being pretty tight, so the weapon couldn't be very big. Hey, okay, Knight, watch the dog. We have the 413. He's not getting to it. Copy that, Terry. You just want to cross fire. The one that's crossing the parking lot right now. Canine's going to need somebody with him here to uh, take this guy into custody, I believe. He's walking towards the canine unit northbound. So yeah, he's approaching this cop who's got uh, you know the the canine dog, and again with his hands above his head. Units giving him uh, orders here. We need to get someone in there with canine. They're, they're running it now to him. They're all. Oh, he's running. He's running. He's running. Thinks so. he's running. He's running. So he turned around. And he walked towards the guy with the canine, and then just takes off. So now he's running back towards the gun, which is still a distance away. Oh yeah. Mm. 
So now it's a different angle they're showing. He's looking back. He's starting to move. They're showing a an officer with, with a rifle. It's probably from a body cam. I'm going to take a shot. The dog's actually saying arf. You hear that? The dog's actually saying arf. Actually, boom arm shot is what that was. Yeah, it's interesting. At the, vi- the very end, you get to see the angle of the officer who's got the gun. So the first part, the first two minutes, you get to see kind of like from a helicopter. But uh, then you get to see the second the second half of the video is the guy with the gun. Where not much is happening at first, but you get to see where he's running away from the canine and towards the gun. And then you see the rifle just <laughs> shoots him and he goes down. But they actually just shot him in the arm, so he's... Yeah, he's not gonna die or anything. Uh, was this in Vegas? This is in Vegas, yes. And this yeah, is on, I mean, LA. They're not shooting him in the arm. Yeah. So, so this was on the corner of uh, Eastern Avenue and Warm Springs Road at the Life Springs Christian Church, which he was part of and had donated there uh, recently. And I don't know if recently, but previously he donated money there. Uh, they said also that he claimed to be feeling suicidal. And that he kept saying, finish me to the police several times. So some people think this was a suicide by cop attempt, that he was actually trying to get them to shoot him dead. But instead they shot him in the arm. And uh, it says that uh, he's from Minnesota. He's from Minnetonka, Minnesota. A lot of Minnesotan poker poker players. Uh, His best live tournament score. And not all of them are naked with a gun on LSD, though. No. No, I don't think like Mike Schneider will be running around with a running around Let's hope not. with a gun and <laughs> But uh his best live tournament score was it's it's uh, he won the deep stack, the 1100 deep stack last year at the Venetian for uh, 35k. And he's cashed 92k total. So you you think if his total cashings were 92k, you think after finishing 490th at the main event for almost 25k, that would that'd be pretty nice. You think he'd be uh a good enough mood not to want to uh, off himself a month later, but of course this, this money could be gone very fast. Who knows? It says, as, as can be seen in the video, it appears he was ready to surrender to police, but then he turned and ran towards the gun, prompting an offer to fire in the name of safety for the cops. 
as well as people still inside the church, who were reportedly herded towards the back. Uh, police later recovered Funky's clothes and the handgun and 30000 in cash. I guess he's not broke. Look, he's doing a lot better than that Toomey guy. He really has 30000 He doesn't pretend to lose it in a backpack. Yeah. The gun was loaded, though, and the safety was off, so he was ready to use it, maybe. At least it was ready to be used, it was, or it could have been accidentally fired. Uh, the, uh, the, he's the second World Series of Poker main event casher to get in trouble. The 70th place finisher, who got 101k, uh, Paul Sinat, was, uh, he'd actually posted bond in Florida on a manslaughter charge before the main event. So he was uh, he was charged with manslaughter, then somehow was able to travel out of the state. I don't know if they knew he traveled out of the state, and and uh, finished in seventieth for one hundred one k. That was a uh, Paul Cenot, unrelated to the story. So, yeah, LSD and a gun are not a good idea. Interesting that he went back to this church, which he had been involved with. A problem here is that you get a lot of weirdos who get involved with churches. It's funny because if you look at who goes to church regularly or who associates themselves with churches, you get kind of two different groups of people. You you have the uh, you know the, the good, upstanding people who just. Uh, you know, believe in God and want to be part of the whole church scene and uh, to make it part of their life. And I, I know some people like that. And uh, these people are not crazy. They're not uh, hypocrites. They're not, they really, these really are people who practice what they preach. But then there's the others. There's another group of people who go to churches because that they they have something missing in their life and they use the church to fill it. Or in some cases, they feel guilty about something about themselves. And they think that going to church and praising God will somehow uh, erase that. Sometimes it can even be something that uh, the church is typically against, like, like homosexuality. Or uh, or maybe they're just out of their mind on LSD and have no fucking idea what they're doing. Yeah, but, he, but he's, been, <laughs> he's been to this church before and donated to it. So he, he's got to be I someone see. who's very like aimless and, and you know he, he went there because... Yeah, he wanted some group to identify with or be part of or thought that they would have the answers for him in life and he even donated money he, to them. He just felt bad for Key and Kate Hall's car. <laughs> so then he went... He went there. He chose to go there. I don't know if he was going to commit suicide there or if he was just going there to take drugs and act crazy. Whatever it was, he went back to this church that he had associated himself with before. It's just there, there really are a lot of weird people who are attracted at least temporarily sometimes, to churches. Sometimes it, it fills something, it fills a void in their life. And those are the people you want to stay away from. So, and, and, and as I've, I've also seen you know, people who have uh, sexual attraction toward children that, that do that, and they get involved with churches, and then ultimately they end up uh, succumbing to their temptations, and... Uh, they find their way through the church to uh, youth groups there, and then you can imagine what happens. So, uh, it, 
it's a strange thing with these churches of who it attracts. And there's some people who just you know paint all churchgoers with a broad brush as just all bad people, all hypocrites, all with something to hide, all crazy, whatever. That's not true. It, there, there really are two types, and I've known both. Scammers like to use religion, especially Christianity, as uh, an excuse for why they're reformed and why you shouldn't be mad at them. Like, after they scam you, they, they claim to have found God or whatever. We've seen that one before. But the, those people aren't really attracted to the church. Those are people who are just using it to uh, further uh, mislead people. But apparently he felt some kind of connection there. And that's what brought him there. Naked. On LSD with a gun. <laughs> so... Now, I wonder, what, what is the World Series going to say about this? Like, if they hear about this at the World Series, is he going to be welcome back? Or is he going to be banned from Caesar's properties after this? It didn't have anything to do with Caesar's, but he did have a gun for no good reason and wasn't listening to police. He could be perceived as yeah, dangerous. Yeah, but, Druff, if everyone with a criminal record was banned from casinos, the games would be really bad. Yeah. You know, well, I'm I, just wondering if they'll, if they'll brand him as dangerous, though. I'm not talking about like a criminal record. I'm saying like just someone who's actually physically dangerous. Like they could brand this guy. I don't know. I, I could see. I, I could see if they got wind of this. I could see it either way. I could see it where they say, "Well, there's a lot of people with criminal records. We can't do this," or it didn't have to do with us. Or I could see, "Well, yeah, he's a danger. We're not going to let him play." But a lot of Minnesotan poker players, I think, for a few reasons. I think uh, one of the reasons is it's. They have such a long cold season there that I think there's more attraction to do things indoors like poker, especially during the months where it's not very pleasant to go outside. And and second, they they do have a casino there. They have, they have some casino. They have several casinos there in, in Minnesota with poker. So there is a poker community where people start to play, and some people get good at it. And then yeah, you see them in the mainstream poker world. They even have a Minnesota Poker Hall of Fame. Did you know that? Did not know that. Yeah. We have some Minnesota listeners. In fact, uh, one of them was uh, a guy who's been on this site and other sites for a long time, actually. He was messaging me that last week. So, yeah, we have uh, we have Minnesotans here among us. All right. Uh, someone asking in text, Doom asked, uh, what's the payout for fourth place? Doom, you won a whopping $8. Congratulations. Mm. Congratulations to you. And let's see what else we have here. Uh, so someone, 410, it was actually Scott from the East Coast, says, uh, Kate Hall makes, her sound, makes herself sound like she's Taylor Swift. I don't quite know what he means by that. Uh, let's see. In the 505... If the girl was hot, I think he's referring to the girl I was talking about from when I was 16. Uh, would, would, you would, would you have turned her down? Well, the girl was hot from what I heard. So the answer was yes. <laughs> That's what's really surprising. I, I heard she was hot. Someone else text, texted me the actual name of uh, fake logic. I'm not going to say it out here. 
but uh, I've never heard of him. The, from the 512, I think Stu Unger would just be complaining that no one folds any hands. <laughs> uh, let's see here. From the 818, find Neverwin, need me some. And then uh, DJ Chaps just sent 55. He's at 55, Todd. That's from DJ Chaps in Nova Scotia. So glad to see we have a, a Canadian contingent listening. Especially, it's even later for him than you. It's, uh, it's 12.20 a.m. right now. Or not 12.20. It's, uh, sorry, it's, it's, it's uh, 3.20 a.m. right now. In Nova Scotia. Where it's only 2.20 for you, Catwan. You still awake? I am. For the moment. Yeah, not, it's not going to be too much longer. Yeah, Trader Ruski. I can tell you're fading a little bit. I can tell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm here. Let's see what we got here. Uh, I'm going to talk about my speeding ticket in Alberta. We're going to deviate from the poker talk, the naked talk, the Kate Hall talk, the Tom Dwan talk, the Zoe Kareem scam talk. We're gonna skip past all that stuff, and we're gonna I'm gonna talk about my speeding ticket. This sounds like the perfect thing to put me to sleep. Yeah, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> no, I, I'm just busting your balls, but I, I do think I'm gonna go. I apologize. I had a really really early day today. Okay. So Trader Ruski, you got to hold down the fort, man. I'll stay up as long as possible. All right, bro. I'll, I'll hang up. I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Later. All right, so I want to talk about my speeding ticket in Alberta. I took a two-week trip, as you guys know, that ended on August 5th. In the middle of it, I was in Banff, Alberta, and I got a speeding ticket. I was going 71 kilometers per hour, which is approximately 45 miles per hour, in a zone which is 40 kilometers per hour, which is equivalent to about 25 miles per hour. So it's pretty much 45 and a 25 for those in the U.S. Now, upon hearing that, you'd probably say, okay, sounds like you were substantially speeding. That's no surprise. Why are you bringing that up here? Well, it was a particularly nasty speed trap, in my opinion where they set the speed limit artificially low in order to ticket tourists. Now, this was on a street called Mountain Avenue, which extends all the way from the Banff Gondola down to a few miles later connecting with the main part of town. Now, the main part of town, there's a lot of pedestrians, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of reasons to drive slow over there. I understand that. But starting from where the gondola is... There's no intersections. There really isn't you know, reason for anyone to be crossing. I didn't pass by any bicycle, bicyclists or anything like that. It, it's really just auto traffic on the street. And it's a wide street. There's no reason for it to be a 25-mile-per-hour speed limit. But that's what it is for miles. Again, with zero intersections, zero traffic lights, zero crosswalks. No houses there for miles. So you just don't feel like that would be the speed limit. 
Now, yes, it's technically each driver's responsibility to check the speed limit when they're driving, but let's be honest here. I don't think many people who drive are constantly looking at the speed limit signs. You may think to yourself, oh, I wonder what the speed limit is here, and then look at the next sign you see. But you're usually not, and you may see speed limit signs that you pass by and maybe notice you're, you're going too fast, but you're not constantly scanning the road for speed limit signs, even when you turn onto a new street that you haven't been on before. And if you say you are, you're probably lying. Okay? So I got on the street. It seemed like a fairly major street. It seemed like one that was safe to drive a normal, you know, semi-fast residential street speed of like 45. Notice I wasn't zooming down at you know, 65 miles per hour. I, I was going down at about 45 miles per hour, which were, the way that street is constructed, with no intersections, with nothing but just trees on the side, 25, and, and it's downhill too. I forgot to mention that. It's downhill. So you'd actually have to ride the brakes to go the 25 they want you to go. You couldn't even give gas. You'd actually, the, the hill is steep enough to where you actually will speed up past 25 just by letting the car go by itself. So it feels like 45 is about a safe speed. Like, I just started driving around 45. I didn't feel like I'm speeding. There are times I speed where I feel like I'm speeding. I know I'm speeding. This was one where I just felt like I'm kind of just driving what's probably around the speed limit there. And I did just subconsciously. I didn't think, oh, I bet this is the speed limit. I just started driving what kind of I felt was a, a safe, normal speed that most people will drive. And as I got, I, I ran around a corner as we're starting to get closer to the residential area, but we're you know, not quite there yet. A cop who's on foot signals me to pull over. And there's a, a car, and I see the car. There's a, another cop hiding behind the door with a laser gun. And that they obviously just lasered my car and uh, obviously must have caught me speeding. Which I didn't know I was doing. So they directed me to, quote, the first cone. And I noticed they actually had a series of cones set up to ticket several cars at once. I'm like, oh, boy, this is a speed trap. Because when a cop just happens to see you speeding and pulls you over, that's not a speed trap. They just catch you speeding. And there's even times where, where they notice where there's speeders often and they'll post a cop hiding there to pull people over. But then there's actual speed traps where they actually make it into what I call a ticket mill, where they just uh, they ticket so many people so quickly that uh, here they actually had to set up cones for people to pull up in line to be ticketed. And sure enough, five minutes later, another car got ticketed right after me. While I was being still written up, they pulled, that, they pulled over someone else and he pulled up behind me. So this is definitely a ticket mill. It was definitely a speed trap, and the speed limit, I felt, was definitely set artificially to induce tickets, and if for whatever reason it wasn't set for that reason, if, it were, if they set it for some other stupid reason to that uh, very low speed limit, then they found an opportunity there and set up that trap, knowing that they would snare tourists who just uh, felt that that was a normal speed to go. That seemed like a safe, normal speed to go, as I did, and didn't realize the speed limit was so low. It's just one of these things where you're just not driving the natural speed on that road. And if you don't look at the speed limit side, you don't even know you're doing it. This is different than where you know you're speeding, and they catch you, even if it is a speed trap. Or it's different if you have the opinion, oh, I bet I could drive safer here, I bet it's safe to drive this fast here, and... Others have a different opinion. Here, 
most people who would drive that would think this is ridiculously slow. It feels like I'm crawling in for no good reason. So that happened to me. They wrote me a ticket for 253 Canadian dollars. Translate to about 200 US dollars. I don't think it'll be a point on my license here because I don't think there's a reciprocal agreement between Alberta and my state. So what happens if I don't pay? Well, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think I could probably get away with it if I just don't pay it. Except if I were to return to Alberta and perhaps anywhere in Canada, they may look me up, see I have an unpaid ticket, and either arrest me or demand I pay some crazy fine for an unpaid ticket. So unfortunately, I don't think that just ignoring it is an option. If, I've, if I would never go back to Canada, yes, I would ignore it. If I, if I could look in the future and say I'm never going back to Canada in my life, then I would ignore it. I would, I would verify that they can't touch my license here, which I don't think they can, and then I'd ignore it. But I, I can't because I am going to return to Canada. And I don't even want to take a risk that this might be a hassle. I don't want to have my vacation ruined because they take me to prison, or not prison, but jail. They take me to jail or try to force me to pay thousands of dollars in fines because I didn't pay it. Like, I can't have that. It's only $200. It's annoying, but, you know, I'd pay that to prevent the possibility that I could be uh, denied entry of the country or arrested or heavily fined. So really what I'm looking into do now is find a way to either reduce the ticket or beat it in a legal way. And I can't go to court there, obviously. I'm way too far away. I'm not going to travel to Alberta for this. So can I do something for where I, from where I am now to either reduce the ticket or beat the ticket, which will cost me less than the amount of the ticket? Like if, if I could hire a lawyer for $500 to beat it, obviously I wouldn't do that. Now, I brought this up on the forum, and surprisingly, I had a lot of people giving me a hard time about this. And keep in mind, I conceded right away that I may have to end up paying it. But I have a lot of people who are giving me a hard time, saying that I deserve it, that I should just pay it, that the right thing to do is pay it. That Someone even said it's setting a bad example for my son if I don't pay it, which is stupid. My son won't even know if I pay it or not. He, he saw that I got it, but believe me, he's not thinking of me getting tickets, nor is he ever going to ask what happened with it. Uh, but uh, I'm having people basically tell me, look, you sped, you, ca- you got caught speeding, pay it. And I said, well, what about it being a speed trip? Doesn't matter, it's posted, you didn't look, pay it. Well, see, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in being the government's bitch. I don't believe in just doing what you're told without questioning it. And I'm not saying you've got to question everything. I'm not saying you've got to be a rebel. I'm not saying that you should decide what the rules are for yourself and ignore any posted laws. Of course, that would be ridiculous advice, and I I don't live by that advice either. But at the same time, I look at what the situation is. And if I think something dirty or semi-dirty was done to extract money out of me, even if it is legal to do, then I will find ways to fight it if possible. With the government, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you're just screwed. Sometimes you just have to suck it up and pay. And that may be the case here. 
But I don't find it the slightest bit immoral to say, I think this was a speed trap. I think they left the speed limit artificially low so they could ticket tourists. I don't like the fact that they have a, a big line of people they ticket every five minutes where they purposely, uh, you know, they, they know you're not going to know this. They know people, they know tourists in the area are not going to understand that they're driving above the speed limit. They're not going to think of it. It's going to hit him by surprise. It's a it's a way to squeeze extra revenue out of tourists who, uh, who are unwittingly speeding, which is really what's happening. In fact, I read a review on TripAdvisor uh, two weeks ago. A guy did the exact same thing I did and wrote it up on TripAdvisor. Exact same thing. He didn't look at the speed limit sign, felt he was traveling at safe speed, had no clue he was speeding. They, they grabbed him around the corner, the exact same spot. Apparently, this is a new trap, by the way. They, they, I guess they just started this. That's why there's not much online discussing it. But a guy like two weeks ago wrote the same thing. And th- this is just one guy who wrote I mean, they, they, they ticket a, an amazingly high number of people every day. If, if a, a car right behind me five minutes later was ticketed, and they have all these cones set up to ticket multiple people throughout the day, you can imagine how many they write. And I've always felt that traffic enforcement should never be for revenue. It should always be for safety. Now, if they gain revenue because they're enforcing safety violations, that's fine. But there should not be enforcement for the purpose of safety. There shouldn't be tricking people into getting tickets. There shouldn't be speed limits set so low to where people have no idea they'd be set that low. They just wouldn't imagine they'd be set that low. And then accidentally speed because they don't know they're speeding and get caught. And if you have a speed limit set that low, let's say it's totally valid. Let's say that they set the speed limit that low because they they did some study and and it determined that uh, 25 is the right speed on that street for whatever reason. Fine. But they know that people are speeding there not because they're trying to speed, but because they think the natural speed to drive on that street is much higher than 25. So if they know that, if they know that most people there are going to think that unless they happen to see the speed limit signs, then they should have something that really gets the driver's attention, a flashing light or something like that. You know, speed limit 40, which is 40 kilometers per hour, 25 uh, miles per hour. They should put it very, very clear to where if someone speeds after that, then they're knowingly doing it. Why? Because it's something unusual. It's something out of the ordinary. I'm sure most of the people who listen to this show do a lot of driving. And I'm sure you know on each street you drive what the safe, kind of normal speed to drive. There's there's a speed you can drive faster than that where you still feel it can be safe, that you can go slower than that. But each street you're on, you can just kind of eyeball it and say, okay, this it feels like I could drive this speed on here and it won't be the slightest bit unsafe. And 45 felt like that speed to me. 45 miles per hour felt like that speed to me on that street. I had no clue that I was exceeding the speed limit by 25 by 20 miles per hour. And the subsequent day, obviously, I drove the speed limit. And boy, that 25 felt like I was crawling. I, I, I felt like I wasn't moving. I thought, this is so weird. It just felt so weird driving down that street at that speed, even knowing I had to. So if there's a situation like that, they need to warn people, speed limit isn't what you think. They, they, they wouldn't put the sign with those words, but you know what I'm saying. Warning, speed limit uh, this much here, the flashing light. Something like that. But they don't want that. They want people to violate it so they can collect money from them. And it works. So I think that's scummy. 
And if I can find legal ways to fight it that aren't too expensive or too troublesome, I'll do it. I have no. I, I see we're trying to get a call here. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, Josh? Who is this? It's a Spartan. How you doing, brother? It's who? The Spartan. Oh, the Spartan. Okay. I haven't heard from you in a while. So it's a Spartan. Oh, yeah, I've been a little busy. I've been a little busy. Okay, so Spartan, do you, you have a comment on this topic or something else? Actually, I do have a comment on, a comment on that topic. On the side of the Bruckner, right, on the side of the highway in New England, they got a stretch of it like at 15 miles an hour, another stretch of it like 25 miles an hour. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I got a ticket for doing 40. It's ridiculous. And the people that are telling you that you should just pay and shut up are the same people that overlook everything else. You know what I'm saying? It's just the American citizen has to pay, and, 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 and it's just a double standard. And it's not fair that they actually, if the median income is $50,000, and, and you're speeding 2 o'clock in the morning, 40 miles an hour is what I'm defining as speeding on the side of a service road, you don't lose a day's pay. The government can't come, like you said, be the government's bitch. The government can't come and confiscate a whole day's pay off you. Yeah, you know, it, considering it, what the median income is. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even just the, about the median income. It's, it's more about just the, what is the purpose of the traffic enforcement? And if the, perfect of the, tra- if the purpose of the traffic enforcement is more about making money than about keeping the road safe, then that's a problem in my opinion. That I don't feel traffic enforcement should ever exist for the purpose of making money. That should never be the reason. I know it is. I know that's a, a, something that's been done for more than uh, half a century. That's, in, all well, over, that, all that's over. the only reason. Yeah, I don't mean to you're sorry. That that's the only reason is because of all the pension gaps and and the overpromising and this and that. That's the only reason they do it. That's the only reason they do it is to collect that money and solidify that pension. Well, yeah, they, it's, I mean, it's not public safety. It's not anything else. Well, yeah, it is all about money. So I think is it Mumbles Badly who's on here now? Yeah, this is Mumbles Badly. How you doing, John? Yeah. So what, what's are you? In oh the, my God. Are, <laughs> are are you in the? Are you, I got to, I, I'm, on a, I'm on like a 10 minute break and then I got to roll. Um, I got some bad news for you. What? <clears throat> I just went on Google Earth and drove, you know, drove using the uh, street view of the road that you were on uh, based on the little map you had. Um, there were actually two warning signs of 40 mile an hour. What do you mean by warning? Before. Well, as you uh, are coming, as you're approaching the curve, right before that, before that little curve, before the road curves, there's one 40 mile an hour or 40, you know, k, you know, 40 mile, 40 something sign indicating the curve in yellow. Now, that's not for that's for commercial vehicles, right? Yeah. But after you make that curve, there's a Okay, but, but you understand that's, that's, not, that's not a warning. So I'm not saying there weren't signs. I'm not saying this wasn't a legal ticket. I'm saying that they, this doesn't get your attention, and, and, and unless you're constantly looking at these signs. By the way, I think you're looking at an old uh, – I think the Google Maps thing might be a little bit older because uh, the, the, it was 40 the whole way down, and someone said they found something from two years ago where it was starting to – it was 60 at the beginning and then became 40 later. Now it's 40 the whole time. Uh, but uh, regardless, oh, yeah, but uh, drop. Let me just in, let me just interject. Uh, uh, okay, a lot of those, a lot of those, a lot of times they change the uh, the speed limit for a certain amount of stretch. At two o'clock in the morning, there's nobody on the street. Uh, they can't be doing that shit. 
Yeah, yeah, I understand. So, so, so Mumbles, what I'm saying here is that I, I understand they had they had enough signs. I'm not saying that there were not enough signs uh, on the road to, to for me to be a, for the driver to see the 40 mile per hour. It's just that the driver is not going to look constantly, and that's what it was. I I just didn't I just didn't look. Just like a lot of yeah, times. I mean, I'm saying that I don't know a judge would. Really, I hope that's not what you're going to try to explain to the judge. No, it, it isn't. It isn't. I'm just telling you the truth. But uh, no, I know. I know in court yeah. that would not fly. I'm not saying in court that would fly. I'm not saying legally yeah. I'm in the right. I'm saying that morally, as far as feeling, do I deserve to pay this ticket? Is it a good ticket? Is it something that I deserve to get? No. This is a, a revenue trick that they're doing there. And will I probably have to pay? Yes. But uh, should I have to pay it? No. Is this fair to the tourists? No. Is it a money grab? Yes. That's how I feel. And a lot of people on the forum were treating me like I was being a jerk for trying to find ways out of this. And I thought that's ridiculous. That, that's, that's the main reason I'm yeah. doing the segment on here. Listen, trying to explain that to Mumbles, a Dixiecrat like that, you're not going to win, Drew. Well, I don't even, does he Mumbles, loves it when the government takes people's money. So Mumbles, well, how, do you, how, how do you feel? Let me give you my perspective as a professional truck driver. Yeah. Um, professional truck driver. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I've been on a number of roads where the speed limit is much lower than, you know, you can drive cars. I mean, they you know, they seem normal for driving cars. And maybe it's traps. I mean, maybe it's not. One of the things you may be able to think about as far as BAM goes is they probably don't have the money to have variable speed limits based on the weather or based on the time of year. So there's a good possibility that they just had too many people having access on that curve. You know, and they said, screw it, we're just going to push the speed limit back and have people slow down beforehand. Well, that's, that's fine. But that, but that... I, know from my, I know from my experience as a truck driver, there are some situations where, you know, the speed limit is like 55, and you're going down a hill, and at the bottom of the hill, the speed limit changes to 35, and you don't really have any warnings because that's all depending upon which state you're in, right? Some states require warning signs. But it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, you really, you're driving the car, you got to pay attention to the signs. No, no I, I, mean, I, I, I understand that, and I understand the, the, you know, that maybe this, you know, what if, what if there was a reason? Maybe it was because of winter, that's the yeah. safe speed to drive, but summer it isn't. But the, the the thing is, they're taking advantage of that and using it as a speed trap, and that's what's bothering me. That's what I don't like, especially in a place that, that makes its money from tourism. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think mean, the I mean, thing really does, it's kind of the, it's kind of the clue of, of how they're basically expecting people to be speeding, and their signage is not sufficient to... You know, he's just rationalizing. No, 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 no. He's it's black and white. No, he, no, no. He's actually agreeing with me somewhat. He's he's agreeing that the the fact that they have the cones there set up to pull over multiple people at once shows that they. Right. That's basically like a hint that they know that they're going to catch people speeding, which means the signage is not you know sufficient. Right. Sure. Right. If, if I put ten miles an hour on the side of the Bruckner of the New England ninety five. I'll set up cones too because I'll catch people all day long because it's irrational. Yes. It's a setup, dude. Yes, that, that, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Okay. And it's like giving somebody a ticket. I mean, when, it, when it now you, they want to give you a ticket for uh, using your cell phone crossing the street. Uh, maybe I, I agree with that a little bit. But it's like giving somebody a ticket if they blink crossing the street. They're going to do it. <laughs> so yeah. it's impossible not to. Yeah. So, I mean, it's irrational. They probably, they probably followed Alberta's requirements for signage. 
Yeah. Why are you always rationalizing? No, 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 no. He, I don't think he's rationalizing. No, I, I, I think he's most. I think he's somewhat I'm trying, to, here. I'm trying to explain how these how these governments work. You know, I mean, if, if, if in some states there's a requirement that you have these, you know, particular kind of signs. Like, I love the signs that have like uh, when the, in Texas, when the speed limit's dropping on the highway. The sign is not just white. It has a reflective, in certain places, it has like a reflective yellow um, thing around it. You can't miss these signs. Other states, oh my God. You, just have the, you just have the sign. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree. I agree. Even if they have the sign and it's posted t- uh, 10 times on every block, on every, on every square mile, on every, on every mile, 10 times, if, 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 the, if the speed limit is unreasonably low... There's a reason it's unreasonably low. Yeah. They'll rationalize it as our safety, yeah. but that is not the case. Yeah, that no, is not their intent. Go on, sorry. Yeah, you know, you, look, you guys both have good points. I didn't want to make this a long segment. I thank you guys both for calling in about this, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, you guys both have good points I, here. And I gotta go, so let me listen okay. off the air. Okay. okay. So th- thank you, Mom. All right, Joe. Thank you very much, brother. Right. Keep it on. All right. Thank you. So, so yeah, I, I just well, want to. Like, it's like we have our own Bobo now. <laughs> There's a lot of information about driving rules and instructions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but look, I, I just, I just felt that, uh, like, I, I know these exist. These type of things have existed since before I was born, and I, and I, I don't feel I've discovered anything new here. Uh, I just, uh-huh. I, I just don't like them, and I, and and I can't change everything in the world I don't like. And sometimes, especially with the government, what, what is that? I hope you're not peeing. Oh, sorry, I sorry, I thought I was on mute. I was giving my dog a couple of treats. Okay, I was, I was, yeah. So, Drop, here's what I think. Because, first of all, at the end of the day, it's how much time are you spending? How much is your time worth? And while they, I'm sure they put these things in for revenue for the city, what I would do is write a letter to, like, the Visitors Bureau or something. It has to have some agency for tourists. And just say, you know, I, I was a tourist there. I came there to spend money and bring my family because I was very interested in Alberta. This happened. I think it's very unfair. Yeah. I spent a ton of money in the community on my vacation. Can you help me with that? I was thinking so something think like that. that yeah. Route. yeah, I was thinking something like that. I was, I, I was thinking, I was trying to find out if I can, I haven't found out yet, if I could do some kind of trial by mail or write to the court, but of course the court's not going to care as yeah, much about that. Yeah, but that's about, yeah, like you said, but, that's about, they're not, you're not getting nothing for that. Yeah, but I, I, might, I might, yeah, maybe I should, and before this is due, this is due like September 7th, so I I, I probably should uh, do something soon and write to the, to yeah, to the Chamber of Commerce there or whatever and see if I can get some kind of, uh, some kind of response, see if they could yeah, some I would kind just of, say, is there anything you could do to help me? I run a radio show, I you know, a blogger. Yeah, they don't want idea. any bad PR. That's not a bad idea. Not in like a threatening way, but yes, just, yes. you know, I think you want Yeah, it's not a bad idea to try to, <clears throat> to see if they can assert some influence over there because this that's that's what bothered me also was this wasn't this wasn't even just one of these small towns everybody passes through but never spends any money except to, you know, stop for gas. This is a, a tourist town. They make a yeah. lot of money there from from all the different uh services that exist there for tourists, you know, the hotels, the restaurants, the uh all the other activities they have, the, the gondola. There's a lot of different things in that small town where they make a lot of money off tourists. And to set up speed traps that where they, they actually have cones there waiting to pull over a whole lot of cars at once because they know everyone's going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who don't realize that they're speeding, I think is, uh, is really dirty. And I, I just don't think that's a, a nice way to treat the tourists. I think that they should do what they need to do to keep the place safe. 
but they shouldn't try to take advantage of speed laws to extract extra money out of people that way. And I, I think I will actually take your suggestion there. I think that's a good one. And, uh, and, and write to them or call them or something and try to, try to see if there's anything that can be done uh, where, where they could influence something. Uh, you know, at this yeah. point, I'd even take... Can you take care of it? I'd really like to recommend Alberta to all my friends and listeners. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah I don't want to be left with a bad taste in my mouth. I bet they'd pay it. Yeah, or 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 maybe get them, you know, get or just something. get it removed, or get it, or get it reduced, or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's something like that. So, no, that's a good idea. All right, people, I'm, what I'm going to do here is uh, this is kind of weird. So, I told Benjamin's mom to let me know if Ben is having trouble, like going to sleep when she is, and then just let him watch TV, and I'll go put him to bed at short, sometime after that. So, she said, "How can I tell you if that happens?" And I said, "Well, text me." So I'll tell you the text I got here. I got the text that's about, uh, and I saw this a while. I didn't just see this now. I saw this around when she sent it. <laughs> but she texted me at uh, 9.34 p.m. And she texted, going to bed. <laughs> so that, that doesn't tell me whether Benjamin is has gone to bed when she did, or if she's just going to bed and he's just up. Like, I, I, all I have is going to bed. It could mean that he's also... Or going Benjamin's to bed. going to bed. No, it means she is, but it, it, it also could mean he's going to bed, too. And it also could mean that she's just going to bed and leaving him. Now, he hasn't come in, and it's been t- two hours since then. So <coughs> what I'm going to do here is mm. I, I'm going to pause the show the same way I did last week. And if he's, if he's just sleeping, uh, then I'll start it right back up again about two minutes later. If he is oh, not... And- then, then oh, I sorry, obviously he has to go to bed now, and I will uh, come back in yeah, twenty minutes or so once I have accomplished that. So, for those of you listening live, I apologize. Now, next week I guarantee this won't happen, and the reason I'm guaranteeing this is next week he will be in school already. So he will have woken up early in the morning, and there's no chance that he won't be able to go to sleep at the time that uh, Ben's mom goes to sleep because he will have been up a long time already by then. Uh, here. He he woke up at 10 a.m. today, so that's why it was iffy whether he could fall asleep by uh, the time she was going to sleep, which is about 10 p.m. So I will see. And uh, what do you want to say, Trader Ruski? You there? See, now he's gone. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, when you go out, you know, I don't know if you've ever gone to, like, the Hilton Sportsbook or the H. LVH or whatever it's called now. Yeah, what's it called? You know the, the, the West. It's the Westgate now. Yeah, the, right. The Westgate. When you go out the back and you turn right, it's like forty-five for like fifty yards, and then it turns into twenty-five. Oh, really? I, I don't know. That. And I got, I got pulled over there once. I'd gone through there a thousand times. Never even noticed, you know. Yeah. And he pulled me over, and I said, "Oh, sir, blah blah blah." And I, he didn't give me a ticket, so that was cool. Yeah, I've had some where they where they let me off. In fact, I've had sometimes I've been let off of tickets where I'm surprised. I've had some where the the cops just get really nasty to me. But, Do you know how fast you were going? Do you understand how safe this is? Uh, you know how un- unsafe they, they just go off on me. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh crap! There's no chance he lets me off of this one. And so I just kind of I just sit there and take it. I don't ever talk back or anything. It's the worst thing you can do. So I, I yeah. whatever they say, I just, I just take it. I just sit there and just you know I answer what they ask me to answer. But I don't ever, no matter how much I disagree with what they're saying, I just keep quiet. So, like, yeah. I, I sit there, sometimes I'll sit there through these lectures, and they go, 
So, okay, so don't ever do this again, or I'm going to give you a ticket next time. And they walk away. Go, okay. Wow. <laughs> I, use, I usually, and I've gotten out of a few this way. I say, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was going that fast. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> there wasn't an exit. Oh, that's, that's a pretty good I really good apologize. I, you know I, what I'm saying? I, I, I have, depending on the, ad, like if they come like all angry at me, then I don't even bother to respond in any way other than just answering questions. If they come to me just cordially or, or even friendly, then I'll, I'll sometimes say something that I didn't realize or w- whatever it is that I think is most appropriate yeah. for the situation. But uh, it, it's funny because... I, I can't even correlate the times I've gotten tickets versus the times I haven't been written tickets with, with the attitude of the officer. I, I've had it all over the place. Like right. Once they seem so nice, and then they go, well, okay, so you know, hopefully this will give you a reminder to slow down in the future. And uh, you know, so here, I know. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, crap. And then <laughs> another one is that come up like total assholes to me, but then they don't write me the ticket. I'd much rather have the total asshole who doesn't write me the ticket than the nice guy who gives me the ticket. So, right. uh, so that's, I, I've, I've had it all over the place. I've actually, I think overall, I've actually run pretty well with, especially in recent years, with being written tickets versus not. Uh, like, I think I've not been written tickets a lot more than most other people haven't been. And one thing I actually, it, it kind of started around the time Benjamin was born. And I always wondered if, like, him being in the car somehow got more sympathy for me or something that I have a kid there. Like not not that because I, you know provided they didn't really feel like I was going on I was really unsafe they just kind of like I, I wonder if seeing a, a young kid there makes them have more sympathy for me and not want to write me the ticket than just a, a guy alone. I'll bet it does because it's just like they don't want to deal. There's a way a ticket. The kid, baby starts crying. Or, or do they just feel bad? You know, the guys, the, the father yeah. driving the kid around. Yeah, I've, I've wondered. If, they've never said anything, but I've wondered. That's kind of when it started to change. Where I. Uh, I started really getting fewer tickets written to me when I'm pulled over compared to before, where just about every single time they were writing to me. And yeah, nice. So I, I've wondered that. So anyway, all right, Jeff. But check on Ben. Sorry, I'm gonna. Now, are you gonna come Tangent. back or are you going to sleep now? No, twenty minutes. I should be good. Okay, it could be like two you minutes know? again. He could be asleep, and I, I'm actually. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so yeah, just call me back when you're ready, or I'll, if you I'll, want, or text me, and I'll, I'll call go check, and then we'll. I will. Uh, so people listening live, just uh, hang on here, and I will. If it's any appreciable time, like more than a few minutes, I'll tweet on on the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter uh, that it'll be some time. Otherwise, if you don't see a tweet from me, that means I'm coming back within a few minutes, and uh, the show will start again. If you're listening to the archives, then seconds after this, you will hear it continue. So I'll be right back, people. All right, everybody, we're back. Poker Fraud Alert Radio's second half of the program. May not be an actual half. Um, I'm thinking we don't have as much material in this portion of the show than we had in the previous portion of the show. But we will complete the agenda and then complete the program. And if you're listening to the archives, then this will just be one seamless episode to you. Indeed, I had to put Benjamin to bed. He was uh, happily watching TV and insisted he wasn't tired, but uh, I got him to sleep anyway. So, yeah, there's a bit of delay, and this will be the last time this will happen, because, as I said, next week he will be in school, and he will definitely be tired by the 
time. His mom goes to bed at this time next week. So I apologize to you live listeners that uh, we had to take this little break last week and this week. So I'm going to give everybody a bit of time to find us again in the live broadcast since uh, I just kind of showed up. And let's see what I can do to kill a bit of time without being too boring for the archive listeners, which is honestly most of you, especially at this time. I've mentioned this before many times, but the main usage of this show is kind of as a background thing to listen to. And usually not when people are listening live. Usually, it's people who are doing something the day after radio. Whether it's grinding poker, driving, flying, um, sometimes even trying to go to sleep, hiking, working. There's a lot of things people do and just like to have this on in the background. And something I noticed and something which I think is going to be lost over time if video takes over as the broadcast medium on the internet. Right now, there's still a lot of podcasts out there, but it seems like video is slowly gaining more and more traction to where I'm concerned that one day this is going to be really antiquated to just have an audio show. But one good thing about having an audio show is that there's nothing to watch. That you know that you're not missing anything by just listening. And I have certain shows I watch that are video shows which can sometimes double as audio shows if you just listen to them. And you know the voices of the people on the show. And you think, okay, why do I need to see it? I can just pretend it's a radio show. But sometimes you can't because they'll show something on the screen and they're expecting you see what's on the screen or there's something important you need to see. And when I try to just listen to those shows, I find it to be very, I shouldn't say stressful, but it can be unnerving at times that I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I should be watching instead of just listening. Or I feel like at any moment I'm going to have to have the screen available to quickly look down at. And with shows like this, you don't have to do that because you know it's all audio. You know if you're listening to me, your eyes can be elsewhere and there's nothing ever to look at. I also think that uh, in this medium, there's a better connection you make with the audience. And it sounds weird that we're I'm actually saying there's a better connection with an audio program like this, audio only, than one with audio and video. You think the more that you can experience to the person, the more of a connection you can make to them. But I disagree. And the reason I disagree, and it might just be I'm biased because I'm a longtime fan of radio, and I grew up listening to a lot of radio. But they call radio the theater of the mind, where you just listen to someone, And you picture what they're talking about. And your entire focus is on their voice, even if you're doing other things in the background. Whatever 
attention you're giving to the show. It's only the voice. It's only what you're hearing. And I think that actually creates a better connection between the person doing the show and the listener when all you need to focus on is their words. All you need to focus on is what they're saying. It makes the whole communication experience more pure. And that's what I've felt when I've listened to programs versus watching programs. So I've experienced it on the other end a lot more. Where I'm the listener, I'm the watcher. So that's why, that's one of many reasons that I have resisted the push to do this show on Twitch or do a YouTube version or whatever, just some version where you can see me doing it. Not only don't I think it really adds to anything, I think in some ways it subtracts. It's also a little tougher on me because I have to be concerned of how I'm appearing on the video and be conscious of that. For example, let's say right now I wanted to pick my nose. I could do it and you would not know. But if I wanted to pick my nose on video, I I couldn't do it. Or if I did it, it would be embarrassing. Like, I have to think about things like that. But I, I don't have to think about the face I'm making or anything I'm doing in the background. I don't have to think of anything except what I'm saying. So that makes it easier for me to concentrate on the show. So that's uh, another reason that I just want this to be audio only. So, yes, I can pick my nose during the show. So, uh, Trader Ruski, welcome back. Thank you. And one of the top five uh, draft recommendations for audio podcasts. <laughs> well, three to five. Yes. So this is the second half of the show. I'm, uh, I know that uh, you tend to fall asleep around this time. So whatever time you make it till, that's fine. I will finish the rest on my own. And maybe, maybe I can even locate Brandon towards the end for the Vegas segment. Otherwise, we'll do it without him. But... Uh, Let's see what else we got. I just finished the segment about the ticket, as you know, as you were on for that. I, I want to play the Molly's Game trailer. Molly's Game is the movie version of the story of Molly Bloom. And there's a book about this, uh, I think, by the same name called Molly's Game. And it's about the underground, high-limit, uh, often celebrity games in uh, in New York that Molly Bloom, who was the host of these games, put together. And uh, Toby McGuire was part of these games. And, the, you know, these these were very good games. You, you had to have a lot of money for a bankroll on these games. But if you had the bankroll and if you could get invited, which that's that's very big because most people were not. Most people had no way into them. But if you could, it was a great opportunity because there was mostly recreational players. Uh, I've heard that Toby Maguire is one of the biggest all-time winners in cash poker, which on the surface seems crazy. But when you think about it that way, it does not seem crazy at all. So poker is often a function of uh, who your opponents are rather than how good you are on an absolute basis. That's why game selection is always so important. But uh, anyway, uh, Molly got in trouble 
as uh, these games were illegal, and there were various busts involving uh, gambling rings, and they, they weren't really aimed at poker, but she got caught up in the whole thing, and uh, that's when her name first got to be known to the public, then a book was released, and then a movie was made from the book. So, I'm going to play you the trailer. The, the movie, the movie's existence has been known for a long time, and it's the movie's going to be starring uh, Jessica Chastain, playing Molly Bloom. But the trailer just came out two days ago, and I'm going to play it to you guys, and I'll tell you guys what I think. Of this trailer. Honestly, since Rounders, which was a good movie, but is now almost 20 years old, there have been a number of poker-themed movies, and just about all of them have been terrible, to be honest. I mean, they've, uh, for a subject that really captured the public's attention, especially the last decade, you would have thought there would have been some quality movies. But it's funny that the highest quality of the poker movies was before, substantially before the poker boom. So, any movie that is about poker, I take an interest in for obvious reasons, and I'm sure you guys in the audience uh, feel the same way. So I'm going to play the Molly's Game trailer, may stop it a few times, and I'll tell you something. I didn't watch this in advance on purpose, well, for two reasons. Number one, because I'm lazy. And number two, because I, I these type of things I like having the genuine reaction as I'm seeing it so when I stop it and say something then it's really coming from my reaction at the moment not what I thought several hours ago so here I'm it is Molly Bloom. do you know about me so they're already starting it's pretty pretty loud can you hear Trader Risky or should I put on the sound for you no I can't hear it can okay, you well, put the sound on I'll put the sound on okay I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? I read your indictment after I got your call last night, and I bought your book. Do you understand that you are charged with operating an illegal gambling business? So hang on a second. So you're hearing this, right? Yep. Yeah, so, yep. I, okay, so it already seems like from this trailer, which is 21 seconds in, that it's more focusing on her life after the bust than... than uh, well, but... They could start with that though, and then like have her. Then like she's going back through the oh, story. Okay, okay, yeah. Like it could be structured that way. Yeah, it probably is. You're, you're probably right. Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? Um. Okay, so. First of all, I, I thought she called herself the Poker Princess. <laughs> so how come she's acting insulted that he doesn't want to take on a Poker Princess? If you think a princess can do my... Well, you call yourself the Poker Princess. So wh- why is that insulting? Uh, that, that speech I just heard her give there, it's supposed to be, like, inspiring, but it, it, it sounded... It didn't seem like natural dialogue to me. Though sometimes in these trailers, they just don't put them together well. So sometimes what seems kind of stupid in the trailer actually plays well in the movie. So... Um, I'll go on here. I'd be amazed. 
This is a true story, but except for my own, I've changed all the names. And Molly, my weekly poker game is moving to the Cobra Lounge. You'll help run it. Okay, so I, I heard about this, that all the names are changed, which is disappointing because, I mean, I guess for legal reasons they have to do it, but it'd be much more interesting to actually see at least some of the names of the, the people who were in the, the games, even if it's not really them playing themselves or anything, but... Like I, I, that'd be much more fascinating to be able to connect the characters to real people, but uh, may, maybe they'll make it like sort of obvious without directly saying it. Yeah, I'm in a with movie stars, directors, and business titans. They were going all in all the time. Thank you, Molly. This is for you. Thank you so much. I'm gonna stop paying you as my assistant. Fine. I'm not firing you. I'm just gonna stop paying you. You get paid once a week from the game. It doesn't seem fair. You're gonna stop paying me because I'm making too much money doing my second job, and if I say no, I'll lose both jobs because it doesn't seem fair. You don't have bargaining power here. You are unimportant. Do you know how many witches were burned in Salem? How many? None. They didn't burn witches. It's a myth. They hanged them. The humiliation had given way to blinding anger at my powerlessness. I wasn't gonna wait before I put a plan in place. I'll be hosting a game in this suite every Tuesday night. First buy-in, two hundred fifty thousand. That's you know, um, we're about a little more than halfway through. What's bothering me here a little bit? And I'm not saying this. This may not be an interesting movie. I, I, I've like you can only hear it. You can't see some of the imagery, and some of the imagery looks interesting. But uh, I, I don't like how how they're portraying her as someone who's like a almost like a victim that's pushed into doing this. That she's treated unfairly, she's screwed over in some way, so this is her only choice. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting from the trailer, rather than just someone who uh, developed the right connections and the right experience to, to make this happen and realize she can make a lot of money doing it. And, and was good at it, so she did this to make money. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of always what I thought was the situation with her. Wasn't that kind of what you heard? Yeah, but it looks like <clears throat> maybe the angle... Was she with the... Was she with the the Mayfair? Or what was the one downtown? Oh, I, I don't know which exactly one she was with. I know she was uh, she was busted with the, uh, the, the, the Trencher group. Right. But, uh, but I didn't know if she was like there. Because there was a game in New York forever. It was that you'd go to this office building and then there was like a game in the basement. You know, the Mayfair. Yeah. You know, Howard Letter used to play there. My cousin, he met. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, know, played there. There's, there's I played there. Right. There's a number of those there in New York. that Right. Uh, so I didn't know if she'd left that, because that was kind of the first, the original one, that went off on her own and started these real big games. Right, right. So that's, the, the, exactly. So that's, but yeah, just from this this trailer, though, it, it kind of seems like, uh, like everyone. Well, she's a woman. They want the woman in poker in a male-dominated field, maybe. Yeah, angle. It, it just seems like, oh, everyone's screwing me over. Everyone's persecuting me. Okay, watch watch what I can do. I, I, I'm forced into this position. Everyone's screwing me over. I've got to work for myself now and show what a job I can do. I don't think that's what happened. I, th- I think she just is someone who, as I was saying before, found the, after some experience in the poker community and, and having some contacts that she picked up of uh, businessmen, actors, whatever, that uh, she realized that she was very good at hosting these things, putting these things together and yeah. being charismatic enough to get people uh, interested and trusting her and, and she I can make a lot of money doing this. So, okay, that, that, that's what I think she did. And I'm not even commenting yeah. whether like, this is right or wrong. I'm just saying that uh, not, not, when people go do these things, they don't have to be a victim in any way. They could just be someone who 
is choosing a, a career that's lucrative yet not legal, and one day the hammer comes down. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I saw here. It's going to make noise. Let's play. You spent eight years in Hollywood and two years in New York running the world's most... Oh, you playing more of it? It's not, it's, not, it's not going? That's it's, right. It's, it's, I'll watch it later. No, no, it's all right. I'll put it, it's so weird. What I have to do on Skype is I have to, like, every time that happens, I have to stop sharing sounds and reshare sounds. It's, oh, it's, it's really odd. And, it, like, last show, it didn't really do that much. This show is just killing us. I don't know why. I think it's probably just idiosyncrasies of Skype. Nice. Mm-hmm. Let's play. You spent eight years in Hollywood and two years in New York running the world's most exclusive and decadent man cave. Have you seen the other names in your indictment? Come on, Marty, just how deep into the Russian mob were you? Your exposure is crazy. You got 2.8 million on the streak right now. You're gonna get blown up. You managed to build a multi-million dollar business using not much more than your wits. I'm about to be charged in federal court. Well, nobody's perfect. There's a new offer on the table. Complete immunity. We hand over the hard drives. You see what's on those hard drives? Families, lives, careers will be ruined. Why are you in this alone? Where are the people you're protecting by not telling the whole story? I'll tell them everything they want to know about me. About me. That's it. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, by the way, Amy Pascal, who was in a lot of controversy after the Sony hacks revealed a lot of emails that she wrote that were kind of embarrassing. She is uh, behind this production. She's uh, This is released by uh, STX Entertainment. Which I don't know if that's associated with... I don't know, she's gone from Sony, so it must be something separate. I think she's gone from... She's gone from Sony, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. I say STX Entertainment must be... Uh, like it could, They could be the one releasing the trailer. I don't know. But anyway, she's the one behind this. I've heard that for a while. And, you know, from watching this whole thing, they're definitely trying to paint her as, as a hero and, and very righteous and maybe even somewhat of a, of a victim who fought back in, in some way by, by doing this. And uh, I, I hope that's not the way the film goes. It seems like they're trying too hard to make like a saint out of her. And I don't even find that as much interesting. I don't mind, you know, there's nothing wrong with having flawed good guys or good guys who are, who are mostly good, who, who've uh, made some selfish decisions or made some mistakes. But uh, no, nobody who hosts a game like this is unselfish. Nobody who, who gets in the position she was is, is someone that uh, you, you would see as a hero or as anything close to a saint. I'm not saying they have to be bad people or, or really shady people, but they, they're not going to be anything close to a saint, and they're going to be a lot more self-serving than what it appears this character is from the trailer. But I have, I, you know, I've sometimes I've seen good movies before seeing the trailer, and then sometimes I'll look at the trailer afterwards and go, I'm glad I didn't see that trailer beforehand, because I, I thought the trailer made the movie look, look like it sucked, and then I saw the movie and it was actually pretty good. So, I, I think this one can go either way. I think this can end up being stupid, or it could, you know, it could be decent. I don't think it's gonna be like a, a great movie. But, uh, one one problem here. So this, here's the description that was posted on the official trailer 
on YouTube. Molly's Game is based on the true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game for a decade before being arrested in the middle of the night by 17 FBI agents wielding automatic weapons. Her players included Hollywood royalty, sports stars, business titans, and finally, unbeknownst to her, the Russian mob. Her only ally was a criminal defense lawyer, Charlie Jaffrey, who learned that there was much more to Molly than the tabloids led us to believe. So here's, here's the first problem, that they're talking about the 17 FBI agents wielding automatic weapons. Now, that sounds, like, really dramatic. That's actually a lot more standard than you think. Sounds like the Seals with Clubs take down it. Yeah, it, it, right. And that, that's a good example. The, the, you watch on TV where there's some super dangerous criminal, and somehow the show's hero, like the cop and, and, and his you know one partner or, or maybe one partner and one other cop, uh, you know, Try to come in to, to take down that guy and like like you know ten of his henchmen. That's TV. Uh, in reality, when they make busts, they will frequently bring in a lot of cops to bust one non-dangerous person and overdo it with pulling out the weapons and everything. Uh, especially if it's a case they've been investigating for a while. If, if it's just something where someone makes a report about someone and they, you know, they decide to arrest them, they're usually not going to take that much force there. But something like this, something especially where it's going to be high profile, they, they, they bring in kind of the overkill as far as the firepower just to make sure nothing goes wrong, just to make sure that the, the person doesn't fight back or, or just to make sure the person doesn't, have people there that are going to help them fight back. or you know, and, and the Seals of Clubs one is a good example, where they kicked down Mykon's door and busted him with guns. I think they knew from examining Mykon that it was just a guy and his wife and very little child in the place, and that, that wasn't necessary. They honestly just needed to uh, wait for him to walk out his door and say, hey, Brian Mykon, we're the police, come with us, and yeah, he wasn't going to do anything. But... Um, they they were anticipating this was going to be like a semi high profile thing. It ended up not being. They ended up backing down and slapping him on the wrist. But this is much more common than people think, where they'll bring in seventeen FBI agents with automatic weapons in the middle of the night, just to, to really, just in case there's more to it than meets the eye. They they don't want to be taken by surprise, so they just they bring in too much firepower. They bring in it really is like an overkill arrest. And the truth is, while, while it's unnerving to have cops show up with guns pointing at you, uh, you know, if you, if you don't fight back or anything, it's, it's just, they're just going to take you into custody and that's it. So, it's kind of scary to have guns pointed at you, but, uh, and, and you know, I'm not going to go into that whole debate of whether it's right or wrong, but that's what they do. So, it's not even like, it's not that dramatic. So, okay, they came in, and in fact, uh, Remember, what was her name? The Hollywood Madame uh, uh, Heidi Fleiss. Same thing. She she reported that they uh, they sent in like the all the cops with with, with guns pointed at her because she was uh, running a prostitution ring. They knew she wasn't dangerous, but that, that's just what they do. So. That that for a move like if that's like a big point of the movie like oh my god they came in with guns well okay that's that's pretty standard and 
Yeah, the, I don't know if there's enough in this if they can't really name the people. Like the Russian mob. The Russian mob, to my knowledge, wasn't threatening her. Or what, there, was, there wasn't like any real gotcha in this story other than that she was a, 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 a woman, a, you know, an attractive woman who was running a high-stakes game for a long time in New York with some high-profile names that were playing in these private games. I mean, that, that's an interesting story. But there's not a lot of drama in it that would really make it interesting for a movie. And I, that's why I think they have to play up all these other angles I was talking about during the uh, trailer. That's what I'm afraid of. And uh, the the lawyer, the relationship like between the lawyer and, and, and the client here, you know, between Molly and her lawyer, Charlie Jaffrey... It, this almost seems like they're ripping off the Aaron Brockovich script of the uh, the lawyer who believes in her that that fights the system with a with a low odds of success, but uh, decides to believe in her and uh, does a surprisingly good job. It kind of seems like that theme is being used here too. So I, I see a lot of potential for this being stupid, but. I'm not certain about it. It, it. it could be okay. So, this will come out on November 22nd. So it looks like it's got a Thanksgiving week release. And that, that's pretty common. They like to release films over Thanksgiving week. They like to le- release them over Christmas. They like to release them over the summer. And anything not released during those times is often... A film that's not expected to do very well. Sometimes not true, but that's often the case. They like to release films that they're expecting big things out of during one of those times. I remember uh, Titanic. You know that was supposed to be a summer release, and they had massive delays due to the special effects that were taking a lot longer to complete than they were planning. And the budget ran way up. And they spent $200 million on the film before they you know, even released it. And it got delayed. It was released in November instead of the summer. And this was expected to be one of the most embarrassing... Box office, box office bombs of all time. Which is amazing when you compare it to how it actually did, where it was the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> a little bit of a miscalculation there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I remember reading about it beforehand. I, I was thinking that too. I was thinking, wow, there's nothing but bad stories coming out about this film. About the budget, about the special effects taking forever, about it being released late, about everyone being pessimistic, about the... Like, it just did nothing but doom and gloom from there. It looked like it was going to be a fiasco. It was going to cost $200 million, maybe make uh, you know, $50 million and just be an embarrassing failure. And people were saying, how is the, how is the film going to make $200 million? Like, like, how can that be the break-even point? Yeah, they've done it before, but how can that be what you're shooting for, the break-even point you're shooting for? Then... I think it got like 1.6 billion. So this this film is definitely not going to be a, a Titanic as far as its success, but 
the question is, uh, number one, will it do okay? And number two, will it be good? I mean, there's films that do well that aren't good. There's films that do poorly that are good. So. Uh, the the home games have always kind of fascinated me. I'm talking about the real home games like this. Like, you know, the ones with the celebrities and a lot of or rich people that you have to get invited to. And I'm sure I would never be in one of those. I, I can't picture the circumstance where I would be. But if I were to be invited to one, I would be afraid to play unless I had like some rich backers who could really afford to take the risk. Because there's just such variance in these things. Even if you're playing a bunch of fish, to play these super high-limit games where... You know, you could easily lose over a million dollars if you don't run well. Like, you've got to be pretty well off to handle that. Or just a huge degenerate. But, I I could never sit in a game, no matter how good a game was, I could not sit in it with that type of risk. Unless I had backers. As I said, I doubt I'd ever be invited to that. I just don't have those connections. And even if I did have a connection, like, there, there needs to be a reason they want you there. They, they don't want poker pros in those games. They want either celebrities or they want rich amateurs. Like, very rich amateurs. They, they don't want the poker pro looking to be the shark and to eat up the fish. That's not what they're looking for. So, uh, and the, like the, the rich amateurs there, they want to either play against other rich amateurs or against celebrities just because it's fun to play against celebrities. And that's why Tobey Maguire did so well because he, he, he practiced a lot playing at Bellagio, got pretty good at No Limit Hold'em, and then is still a celebrity, so then they wanted him in the game even though he was uh, a fairly good player. So that was how he did so well. Anyway, let's uh, let's take a look here. The next topic. America's Card Room. I don't have an account there. I might very soon. I've been talking to some people about playing on America's Card Room, perhaps. And I was encouraged by the fact that I've been told by multiple people that they've been really fast with the payouts recently. Especially the Bitcoin payouts that... uh, People I know have had their Bitcoin payouts processed within hours, which is pretty amazing. And I'm talking about big payouts, not like $100. Like people getting thousands of dollars within hours of requesting the cash out. But a funny story emerged, I guess funny for us on the side, not funny for the person dealing with it. Uh, Someone I know did a $9,500 Bitcoin cash out from America's Card Room. And they were thrilled when, hours later, it says your cash out's been approved and processed. And sure enough, they went on, you know, they looked at their Bitcoin wallet and saw that, uh, indeed, 9500 was in the process of being sent. Now, when I say the process of being sent, uh, when Bitcoin is sent to you, there's an intermediate stage where you can see the transactions processing, but it's not completed. It's not verified, so you you have no access to the Bitcoin. You can see it's on it's on the way, and once it's on the way, it can't be stopped. So, 
once you see that, you know what's happening, and that's what's good is you, you know, like, if a poker site says they've sent you 9500 and you see it's in the, it's, 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 uh, the transaction is, uh, is verifying, then you know it's on the way and it'll get there, and pretty much the cash-out has happened. However, until you, it's, it's complete, you can't actually access the Bitcoin. And that includes, you know, if the Bitcoin goes up or down in value, you, that's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> you're, you're just stuck waiting for that to happen, even if you're looking to sell immediately when you get it. So this person told me that they were a little bit alarmed because over 12 hours had passed, and it still said that uh, zero out of three verifications had been processed on that transaction. So they saw the beginning of the transaction, but it just wasn't getting anywhere. And I said, I've never seen it that slow before. I've seen, I said, I've seen it personally. I've seen it where it takes uh, several hours, but I've never had it more than 12 before I've received. But I told them, look, I've, I've read reports before that, sometimes, that the transactions are getting slower. And in some cases, some people are, uh, were complaining it was taking more than 24 hours. So I said, don't worry. Probably by tomorrow you'll have it. Well, the next day, this person told me, same thing, still a zero out of three crap, I don't, I don't have it. So I said, wow, there, you must have just, uh, must be kind of running bad here with this one Bitcoin cash out. It just, I said, you're going you're gonna to get it eventually, but you're probably, you may have to wait. And he said, yeah, I Googled and I actually found some people complaining that it took a week for them. I said, oh boy, that sucks, but oh well, I guess uh, that, that's just a risk that you're taking when cashing out with Bitcoin. That this can happen sometimes you can get a slow transaction. Um, I now I'll admit I don't know enough about the mechanism of Bitcoin as to why sometimes it's a lot faster than, uh, than others. Like I understand the verification is going through, but I don't know why sometimes it's so much faster than others. I've just never studied it closely enough to know why that is. But anyway, he found out why it was so slow. Uh, you actually can see for, for every Bitcoin transaction, you're actually paying a small fee, which has gone up recently, unfortunately. But you're, you're paying a small fee basically to those processing it. It used to be like pennies. Now it's uh, it can be as much as uh, over a dollar. But if it's a ninety-five hundred dollar cash, obviously that's a very small fee, and America's card room is the one paying it anyway. So there's actually priorities, and, and you can actually pay a much lower fee if you put your transaction as lowest priority. So apparently that's what America's Cardroom has been doing. So despite the fact that they've been approving these Bitcoin transactions, or these Bitcoin cashouts very quickly, and sending them very quickly... They are choosing the, and it's either them or their payment processor, are choosing the very lowest priority so they can spend the least on transaction fees. So now it's taking days or as much as a week for people to get their money. (laughs) And the reason this is funny is they're saving like a dollar per transaction. So this person is waiting all this time to get his Bitcoin because America's Cardroom saved a dollar. And this is not a theory. He actually called up and confronted them about this, and they admitted it to him. So I have no idea why they're doing this. You'd think this would be a big bragging point. It's got to be a mistake on their part. Like they must have not thought this through. Or maybe this, their, their processor's doing it, and they just 
haven't told the processor, hey, you know, spend the, spend the dollar for the transaction. You think this would be a big selling point that the payouts are so fast? But there's no point to have a fast payout if they're going to send it on a, a low priority uh, Bitcoin transaction where it's going to take a week to verify. So keep that in mind if you cash out with Bitcoin. In fact, you may want to call America's card room and verify that they're not doing that or see if there's a way to have them stop doing that. That's kind of irritating that you think the money's coming. You just got to sit and wait and wait and wait. And it's just making no progress. To my knowledge, this person still doesn't have his Bitcoin yet. And I think it's been like three days now. He'll get it. It's just going to be slow. Poker Stars. Poker Stars is. Well, poker. Let me go back a little bit. Poker Stars. Every January had their PCA tournament, the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure. This was kind of brown, groundbreaking back in 2004 when they started it, January 2004. This was interesting where you would travel to the Bahamas and uh, you'd be at the Atlantis Resort and there'd be a poker tournament there. And you could play cash games on the side. You know, nowadays, it seems like, okay, there's all, all kinds of things like this. But back in those days, that was, that was pretty innovative and pretty interesting. And there were a number of imitators that came in the coming years, including the uh, Caribbean Poker Classic, which I attended in 2005 and finished fourth. A lot of people don't know that. I finished fourth in a... Uh, a poker tournament in St. Kitts for $87,000. No limit hold'em in 05. I did. So, the I've never been to the PCA. I've considered it, but I've never gone. I think Brandon went last year for the first time. But I heard in 2016 from a source, pretty reliable source, that Poker Stars was ending the PCA, that it was not going to return in 2017, that their contract was up with Atlantis, and that it was going to be done. And I put that out on my radio show, I also posted it on the forum, and it got back to PokerStars. Some people started asking PokerStars, is this true? Poker Fraud Alert and Todd Wittellis are saying it's true. So they got irritated that uh, Eric Holreiser, who is the communications uh, VP for PokerStars, actually mentioned Poker Fraud Alert, mentioned me, and said that I'm wrong. Said that uh, my information is incorrect. So I thought, well, how, how are they going to reconcile that one? Because I, I heard the PCA is over. So how are they going to reconcile that one when they come out and say that and then it turns out I'm right in January 2017? Like, was it is it possible I was just given the wrong info? Is it possible I was given the right info at the time and they changed their minds? Like, it was just hard for me to believe that I was given completely bad info given who gave it to me. So... Turned out I was half right. There was a tournament that PokerStars ran in January in the Bahamas, but it was not the PCA. They rebranded it. It operated as something else. So it was rolled into a, uh, a tournament series. And it was changed uh, 
into uh, the Poker Stars Championship Caribbean, which was a, a bigger series overall. And the PCA, this was just one of the stops there. So, the PCA was actually gone. Or sorry, it was called the, I, I got it a little bit wrong. It was called the, uh, the, Okay, hold on, I'm looking at this. You know, for some reason I keep losing the... I, I don't have in front of me the exact new name. But they, they changed it. Uh, um, that's right, it became part of the Festival Live. That was it. It became part of uh, Poker Stars uh, Festival Live. So, uh, yeah, and the PCA was the first tournament of the Poker Stars Championship. So that's what it was. It was rolled into the Poker Stars Championship and Poker Stars Festival Live. So it was not called the PCA anymore. They stopped referring to the PCA. It was not called the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure. It was just a stop in the Bahamas for the Poker Stars Championship. So I was right. The PCA was gone. But I was also wrong in that there, they they weren't severing the relationship with Atlantis. They held it there. Everything, most of it was the same, except it wasn't called the PCA anymore. It wasn't branded that. It was just one stop there. By the way, the reason that it was, it was, I was told at the time they were dropping the PCA was that uh, the Bahamas was not a convenient location given that they don't have Americans playing on there anymore. And for those who were on Poker Stars, Bahamas was pretty far. And just the whole thing kind of became antiquated. It wasn't the it, it wasn't the novelty it was back in two thousand four when they started it. So they've decided to bring the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure back in two thousand eighteen. It is returning. It's going to be called the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure. It's going to. Uh, Go back to that. There, there are some differences from the, the old one, but it, the PCA branding is back in 2018. And I have to imagine this is because the main event in 2017 was a failure. They only had 738 players in the main event, and this despite the fact that they cut the buy-in in half the year before. So it was always uh, 10,000. In 2016, they cut it down to 5,000 to try to attract more players. They got 928 people in 2016 for the $5,000 buy-in. So they did go up by about 100 players in the year before when it was 10,000. But in 2017, when it was still 5,000, they only got 738 players. So that's that's a pretty big decline. They they lost uh, about 20% of the players from 16 to 17. And that was despite the fact that they had cut the buy-in from 10K to 5K the year before. And some people think this is because the PCA was no longer the PCA. It wasn't, uh, people got used to the PCA. It just wasn't the same to go to the 
first stop of the Poker Stars Championship, which happens to be in the Bahamas and at the same time of year in the same place as the PCA, you know, people wanted to go to the PCA. And since the PCA was technically gone, I think it didn't have the same alert to some people who had, you know, who just knew of the PCA and kind of had a place in their hearts for it. They stripped away something that was interesting about it. They stripped away a tradition, made it generic. So it's come back. So this is what Eric Holreiser, the one who complained that I had jumped the gun in saying that they were ending the PCA last year. This is what he just said. Uh, We're reviewing our live events, incorporating player feedback to ensure that we're delivering the highest quality experience and exceeding player expectations wherever possible. This feedback included suggestions that we restore the PCA name and improve the quality of that event to reflect the great heritage and unique experience that made the PCA one of the most anticipated poker events of the year. We're restoring the name and reinvigorating the event to ensure it remains a premier poker festival. We will also increase the promotions around PCA in order to bring even more people and make qualifying for packages as exciting as we can. We are committing to sending at least 400 players to this must-play event. So they're, They're trying to say that they're... They're already going to send 400 players through satellites or whatever and then hoping to get more from direct buy-ins. This time around, it's... They're going to have uh, 30 tournaments there. Last year, apparently, they had 90 tournaments. So it's going to be smaller. Maybe they're hoping that with fewer tournaments running there that uh, they'll get bigger numbers in the the main one. And there will be three high roller events there. A 25k, a 50k, and a 100k. And then anything with 10k or more buy-in, they've decided that they're not going to rape people with fees as they were before. It used to be that they would charge fees as high as $2,000 for the higher buy-in tournaments. And what they were doing is they were charging either 2500 or 750 for every event that was 10 k or over, depending upon the buy-in. They have decided that they are going to charge 300 at most, no matter how high the buy-in is. So people who enter the 100K are still only going to play, you know, they're going to buy in for 100300 So that's good. And they're probably doing this to boost the numbers, to make themselves look better, and because they can, you know, they can still be profitable doing this because the truth is managing a, a very high buy-in tournament and managing a moderately high buy-in tournament is the same amount of work. Um... Uh, they are also going to cut down the fees for the turbo tournaments. Any uh, any tournaments that have blind levels of under 20 minutes, they're going to cut the fees by uh, 50%. They're claiming that uh, players will save about $300,000 combined from all this. They have not released the schedule yet, though. So, uh, we will see. Uh, they're also trying to... Uh, make things more interesting there by having various uh, player activities and competitions unrelated to poker. And they're going to have a very big 
player party. Uh, finally, there's going to be a heads-up poker tournament between Kevin Hart and Usain Bolt. <laughs> so, we know Kevin Hart signed with Poker Stars to, uh, you know, he is officially a, a pro there. Not a poker pro, but a, a site pro. And I didn't know about Usain Bolt, but uh, I guess he's involved now too. So, there's going to be some heads-up match between the two of them. So that's this January's uh, PCA coming up in 2018. Again, I don't know if I'm ever going to go to this. I know Brandon went last year. He he seemed to enjoy it. Maybe one of these years I'll go down there. But uh, that is uh, that's the situation. They're bringing it back, so they're. I thought it was weird to be honest to. Uh, to keep it, but to rebrand it to something generic. I thought if you're going to keep something like that, you might as well keep something that uh, people, you know, people like it and have some fond memories of that brand. Why, why destroy it? Why change it to something stupid and generic if you're going to keep pretty much everything else the same? I would understand if they just decided it, it's time has passed and the Bahamas tournament doesn't make sense anymore since Americans can't play in poker stars, but it, it wouldn't make sense to keep it and then just kill the brand that people were enjoying. So, I guess a year later they realized their mistake and it's coming back. Trader Risky, still with us? Uh-oh, I think the T has kicked in. We always got to give him like 30 seconds to respond, though. Oh, here yeah, what was that drop? I think I was dozing off. <laughs> okay. What were you talking about? No, I was just asking if you're here. I, I was just talking about the PC. Okay. We're, we're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Phil Helmuth, I talked about him last week. And I did a segment where I played his uh, the end of his interview with Doug Polk where he was talking about the UB stuff and just pretty much tearing apart everything he was saying because there were so many inaccuracies in what Phil was saying, and a lot of stuff really was pissing me off about how, you know, what was getting him angry. He was mad that the people thought he may have been cheating on that one hand when he got the pot chip to him, and that's what got him so mad, not the fact that there's cheating on the site that he was representing, not the fact that UB stole all the money at the end. None of that pissed him off that much. In fact, he, he called himself a victim. He said he was being persecuted. He really used these words. Uh, said Greg Pearson was being persecuted, which is especially laughable. So, I, I tore the whole thing apart, and I, I did one. Of, it's one of my favorite things to do on the show is where I play a video and then stop it and, and make my comments, especially if it's critical comments, like I was doing with Phil. So, I was doing that, and uh, Adam Schwartz, the who does the two plus two poker cast along with the Terrence Chan, listened. And he really enjoyed that segment so much that he mentioned it on uh, his most uh, on the most recent show they had. Hey, poker fans! Just a reminder that the that, that's it. Hey, poker fans! Just a reminder. I was trying to play it, and it just auto started. I'm not going to play the commercial. Though. I'm not. I, I refuse to play their their opening. Like accident almost. Okay, so let me. Here, I'm going to get to the part here. So here's the part where they. I believe this is the part where they discuss this show. So I'm going to play the 2 plus 2 poker cast from August 10th discussing this show, on this show. That's how vain I am, is that uh, 
not only do I do this show, not only do I listen to other shows talking about this show, but then I play on this show other shows talking about this show. So here's here's Adam and Terrence talking about that segment I did last week on Phil Helmuth. Uh, well, you brought up helmets, and one thing I wanted to talk about this week, quick, real quick, is I uh, and you know people listening to the show would know I've softened my distaste for helmet over the years because of you know all the things, what you know, different reasons. That, that's Adam Schwartz, by the way, and as I said, he he listens to the show every week, and I take that as a big compliment because uh, you know, he said he doesn't listen to many other shows, and this is one he listens to. Every week. And I'll tell you, it's hard to go listen to other poker shows when you do a long poker show yourself. Now, this is a longer show than 2 Plus 2. So, yeah, I, I can tell you by the time I'm done doing this show, I just don't want to hear any poker shows. I, I've, I, I've pokered myself out. I've poker discussed myself out for, for a week. And that, that's why I don't even think of listening to any other show regularly. I, I listen to clips here and there. I listen to you know, portions of, of the poker cast if I... See something that's interesting there that uh, catches my eye, but it, you know, no offense to the other shows, I just, uh, I, I just, it just becomes too much for me, with with how much time I take on this show to to talk on here. So, uh, the fact that Adam, with all the work he puts in, because they 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 have a shorter show, but they put a lot of time into doing it. Because unlike this show, where I just do it and then place it up there and that's it. They have a lot of post-production work and retakes and stuff like that. So, uh, and then a lot of preparation. So there's a lot, of, a lot of prep work and a lot of post-production work that that show goes through that this one does not. That takes time. So anyway, the fact that he listens is is a compliment, and I'm, I'm glad he finds this show interesting. And he's about to mention a segment he heard with Helmuth. Uh, he pissed me off big time this week again. Because he, think? yeah, he, so he go uh, another show I listen to is Poker Fraud Alert. Todd will tell us. Uh, sure. uh, does a, a good podcast. And uh, this week, Helmuth went on Doug Polk's podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I didn't listen, I didn't watch the podcast, but after listening to Poker Fraud Alert, I'm going to go back and watch it. Um, there was... About this book, and I'm going on Squawk Box this week. <laughs> and I'm going on Power Lunch on CNBC. And there's a big article on the Wall Street Journal coming out on me on Saturday. And the New York Post, I'm getting some major media. There's a bunch of big stuff coming in London as well. So I'm getting this global attention for the book. Wow. <laughs> Those are real words <laughs> that came out of his Squawk Box. I like I'm going squawk on Squawk Box. Yeah, like, I'm doing all these things. Wow. Anyway, okay. so... Um, <laughs> So anyway, he goes on Doug's show, and uh, Doug ends up asking him a little bit. They they start talking about UB, and Phil uh, has this way, you know. It's enough time has passed, and and specifically Doug, who's interviewing him, probably wasn't you know, uh, didn't know a lot about what happened at UB. And and uh, to be frank, do any of us remember all this stuff? It's been a long time. It's been yeah, even if you were around, even if you're around doing stuff like we were, I can't remember some of the shit, you know. But but Phil takes advantage of that, and the revisionist history he's got going on right now Mm. about what happened at Ultimate Bet is fucking annoying as hell. And if you listen to Poker Fraud Alert, he uh, Todd goes through some of the stuff that he says and stops and correct and and exposes. He just owns Phil in in, in this whole segment that he does. Well, thank you, thank you, Adam. That's, uh, that's, that's that was nice to hear. And I'll tell you, right now I'm not tired at all. After I I got Benjamin to bed, I 
I wasn't tired. I, I popped right back up, and I was very energetic when I came back, as I am right now. Not tired at all. Last week was a different story. Last week, when I came back, as I mentioned before, I was very tired. I even turned down the lights. And when I did that segment, I, I wasn't fully there. <laughs> like I was, I was faking it, but I wasn't fully there. And the next day, I woke up and I said, oh, you know... I hope I didn't do a crappy job. I, I really wanted to do that segment. I was really looking forward to that segment. I said, I hope I didn't mess that up. I hope I didn't like make no sense because I was tired. And I hope I didn't come off like I was exhausted. And then I – so I actually – when I heard Adam saying that on there, I said, okay, I couldn't have done that bad because Adam seemed to really like it. He said, I owned Phil. So I actually – I went back and listened. I usually don't back, go back and listen to shows I just did. But the, in this case, I actually did. I went back and listened to my own segment. And I said, oh, well, that actually went out pretty well. Like, I, I actually was happy with it when I heard it. And I didn't notice in myself any evidence of being tired. So I faked it pretty well. But, it, it, you know... Phil never went on Todd's show. You're just no, clear. You're talking about no, no, Phil no. talking on Doug's show and then Todd rebutting point Correct. by point. Okay, yeah. and, he, and he owns him. And it's yeah. great if anybody's interested at all. Uh, head on over there and listen to it. Yeah, that would be worth it. I mean, Todd's like a caustic guy, so he's not yeah. really my style. Not everybody but, loves him, yeah. But I mean... Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, hang on, hang on. Terrence, Terrence. Todd is a caustic guy. He's not really my style. <laughs> oh. So, I, I don't know why Terrence even threw that in there. Like, I, I understand, Terrence, if you don't listen to this show. I'm not expecting you to listen to the show. I'm not insulted you don't listen to the show. Like, I know, Terrence, you've got your own show to do there with, with Adam of PokerCast. That's fine. And if you don't want to listen to the show, that's fine. But I, I don't know what he has to throw in that I'm a caustic guy. Uh, now, I think what he's trying to say, and it's fine. You know, everyone's welcome to have their opinion. He's being uh, polite about it. I actually had someone messaging me, oh, Terrence Chan was slamming you on the 2 plus 2. No, he wasn't slamming me there. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't saying anything bad. He was just he was saying that my personality type is something that... He just doesn't care for, at least as a radio host. Um, I, I will say, you know, when I've seen Terrence in person, in fact, I just played with him this year at uh, the 10K Limit Hold'em event. I think it was the 10K. Uh, yeah, it was, but and I didn't play, play with him long. But I, I played with him a number of times, especially the Limit Hold'em events, because those don't have that big of a field, and we're both limit hold'em players, and we're both in every one of those, so we'll run into each other. And you know, he, he's very soft-spoken, like polite guy. I've, I've never had any kind of issue with him in person or online or anywhere. And in fact, when I when I've seen what he's written on posts and when I've heard him speak on things, I, I usually agree with him. To be honest, like there's been very few times I see Terrence Chan talking or, or read something he wrote and think, oh, he's way off base. Oh, I, you know, like I, that doesn't happen. I usually agree with what he has to say. Uh, but but it, what's funny is I kind of get the impression, and I don't know if this is true, but maybe maybe this exposed something. I kind of get the impression he just doesn't like me too much. I don't know why. Like, I know why some people don't like me too much. Like, there's there's some people, I understand it. And uh, but Terrence, I, I, I don't think he hates me, but I just, I just always got, kind of got the impression... He doesn't like me very much. He never said so. He never has been rude to me. It's just a feeling I got from interacting with him. And uh, he says I'm a caustic guy. I'm not really his style. Maybe that's maybe that's the truth. As far as uh, you know, maybe that's what he's trying to say. That he just doesn't like me that much. 
but that's fine. Uh, I've never thought that I am for everyone. There's uh, there's certain people who enjoy listening to me. There's certain people who like my personality. There's certain people who really don't like my personality. And I understand that. And I understand this show takes on already kind of an aggressive tone where we kind of unapologetically say what we feel and uh, take strong opinions on certain matters and don't hold back, and that can get people angry. And in my forum posts, it's kind of the same tone. So when you approach things that way, you're going to get people who take a dislike to you. And that's fine. And I've never been someone who has felt that everyone has to like me or gets upset when everyone doesn't like me. Now, when I say everyone, I'm like, I would get upset if, like, nobody liked me. If everyone thought badly of me. That, that would make me upset. Uh, if some people like me and some people dislike me, that's totally fine. Totally fine. And I've always felt that way. Even, you know, even going back to, to when I was a kid. I always felt as long as some people like me, if there are some who don't, that's okay. Would I rather everybody likes me? Yeah, of course. That'd be great if like everyone in the world liked me, but it's, it's not realistic. So... Like, I don't hold anything against Terrence for thinking I'm a caustic guy and saying I'm not his style. That's fine. Uh, I just thought it was kind of funny he mentioned that on there. But, I mean, he, he definitely at times has done service for the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so this is – now I'm pissed off at Phil again because he's doing – he's spouting all this bullshit nonstop yeah. about what happened and cha- and trying to change the perception of how he acted during that time. Mm. Just fucking a, – A, don't say anything about it ever again, or B, own what happened and, and – Admit you made a mistake. I think I will listen to Poker Toddler. Yeah, so... Fraud yeah, poker Toddler Fraud Alert. <laughs> so, yeah, Adam has a good point, though, and I didn't say that when I did last week's show, that, yeah, you've either got to own what happened or uh, or just say nothing. <laughs> like, you, you can't just change the story to sound most positive for your role in it. It's it's something that he obviously wishes did not happen. It's something that he doesn't like having to talk about or deal with. But it happened while he was there, and he, he didn't do a lot of the things he should have. He did not cheat, from what I could see. He didn't cover up the cheating. But he took uh, a very uh, inactive role in the whole thing, despite being the face of the site. And as you see, he's even complaining about the, quote, persecution of his good friend, Greg Pearson, who seems very guilty in the whole thing. Now, I want to read what Haley Hintz wrote. Haley Hintz is a very good poker reporter. She works for FlushDraw.net at the moment, and she also takes jobs elsewhere. I met her at the World Series this year. I met her in person for the first time. I've known her online for a long time. I've talked to her online a a lot, but uh, I'd never met her in person. So it was nice meeting Haley for the first time. But uh, she wrote an interesting piece on FleshDraw.net about uh, the Phil Helmuth book called Poker Brat, which is uh, 
just coming out. So there's an appendix there about the UB scandal. It's interesting. I thought it would actually be like a decent-sized portion of the book. I guess it's just an appendix. But uh, the interesting thing is that, of all people, they asked Haley to review that appendix and give any feedback she wanted. So they, they knew that she was very involved in investigating the AP and UB scandals. In fact, she probably... She's one of the few people on this earth who knows the most about the whole thing, other than the people who actually perpetrated it. As far as outsiders to it, uh, yeah, she just has an incredible amount of knowledge of the whole thing. But she did some excellent investigating and just really uncovered so much uh, of both scandals. And um, on the AP side of things, she she did the most as far as like. After the fact, uncovering everything, she she was the one, she wasn't one of the originals who uh, who broke the whole thing. In fact, I was one of those people. But as far as after the fact and investigating all the people who were involved and what their roles were and all the evidence, she she did the most from what I saw. From the UB side, she also did a lot. But then there were some others like Scott Bell who also did a lot of good work and and, and researching a lot. So. Anyway, she was kind of a strange person for Helmuth's people to contact. She's kind of an enemy. She's not a direct enemy, but she's someone who's been very, very critical of UB for all these years. So to have her, of all people, review a chapter like that, that's almost like having me review a chapter like that. So so this is what she wrote regarding this. Uh... Let's see here. Here's something I've held secret for a while. About six months ago, I was invited to read a rough draft of that chapter, as it was described to me back then, and to offer literally any feedback I wished, but with an eye toward factual inaccuracies. So basically, they uh, they claimed it was going to be a chapter, turned out to be an appendix. But they asked her to read it, and she can be as critical and nasty as she wants but to only stick to the facts and not say, oh, I don't like the way you're presenting this or I don't like your tone, but to just say, this is wrong. This is incorrect. This is factually incorrect. So they, they, they seem to respect that she had a lot of knowledge about it and they wanted to make sure that Phil was not writing stupid things that could be proven wrong later. So she wrote, I accepted the offer. In exchange, Helmuth, through an intermediary, signed a cap that was given to my sister to give to someone else. I like how she had to even have a do through an intermediary. She couldn't even just like, get it directly from Phil. Phil had to. Phil actually had to have someone like a middleman here getting the cap for uh, Phil to sign. So I guess Haley's sister had a friend or a relative who was a big fan of Phil Helmuth, and Haley must have known this. So Haley must have said, "Okay, I'll do this if you sign this cap, so I can give it to my sister to give to this you know whoever friend relative." So Haley goes on to write, I didn't want anything for doing this myself, and and I was indeed grateful for the opportunity to see it, though I recognized the intent in showing it to me wasn't only to find factual errors, it's to see what passages were likely to draw the heaviest flack. So Haley's a very smart woman, and she she saw through it, that they were bringing, bringing it to her 
to see, number one, what's not factually inaccurate, or what's not factually accurate, and number two, uh, any if anything that uh, they wrote there is going to really piss people off. They figured if it gets Haley angry, it's going to get everybody else angry. So she wrote, so I sent on my comments. Some were just plain factual corrections. A couple of others were pointed and, and biting commentary on certain themes that were being flouted. Uh, I was specifically allowed to do so to not hold back. Of all things, I, of all the things I pointed out, I noticed three sentences or phrases that were removed from the appendix as published, likely based on my input. I don't feel at liberty to disclose the specific of these. How, also, there were a large number of cosmetic editorial changes from what I read to, to what purchasers of PokerBrat will find, like capitalizing certain words or changing all instances of ultimate bet to UB.com, except, oddly enough, in the appendix's title. <laughs> That's weird. So they, they decided that they were going to just change ultimate bet to UB.com, and I, I guess the reason for that would be ultimate bet is a damaged brand. You hear, that, you kind of, you hear the name ultimate bet, you kind of get mad because you think of the cheating there. So they actually, uh, in between when she saw it and when they published it, they changed ultimate bet to UB.com, but then for some reason they left the title of the appendix of, of, of ultimate bet. So <laughs> why even do that if that's the title? Uh, but she says they only removed three sentences from her input. She won't say which sentences they were. Then she goes on to say that... uh, Oh, she says, uh, what really struck me as strange was that the whole Ultimate Bet saga was cordoned off into an appendix to begin with. Yes, it had to be dealt with since, especially by his own definition, Helmuth and Ultimate Bet were intertwined by a goodly extent. There are a few other things in the appendix that I struggled with then and still do now. One is the conclusion to the appendix in which Helmuth states that he believes Greg Pearson's version of events and that Pearson wasn't involved in the Ultimate Bet cheating. Helmuth eventually gave his 12th career World Series of Poker bracelet to Pearson. I didn't know that. uh, As he promised to do years earlier. Again, the bracelet was always Helmuth to do with what he wanted, If he's looking for public approval, however, he's not likely to get much of it. As I explained in my review, there's no way Pearson wasn't intrinsically involved in the ongoing cheating. Over the years, I've posted evidence of these things, both here and my personal blog. So, then she goes, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but she goes on to basically say that Helmuth really believes what he's saying, she thinks. It's wrong. She says, but uh, she actually believes that Helmuth has deluded himself into believing all these things. That he's just, uh, he's giving his own version of delusional revisionist history. That he's convinced himself is correct. So, she kind of has, uh, she has less anger toward Helmuth with this than some other people do. Even me. Because she kind of feels like he's just someone who lives in his own little bubble, his own little world, and he's, he's talked himself into believing these lies he's telling. That he, he just, over time, kind of convinced himself of this, and now he's, he's just living in this sphere of delusion where he really thinks he's telling everyone the truth. She finishes by saying, I was still grateful for the chance to review the, the chapter, or appendix, even though these are, these and other passages had, had me groaning and giggling. 
What I can't do, however, however, is attempt to offer an objective review of the book as a whole. The bits I've read are just Helmuth being Helmuth, and I'm not part of that alternate reality. Now, I said this about Helmuth years ago, that he lives in like a bubble. That he is so focused on himself, more than the typical person by a wide margin, that he really doesn't think much about the world around him that doesn't directly affect him. So, a bubble is the best way to describe it. Because if you just think of Helmuth walking around and think of a small bubble in front of his face where anything that's happening there that's close to him or around him in, in the immediate sense, he notices. But anything beyond that, he doesn't. Even if it's something that really matters or is a pretty big deal. If it doesn't really affect him, he doesn't really think about it. Even if it affects him indirectly he tries not to think about it too hard he just wants whatever to think about whatever is relevant to him at that moment so obviously he couldn't escape from the scrutiny of the UB scandals but he wanted to think about it as little as possible and he wanted to come up with the easiest explanation in his head as to why everything was fine why everything turned out fine and why his role in it was fine in fact, why his role in this was heroic, in his opinion. So, this is a bit different than a scammer who's really just knowingly lying in order to get out of what he did. I understand that Helmuth really has some kind of weird personality flaw or disorder where he just deludes himself into believing an alternate reality of things. So they're easier for him to deal with. That's not an excuse for him. But uh, I, I do believe Haley's assumption that Phil doesn't think he's lying when he says these things. He's actually convinced himself that these things are the truth. <laughs> By the way, it was funny. I was, as I mentioned, my girlfriend listens to the show, especially recently. So she got to the Helmuth segment, and she said at first she didn't really like it. And I said, oh, what was wrong with it? I, I went back and listened. I actually thought it was, it was a pretty good segment. And even Adam Schwartz liked it. And she said, no, th- your part was good. I just can't stand listening to Phil. <laughs> so apparently Phil just, uh, his, his entire demeanor and attitude just really is off-putting to her. She doesn't like his voice. She doesn't like his attitude. She just does not like him. So listening to him and listening to him say these things that were not true in order to pat himself on the back was actually like pissing her off to hear. <laughs> even though she's not part of the poker community, even though she's you know, she doesn't play poker, the UB scandal didn't affect her, like it, it just got her angry to hear this stuff. So she actually didn't enjoy that segment that much for that reason. So I found that to be an interesting take from someone who's on the outside. Uh, Personally, I'm used to Phil's voice. Phil's voice doesn't bother me. But, you know, to an outsider who doesn't like his personality, and she she knows about all his antics. In fact, uh, she's especially aware of it because I told her the whole story about the thumbs-up thing between me and him at the 1500 event uh, in the World Series. And then after that, I was telling her about other things he was getting involved in. 
with uh, misbehaving at the tables over this summer, which he did a lot of. So, yeah, she also heard that stuff, so that also made her think less of him, and she's aware of his roles at UB, and yeah, she, she knows a lot of these stories. So, I can see how somebody who has heard all of that and then hears him coming on Doug Polk there ac- acting smug would not think very highly of him and would, in fact, be annoyed to hear him. Uh, she also has less tolerance to hear unpleasant things than I do. So, you know, you know how some people can listen to stressful or unpleasant things and not be bothered by it and others, they, they just they just don't want to hear it or watch it because it's, it's just kind of uh, unpleasant. Uh, she, she kind of feels that way. So. I, I did think it was interesting that she was kind of bothered to have to just listen to Phil. She just didn't even want to hear it. She like wanted to hear it, but like once she hears him spouting BS, she's like, "Ah, oh, this is, I don't want to hear him like this. This is annoying me, hearing him talk like this." It it is kind of annoying. You you have someone like this, like Phil Helmuth, who thinks he can just pull the wool over everybody's eyes and act like he's so outraged about being mistreated in these situations where he was actually the one in the wrong. Like it, it, it can be very frustrating to listen to. You just feel like reaching through the screen and slapping him and going, Phil, Phil, this is your fault. You could have done things to stop this. You could have made it better. People suffered here. You did not suffer. You made a ton of money from this. Well, everyone else lost their bankroll or got cheated. You are not the victim here. You were not being persecuted. Like you just you just want to slap reality into him. You really do. Okay, so the last topic, I'm gonna to try to call Brandon for this Vegas topic. That's our last topic tonight. Trader Risky you here. I don't think we have him anymore. Okay, I'm gonna call Brandon. I get him, I get him. If I don't, I don't. Let's see if we can get uh, Brandon. Got to be quick on the hang-up button if we get his voicemail. Why am I Hello? Brandon. Yeah. Welcome to the Fraud Show. Hey, buddy. I, I can't really talk right now. I'm actually in the middle of a poker game. I'm playing live. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. No, we're, we're doing a Vegas segment. That's I okay. To, I wanted to see if... Uh, oh, you, shit. Yeah, so I, I, so I want to put you on there, but okay, that's that's fine. I apologize. Well, what, what exactly is the segment? It's, a, it's just Vegas. about uh, predictions of what Vegas is going to be like in 25 years. Oh, I'd love to be a part of it. I mean, can we maybe do it next week? It's got to be a night? Uh, well, I planned it tonight. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. All right, well, if I could take a break a little bit, I'll, I'll call back in. If, if not, then, uh, yeah, next week maybe. I'll come on anyhow. All right, well, good luck. Thanks for the, thinking of me, though. Yeah, well, I, was, I was thinking of you the whole night for this segment. So, All right, well, good luck, uh, in the, good luck in the game. All right, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, God bye. Well, I reached him. I, I didn't expect that. I thought we're either not going to reach him or he'll come on. 
I did not expect to reach him, and he's in a poker game in camp. Not, I mean, not that he doesn't play poker. He does play poker, but uh, I just didn't think about that. That just wasn't a possibility in my mind. All right, seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the number. If you wish to call in, you can even comment on what you think the future holds for Las Vegas. So I'm talking about 25 years from now. That's a long time. 25 years is a long time. And a lot can change. If you looked at Vegas in 92, which was 25 years ago, compared to now, you would see a lot of different things, a lot of very different things. There was no Bellagio. There was no MGM. There was no Aria, obviously. There was no Wynn. There was no Venetian. There was no Paris. There was a Bally's. There was no Paris. There was a Mirage. Uh... The focus was still on gambling at that point and not entertainment. They weren't quite there with offering a lot of entertainment for families. It was mainly gamblers and, you know, then they had shows at night, but they, it, it really was not a family destination still back in 92. And obviously poker was not a big part of Vegas at that point. The stratosphere did not exist yet. The stratosphere was still uh, Vegas World. I'm not sure if Vegas World had closed by then, but the stratosphere definitely did not exist in 92. So a lot of things were different. The, The center strip was not yet... The, uh, the main part of Vegas Downtown was still a lot more relevant It was starting to change The big change started to occur in 89 When uh, the Mirage Was built when The Mirage opened And that was like uh, you know, a, a, The first real resort hotel Downtown There's also no Excalibur Or Luxor by the way Those were not there either Nor was New York, New York so most of those hotels you, you know in that area were not there. Caesars was there, but there was no Augustus Tower. There was no Octavius Tower. There was no Palace Tower. So Caesars was, was a pretty old property by that point without any new or fairly new rooms at that point. It was, it was, it was an older place by that point. So Vegas, it just looked very different. The center strip looked very different. It had not gone through its uh, mid-90s transformation yet, where the center strip became the heart of Vegas. And Vegas was not yet aimed at entertainment or non-gaming revenue or family visits. The conventions were there, but not anywhere to the extent they are now. Anyway, here's here are my predictions for where Vegas is going to be in 25 years. Number one, I think there's going to be more conventions and events, even more than there are now. 
Las Vegas, it's always been a big convention destination, but it seems like every year it's grown. Now, there are some events that are becoming very notable in Vegas, like EDC, which has nothing to do with gaming and attracts a very young crowd. I'm talking about the Electric Daisy Carnival. And those like take over the city. The hotel rooms all become super expensive, even at the crappy places. The traffic just snarls to a halt around where these events take place, and a massive number of people come into the city. So expect more and more of these in Vegas in the coming years, including ones like EDC, which will be yearly, that you can expect at a certain time each year. Vegas is starting to become a destination for events like that. In addition, conventions, including very big conventions, are becoming more and more common in Vegas. I remember, the, I remember they used to talk about the convention season in Vegas. They used to talk about October's when the conventions came in. Now convention season is all year. They have conventions constantly. And then it was that conventions were primarily on weekends. No, not anymore. Now they're also during the week. So I see more and more of this. People like to visit Vegas, even non-gamblers. Vegas has a certain allure to it, a certain excitement to it, that even if you don't gamble, you can enjoy it. There's a lot there for a lot of different people with a lot of different interests. So the good thing about holding conventions there is that people enjoy the destination. It's not like holding a a convention in Cincinnati. We think, okay... Uh, I may like the convention, but what do I do in Cincinnati? I'm not excited about going to Cincinnati. But Vegas, everybody's excited about going to Vegas. So I see more conventions in the future and more events. And again, we're talking about the, in 25 years. So I, you think there's a lot of conventions now. I think there's a lot of events now. These can start to get more and more common there to where these are just constantly going on and, and really a big part of what's happening in Vegas, not just at certain times of year. I, I think they're going to become more and more associated with Vegas. I think we're going to see the death or near death of the small house edge games. That is games which are still profitable for the house. The house still has an edge, but not a very big one. Now, this is already happening to some degree. Vegas has decided that they really just want to cater to the recreational gambler. And they're not so much into bringing in the grizzled gambling veteran who may still play negative expectation games, but isn't generating very much revenue for them on average. Because if you're playing a game with a a low house edge, then you're going to win a lot more. Uh, When you do lose, it's not going to be as much. Yeah, you can grind those for a long time without taking a big loss, unless you're playing at high limits. So I think Vegas wants more of a sure thing. And they they want a, a situation 
where people lose a lot more, a lot more often, a lot more reliably. Now, people can't lose too much or they won't come back, but I think a change we're going to see is a lot more jackpot-type games with high house edges, where the result is either be usually you're going to lose or you're going to win big. So you're either going to get, yeah, you're going to take a loss just about every time, but there's going to be times you, you hit some kind of jackpot and, and you go home a winner and feel good. Video poker has already changed like that. Video poker, if you think about it, it was originally a jacks or better game where the only real big payout was the Royal Flush, which is fairly uncommon. But then came bonus poker, double bonus poker, double double bonus poker, and its, vari- its variants. And what was good about these is that there were payouts that weren't as big as the Royal Flush, but ones that were still fairly big that you'd get for four of a kind or four of a kind with a certain kicker. And this gave you other opportunities to hit big hands without having to hit a royal. And people loved this because then they'd get these jackpot hits without uh, having to get a royal. And it was a lot more exciting. And it would allow people to sometimes go home a winner, sometimes a substantial winner, yet still lose more on average because they degraded the pay overall of the machine. They realized that most players, most players of video poker didn't care what the full house paid or what the flush paid, or they didn't care so much that two pair was uh, changed from paying uh, two coins to one, which is, which is a pretty big change, but people didn't notice it that much. What people notice are the big payouts, the payouts for four aces, the payouts for the royal flush, the payouts for, uh, for other... Uh, four of a kind that have bonuses on them. People like that. And they're willing to give up those percentage points overall for lower payouts than the other ones. So Vegas has realized that the average gambler doesn't really know the house edge. They don't know what the pay tables should be. They don't know what the rules for each game should be as far as payouts. All they want is excitement, and the ability to sometimes hit big money or semi-big money. So this has led to things like degraded blackjack rules, degraded video poker pay tables, more uh, carnival games, you know, the the, the games that have a very high house edge that uh, are just kind of gimmick games. Uh, The sucker side bets on things like blackjack where you're betting on certain cards to come out where they're the chance of those coming out versus what they pay you. There's a big distance between them where there's a very big house edge on those. So those things have increased very much. And yet they've taken away a lot of things for the smarter gamblers. That's why at blackjack, you're seeing so many six to five pay tables instead of three to two when you hit blackjack. Huge difference, but a lot of people don't know the difference or don't think it's a big deal. A lot of people go to Vegas and they think that uh, what matters is luck. They don't want to play a good game. They want to play a lucky game. They don't want to play at a good casino. They want to play at a lucky casino. That's what Vegas has noticed. And that's the direction they're moving. And many casinos are already ceasing offers or degrading offers big time to players who seem to stick to the low-edge games. 
They don't want them. They're just too much trouble. There's too much variance with them. They're never going to get that much out of them. They have to worry about these people hassling them for comps and asking why they're not getting free this, free that, because they've put in so much action. And then they, then they have to explain to them, oh, you're playing a low house edge game, and that kind of sounds bad. They just don't want to deal with it. They don't really want those people. They're not going to ban them, but they, they, they're not going to welcome them anymore. Not too long ago, you, you could play a high return video poker machine, sometimes even a positive expectation video poker machine, and the casino would welcome you in with open arms, with, with free play offers and, and all kinds of hotel rooms and food comps and shows, and you get the best comps offered to you. And, and people would take advantage of this. People would, would grind the low-edge games just for the offers. But they've wised up. They don't, they don't do that anymore. If you're detected as a low-edge game player, you're going to get crap offers or no offers. So we're going to see more of this. And 25 years from now, I don't know how many small house edge games we're even going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if they disappear entirely or maybe disappear entirely except for the very, very high limits because they just don't even want the players in there that are going to seek these games out. And they figure the ones that understand that these are good games to play, they don't want as customers. And the ones that don't understand, well, why have them play these games? Why not have them play... uh, higher house edge game where they'll make more money off them. I also think we're going to see an increase in the entertainment and dining options. I'm talking about nightclubs, shows, concerts, fine dining, stuff like that. Vegas is becoming more and more about non-gambling activities rather than gambling activities. And I don't see them changing that formula because this formula is, is working. It's bringing all kinds of people there, not just gamblers. And there's crossover. There's gamblers who also like this stuff. And I think Vegas still has some room to grow in this area. Uh, A lot of people like the Vegas clubs, especially younger people. But, yeah, there's still room to grow. There's not that many famous clubs in Vegas yet. There's clubs people like to go to, but Vegas could could become a, a major nightclub destination. The shows in Vegas, there's there's a lot of shows in Vegas, but a lot of them are, are, are kind of knockoffs of Broadway shows. They're, they're kind of second-rate knockoffs of Broadway shows, even ones that are done fairly well. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. The It's not there anymore, but at the Venetian for a while, they had the Phantom of the Opera, and I would have seen a few times at, in Venetian. And it was very well done. And, yeah, they put it together nicely, and the acting was good, and the... the the theater was nice and all that. But it's still not Broadway. There's no famous actors. It's shorter. They don't have an intermission. They just, you know, it's just one long show. Overall, it's not as long. It's a, it's a different experience than going to Broadway. Broadway is a, is a, is a step above all of these shows you see in Vegas. I'm not talking about the, the Vegas-type shows in Vegas that you don't see on Broadway. I'm talking about the ones in Broadway that, that come to Vegas. You're always getting like a watered-down version of it. Even if you enjoy the show, you're getting where, where parts of it are cut. You're getting where, where you're not seeing any famous actors. Uh, stage actors, 
Broadway is really where they want to be. That's the top. That's the destination for them. If you if you can't get a starring role on Broadway, that's that's when you act in a place like Vegas. So that's why you you'll see on Broadway even people who were not originally stage actors take roles on the stage there. Actors you may have seen in movies before, TV, and they'll take roles on uh, on Broadway there and and feel very good about it. You don't see that in Vegas for the most part. Uh, Vegas, there has been some growth in famous musicians taking residence there and doing permanent shows. But uh, other types of shows, there's still room to grow. Vegas could expand their shows. It, It could become more of a premier show destination to where it may never become Broadway in New York, but it can start becoming close. Uh, same thing with concerts. Uh, there's, there are concerts in Vegas, but uh, it could be also become a concert destination, where a major concert destination, rather than just like a, a stop sometimes. Uh, something where you go to Vegas to see major concerts. That that's it's a very common thing. It becomes a destination for concerts. Fine dining. There's a lot of different restaurants in Vegas. Now, when I say Vegas, as far as the fine dining, I'm talking about areas the tourists go. I'm not talking about the dining options for locals outside of the Strip and outside of downtown. But the tourist areas do have... There's a lot of different dining options. There's some that are very well regarded. There's even uh, some with Michelin stars. But there's room for growth there, too. And in some cases, they are still having the issue, just like I talked about with the shows, where they're watered-down versions of more famous and more well-regarded establishments elsewhere. They'll take a successful restaurant in New York, open a version in Vegas that's, that's not nearly as good. So the dining can grow there where... Rather than imitating, there will be more innovating. And there will become more and more dining options, especially very well-regarded ones. You have very, very high-rated gourmet restaurants. And even restaurants below that that aren't considered top gourmet restaurants, but ones that are considered good and high-end that aren't necessarily a, a, a knockoff in some way of, of some other restaurant somewhere else. So I think all of this has room to grow and will grow to where there's more and more options for those who have no desire to gamble. There's more and more to do for those who have no desire to gamble. I think there will be a decrease in the number of hosts talking about casino hosts. Hosts are already an antiquated concept, and I predict that they will be heavily decreased in number 25 years from now, and they'll only be used for the high rollers who need special handling. 
You always need a few hosts because there, there's going to be the guys who who's wager a lot of money, and they don't want to be handled by a computer or, or by a set of rules. They, they, they want someone to take care of every need. They want someone to kiss their ass and someone they can call at any time to help them out, to get them things. And if they're a really high roller and worth a lot to the casino, then those hosts do that, and they're supposed to do that. That's part of their job. And that can't ever be replaced by a machine or by generic employees. But everybody else doesn't really need a host anymore. The programs, well-known programs such as Total Rewards and MLife, are already replacing hosts to some degree. And as a result, the hosts have been... Uh, they've seen their power lessened. They can't do as much for you. They don't have as much leeway anymore. It's going to soon be all about the average daily theoretical, which is the expected amount you're going to lose if your luck were to be exactly average based upon your action you've given historically. And the average marketing theoretical or also known as the mark, marketing daily theoretical, which is, uh, or marketing daily value. Those are interchangeable terms, the AMT and the MDV, which basically says uh, it's the same thing as the ADT, the average daily theoretical, but then they subtract away money they're spending on you to get you there. So it's basically what they make off you minus the comps you redeem of what that really cost them. So, for example, if they think you're going to lose on average $300 a day, but they think you're going to redeem a hotel room which costs them $60 to give you per day, and you're going to eat food which costs them about uh, another $50 to give you each day, and then they're also giving you free play during your stay, which averages out to $25 each day. Basically, that's 125 they have to subtract from your theoretical, and that brings you down to 175 So the, when it's all said and done, they feel like they're making 175 off you a day, if your luck were to be exactly average. So those calculations, which already exist and already do determine your offers that you get in the mail, I think will become more relevant than ever 25 years from now. And I think hosts will just be done away with for everybody but the very high rollers. And the computer will decide how many comps you get. The computer will decide how many free rooms you get, what free food you can get, what free play you get. And if you need a human being to help you, they don't need hosts anymore. They just need generic employees there that sit behind a desk and you go visit one and they they can explain to you what the computer is giving you and why. They already have this to some degree. Some properties are already going with what's known as the casino services model. And that is where you don't get access to a host unless one's really needed. And if you need anything else that a host used to do, especially the requests and kind of mundane tasks that hosts used to take on, you'll have a generic casino services employee, just whoever's on duty, whoever's there, will help you with. 
So, for example, let's say you've, you've been playing in a casino and you, you, you want a room. You want a room for free. So you used to have to call the host over and uh, talk to the host. The host would look up your play and see if your play qualifies you for a free room, either the play you've done today or the play you've done the last few days or the play you've done in past months when you've been there, and the host makes a judgment call whether you can get it. And he either gives it to you or does not give it to you. Well, many casinos are taking that away now. Many casinos now have replaced it with a desk called Casino Services, where you go speak to someone at Casino Services, they bring it up on the computer, and the computer gives a very hard yes or no. Yes, you've, you've qualified. No, you have not qualified. There's no leeway. If it's yes, they, uh, they arrange it for you. If it's no, sorry, go back and play, come back later, and uh, check again. And the reason I call them generic employees is you, you don't have one assigned to you. It's not considered a personal relationship. It's just a human being who helps you out in determining what you're entitled to according to the computer. That will become much more common in the coming years. And in 25 years, it will be very common. In 25 years, you're not going to be handled by hosts anymore unless you're a really high roller. Now, there's some people who think that the North Strip is going to become the happening place, that that's, that's going to take over. Now, I know they're attempting to build a major property there, but even if that goes through, there's going to be a long way to go in order to change the dominance from Center Strip to another part of the Strip. Now, the Strip rose to prominence in the 90s because downtown had various weaknesses. Downtown was seedy. Downtown did not cater well to high-end clientele. It didn't offer much to the non-gambler. If you didn't gamble, then downtown, there wasn't much for you. So the center strip rose and eventually took its place. Downtown's still there, but it's, it's, it has been, even with the changes they've made to try to attract some people back. The center strip does not have these or any other glaring weaknesses so I don't see just new properties springing up, drawing people away from Center Strip. I just don't see it happening anytime soon, even in 25 years. Some have also theorized that maybe online gambling will become the new thing and destroy Vegas. That perhaps the younger crowd who's so used to constantly staring at their phones and other electronic devices that they want to do that uh, as far as they're gambling too. They want to gamble on their phones. They want to gamble on whatever other device they have, their tablets. I don't think so. I think we've already seen that in their attempts to have online casino gambling in New Jersey that uh, it has some moderate popularity, but to nowhere near the extent they thought. It just wasn't catching on, and there's just a lot of people who want to have the excitement of being in the casino and gambling in the casino and seeing all the flashing lights and having the people around them and or maybe even playing games like Blackjack where, where the table cheers and the dealer bus 
it's a different experience to be sitting in your living room doing this or sitting on the toilet doing this. Yeah, it's, it's just different. And people like the whole Vegas experience for the gambling. And I, I just don't see online ever really replacing that. So we have a caller, Beer and Poker. Hello. How's it going, Jeff? So are you calling about this topic about Vegas? Yeah, yeah actually. Uh, well, you kind of got into a little one part I was going to talk about. But, I mean, I think with the nostalgic element of Vegas being what it is for so long that it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But like 25 years is a long way to look ahead. And who knows what, I mean, they're, look, look, they're looking to legalize like sports betting too as well. Like that could maybe like in 10 and 15 years. And then with all the casinos that are being built throughout the country, uh, do you think that could hurt uh, Vegas travel? I mean, if it gets to be, if Vegas gets a little too greedy with uh, just raising the price on everything with all these, you know, ridiculous fees, you know, resort fees and all this other stuff. And they, and they keep, uh, if they're not smart about it, do you think this could hurt? Yeah, well, that's a good point of the fact that, that there are casinos popping up more and more around the country. And, and the large casinos, major casinos that uh, can really start to resemble the experience that people can have in Vegas casinos. So uh, the question, of course, will this replace it People who, for people who have to travel farther to get to Vegas? I'm not talking about L.A. people, but people who, are, who have to fly and go through considerable time and sometimes expense to get to Vegas at all. Will they bother if they have a fairly good casino locally? And especially, as you mentioned, if sports betting is allowed in states other than Nevada, and that becomes something people can do elsewhere as well. Uh, will this replace Vegas? Uh, well, so what I was mentioning before about how Vegas is already pushing away from counting on gambling revenue and that they're really pushing more towards the entertainment revenue, that already is going to prevent some of that problem because the people coming there are not really going there just for casinos but yeah there are people who a lot of people who do come to vegas because of the gambling or at least partially because of the gambling that's there and yes if that's a big focus if you just want to go to a casino to gamble then it it will be hard to convince yourself to go to vegas when there's a, a local casino that's almost as good and I, I know that ha- you know that's really hurt Atlantic City in recent years, and Vegas it has a lot more to offer than Atlantic City, so that's that's why it hasn't hurt them as much. But but yes, that will be that, that will be one effect, and I think that's part of the reason that they are pushing away from gambling revenue is that uh, as more, and more you know a long time ago there were only two options for gambling. And that was uh, either Nevada or Atlantic City. You had to go to one of those two. And that was it. And then all the gambling expanded in the country, and now there are only two states that have no gambling. And that's Hawaii and Utah. Mm-hmm. Every other state has gambling of some kind. Some more than others. And a lot of them have certain restrictions, but but every state, except for those two, has some kind of gambling. And even in Utah, uh, people in Salt Lake City don't have to drive that far to get to Wendover, Nevada, which has a number of casinos. So I think really the only area of the country that's completely away from gambling and can't get to it easily is Hawaii. 
Which people aren't going to, ga- to gamble in Hawaii, and anyways. Well, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the residents, but uh, yeah. I, though, I, though, you know, I always wondered. I always wondered. I don't know why Hawaii is so like super anti-gambling, but I always wondered if they reversed that and just started introducing casinos there, if that would bring even more people to Hawaii. Like if they have yeah, like a bonus, very well that, could. I mean, there's a lot of other. Uh, I mean, they, they would probably take away people from going to other you know tropical areas that have gambling. Yeah. I, I would think I I would think that could draw additional people there. That is just another thing to do. But uh, I mean, they can take the attitude of a lot of people. Yeah, you know, we don't need it. We have enough here anyway. But I I think it could help. But they seem just super anti-gambling in Hawaii for whatever reason. I don't see that changing. But yeah, I I think that uh, in the next twenty-five years, we'll definitely see a lot more gambling options that are like local gambling options around the country. We're seeing more and more of it every year. In 25 years, everybody will probably have to drive a lot less to get to a casino, and it's possible that a lot of these casinos will be able to offer the same games Vegas can right now. We're, yeah, because, I mean, in 10, 15 years, like, it's going to start. I mean, if, it, if sports betting gets passed, I think everything will get passed, you know, for, if it, throughout the country. It's pop, I mean, they're pushing for it. Yeah, and there's still it, it's still you know been pushing it for a lot of years still. So who's who's to say? But I think they're opening more and more up to it these days with the way technology has changed than ever before, and just realizing it's hard to shut people down from you know find a way to tax and get these dollars. Yeah, and and with 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 it's funny. There's these funny rules that some of these states have regarding the type of gambling that can exist, like in California. They can have craps, but not craps with dice. So they have to do a stupid thing called card craps, where instead of rolling a dice, you draw two cards that uh, that are from one to six that simulate dice. But that, that's stupid. It, it takes the dice are a big part of craps. It's just part of the fun of craps. It doesn't change the strategy, but it, it, it's uh, it's just part of it to have someone throw the dice and watch it bounce around uh, the craps table and land. So to draw two cards is just. So lame. And Did they say like any logic behind that, or I don't just even, no, some I don't, old law by somebody created, and then yeah, they haven't changed it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to change things once you have them set. I mean, it's pretty much that where they came out with very specific rules regarding gambling in, in the California Indian casinos. Some of them were relaxed, like for example, they used to have this dumb thing where the house could not bankroll any of the games. So this meant that a separate corporation had to bankroll the games. And the problem with that was that the, 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 the house was not going to make any money that way because the, the corporation would make, make or lose the money of you know, whatever happens at the table. So then what did the house make? So the only way the house could make money was by charging a commission. So it was awful. You'd go to these Indian casinos and you'd have to pay a dollar per blackjack hand a commission on top of already the house edge. So that was very much a turnoff to a lot of the people who wanted to play and expected that it's the Vegas rules that you just bet what you want and then there's no commission. So that got done away with, thankfully. And now you can play real blackjack in California Indian casinos. But a lot of things haven't been done away with, and like, like that stupid thing with the craps. And then there's federal laws like on things like sports betting, which uh, is prohibited. And then also in California... As far as getting drinks, 
they they can't comp you they can't walk they can't walk around and comp you alcohol alcoholic beverages for whatever reason. So like that in a lot of states though you can't get comped uh, yeah. alcohol. So I, so it's actually one of the good things actually keeping Vegas going. If, if a lot of states don't ever develop that, you know, it's, people like to go there. Um, it's you know it runs around the clock too. A lot of these other states, I mean, they cut you off at two a.m. or whatever time. So yeah, it's another I, thing Vegas has going for I, it. I can see that staying. I think a lot of these rules though will be relaxed over time when it's said, look, we we we've got to compete with Vegas. We've got to. Bring people in. We we have to make this a Vegas experience. We've got to relax a lot of this crap here that was written a long time ago. I could see a lot of that disappearing. A lot of these restrictions disappearing. I could see a lot of states making it where it's generally that it's almost like a free for all that you know regular casinos with full gaming can open, and it's just up to the city and county if they want it in their area. And I, I could see that in a lot of localities around the U.S. It's, it, it already could happen. It's, other than the sports betting, everything else could happen that I'm discussing just hasn't yet. But it, it's, it's going this direction, and that's another reason that Vegas is, is not going to focus as much on gambling because it is going to be harder to get people to go there just for that when they can, they can easily do it locally. And also the thrill of it gets to be less. Before, let's say you, know, you lived in... Uh, Let's say you lived in Georgia, okay? Mm-hmm. And you like playing blackjack. It's exciting to go into the casino and sit down and play blackjack. And you really look forward to going to Vegas and, and sitting down at the blackjack table and, and and doing that whole thing. Well, that excitement goes away if there's a casino you can drive to that isn't that far away. And you can play that blackjack. So... That reason to pay for that ticket to Vegas and pay for the hotel rooms in Vegas and everything else, that reason goes away if that's the main reason you're going there. So in that sense, the local casinos around the U.S. will harm Vegas. Yes, I mean, like, uh, there's a lot of cities they could put up a casino or two or three in a, in a little area, but they, they don't have the room because, you know, that's the way, uh, you know, development has happened over the years. They just don't have the room to do what Vegas does if they want to try to like replicate it or something. Yeah, there's they, just no way to replicate yeah, the strip. There, there won't be. There will never be a, a, a big – and there's not enough interest from – in order for something yeah, like – Yeah, you have to have a lot of interest. Yeah, in, in order to have the something like the strip survive, there it has to be a major destination for gambling. And, and, and local-based casinos, even in big cities, just won't get that many people coming in for it. So they, they can never have something like the strip. I don't, I don't see any other area of the country doing that. Even Atlantic City is having a hard time – Keeping what they have, and they're they're much smaller. Uh, it's it's much smaller there than than Vegas. So I I don't see that. It's just that if you even have one casino that's decent that you can go to and play the games you want to play, then the the gambling novelty that Vegas brings you is gone. Then there has to be another reason you're going to want to go there. If it's just about Playing blackjack, if you can play blackjack in your yeah, home. Yeah, you're not going to solely go for gambling. Yeah, you're you're going to go you're, for right, other you're things. Not, you're not going to do so. it. And, and, and especially, if, if, as you said, the sports betting, if that becomes legal in other states, and if the local casinos start to offer enough gaming-wise to where they're very, very close or identical to what Vegas offers, then uh, no one's going to go for that reason. So that's, that's why they're already pushing away from that. That's one of the reasons they're already pushing away. They also just like appealing to a wider group of people and... Uh, you know, like, like for example, 
and for a number of years, not not last year, but uh, a number of of the new years that have uh, taken place this decade. Yeah, I've my, my family has been in Vegas, including my parents, and and they, most of them they don't gamble. I'm I'm really the uh, the gamblers in the family. There's only two gamblers in the family. It's me and my brother, and my brother uh, he only does it. Uh, he's not there that often, so when he's there, he, he he gambles, but that's it. And he mainly just plays poker. So, uh, I mean, did they go to like shows or just like to eat, to travel to, to places to eat? And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. Like, yeah, stuff like that, and also you know, right. the New Year's or the fireworks and that whole thing. So, so that's so, but they like going there. So we go, they go on the, the New Year's, and uh, I mean, there's still, still certain people that just classify Vegas as gambling. They don't even realize what's. What's there nowadays? Yeah, but it's, it's surprised how many people think that they just they just think all oh, casinos. They don't even realize all the you know places you can eat, shows you can go to, and everything else. You know, you know what really surprises me is I, I've actually known a number of people who have always lived in Southern California and ha- and are like thirty years old and have never been there, and have never been to Vegas. And I, I said, mm-hmm. how how can that happen? How can how can you not? Be curious enough. Yeah, a lot of these people don't have very much money, so you know the, the traveling there is a big deal. But still, you, you can go there. You can save up and go there and stay stay at somewhere cheap and and and, not, and you know only play low limit games. You just just to experience it, just to see it. I, I'm just so surprised. I, I understand much more the people who are far away that they have to take a flight and and all that. That becomes a lot more difficult. But how can someone in Southern California who can get in the car? Yeah, and get there in like three hours or something. Well, it's four four hours. Four, so yeah, okay. yeah. But to get in the car, drive four hours, and get there. And how can you not have done this your entire life if you're thirty? That's just shocking. For sure. Yeah, it does, that's kind of crazy. I, I mean, I was I was there uh, in the in the seventies, so <laughs> so that's 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 crazy. And in fact, I was my my parents. Uh, they 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 weren't. They actually gambled more when I was a kid than they do now. They were never big gamblers, so I don't want to portray that incorrectly. They they only played low limit just for fun. They played like low limit blackjack and they were never at all serious gamblers. Uh but but when they would go, uh you know, I always enjoyed it as a kid and I was fascinated by the whole thing. And I was really looking forward to being twenty one and being able to being able to gamble. And my parents didn't glorify it or anything. It wasn't their fault. Like they weren't, uh, they weren't trying to make it sound great to me. So I'd want to grow up and gamble. I just, uh, it was just something that immediately had appeal to me. That that I saw, and uh, so, it. I guess it just kind of surprises me that there's people from Southern California that just never made it there, and some of them even have an interest. Like I even asked, "Well, you just have no interest?" No, no, I do. I just haven't gotten there yet. Like, well, you're. It's time to go. You're, you're yeah. like 30 years old. You've never been there before. These are people not from poker, obviously, but uh, it, it surprises me sometimes. They just take for granted. I just assume everybody in Southern California who's an adult has been there. I mean, there's a whole lot to do in California as well, but it just still seems like you just don't want to get out of where you are if you can get there in four hours oh, just yeah, by driving. Yeah. And yeah, and it's a different place. It, it's uh, And, I mean... California's expensive, so I mean, there's a lot of things they could do over in Vegas for uh, a lot cheaper. Yeah, except the, except things that are aimed at tourists are never are never cheap. So. Yeah, well, true. I mean, <laughs> it's it's so 
yeah, uh, I, I think we're, we won't see as much difference in 25 years as the past 25 years. But that's because of the major transformation that took place in the 90s mm-hmm. that there isn't really room for that to happen again. I just I, I think it's much more established now. There was a there was a weakness to what downtown was offering. And the strip pretty much is the correction to that. And now the whole thing's much more mature. It's a lot harder to shake and change a whole lot. Uh, you know what is interesting? Uh, you know, many years ago, if you'd picture, like, what what is a city of the future going to look like? And ignoring the things like, oh, you know, cars are going to be flying around and stuff like that that never happened and isn't going to happen for a long time. Uh, one of the things that, that probably came to mind are these, like, very tall buildings with with screens on them, and the funny thing is that that's actually here, especially in Vegas. There's a lot of you look around in Vegas, and especially around where City Center is with with the, the Cosmo and, uh, and the Aria and, and all all that stuff over there. But even just most of Vegas, you just look down the Vegas Strip, and, and especially if you drive around and look at the tall buildings around you and the and the, the screens on them and the, you know the giant high definition screens everywhere. It really does kind of resemble what people pictured many years ago of what a city of the future would look like. So we'll probably even see more of that, like the look of Vegas, I think, in 25 years, as far as like the newer stuff that's built or, or the mm-hmm. old stuff that's updated. I think that the, the look will also I, – I think they're going to constantly be upgrading the look and updating the look where it will look very modern for whatever time it is. It's it's not going to be somewhere that you think oh this 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 looks so uh, 2010s in 2040. You're, you're not going to think that you're, they're going to constantly update. Well, remodeling goes on, yeah, for sure. They're going to make it look more modern. Yeah, that, that's one of the places that's going to do that. And the the opposite of that, of course, are the like the small towns around the U.S. where some some of these places look the same as they did uh, 80 years ago. Yeah. So. Uh, Vegas is pretty much the opposite. So it, it'll. Look different. It always have a very modern look to it. It will. I really think that the entertainment is going to be it's just going to get better. I think yeah, the entertainment it's, it's, for it's, sure. The, the entertainment, gonna, dining, all that. Recycling new entertainment in all the time yeah. too. Some people are even retire eventually, and new people will come in. As far as you know, whether it's musicians or talent type of you know magic. Yeah. And, and I just think that this is that's going to become more and more common there. The, the conventions and events are going to increase even more, and that the, the gambling is going to take more and more of a back seat, I think. And and also the they're going to want the gambling more just for the recreational gambling. That's that's that's, that's where it's going, and it's it's sad for the people who are advantage players. It's sad for the people who are not advantage players, but just always wanted to play a game with only a small house edge, so it wasn't that expensive for them to play a lot. It'd be but, interesting to see what pros decide to go, like advantage players or pro- professional gamblers, if they decide to just try to still find a way of beating it it's, or it's, staying in Vegas because there's still a lot going on there, or if they just decide to travel a lot more, still keep their residency there, or decide to relocate altogether. And, it's getting you know. it's going to get harder and harder, and the truth is, uh, if the casinos really wanted to put their minds to it, they could eliminate a lot of the holes that exist that advantage players can go after. There's there's ways to pretty much make 
these casinos advantage player proof. Occasionally a mistake could be made and something could be found that, that can be exploited, but for the most part, if they really wanted to, they a could A lot of these it. games are older, so you've pretty much seen it all by now, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a lot of things that they can see. There's certain patterns that the advantage players can exploit, and they, yeah, yeah. They, 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 can, they can figure it out. They can see it, and they can they can change it, and that, we're already seeing that somewhat with uh, with the death of the small negative EV games and with the you know, higher house edge games to where even advantage players can't beat them. And mm-hmm. if the only reason that they didn't do this earlier is they were afraid the gamblers were more knowledgeable than they actually are, and they were afraid they'd drive everyone away. Oh, if we lower the, the payouts, we lower the odds, okay, well, now everyone's going to leave. Well, no, they, they, they realize that's not true. Most people have no idea of what the odds are, of what the house edge is, of what pay tables should be. Most people don't know that. They They came to realize that and it's also more true now than it used to be because because of the lesser focus on gambling so the people who do play are sometimes there for multiple reasons and if they're not just there for gambling they're probably not experts on gambling they're not experts on what the the rules or payouts should be and if they change something slightly that's to their advantage most people are not going to notice and and i'll go crazy i'll I'll try to explain this to people i've I have conversations with people all the time who ask me things about Vegas and what games to play. And, and, and like I, I try to explain it to them, and they seem to understand. And a lot of these are, are smart people. I'm not talking to idiots here. Mm-hmm. But it, it's amazing how I'll say things and it'll go in one ear and out the other. Even though I can tell they're understanding, it's almost like they don't want to understand. So they'll say, so what's the best place to play? What's, what's the, I said, okay, to play what? Well, uh, what, what's the best place to play uh, uh, blackjack? Well, th- I can't really answer that. depends what limits you're playing and what, you know, if you're going to be a card counter or not a card counter. But, but you know, if you're just, just to play recreational blackjack, I also you know, I have to know what limits you're going to play. But you need to f- forget the place. You need to look about the rules of the game. You need to make sure that uh, it's not a 6-5 to five blackjack. It's not uh, – uh, they're not only letting you double on 9, 10, or 11. Uh, so yeah, that's start... that like one of the most annoying things in life. Like if you, whether it's casino or anything, you have somebody. Everybody has somebody at least in their life at some point. They ask you a bunch of questions because they know you're knowledgeable about something, but they never take your advice. Yeah, they always like go the opposite or don't even because like like you said, goes in one ear and out the other. It's yeah, just, it, like why did you ask me the question in the it, first place? If you're it, never gonna, it take is. My so, advice. so like like I'll explain all that to them, and I can tell they understand. I explain like I don't just rattle off terms I know that won't make sense to them. I'll, I'll explain it very carefully so they totally understand it and I can tell they're paying attention they sometimes even repeat back to what I'm what I'm saying and I can tell they get it and then they'll say yeah so uh yeah I really like going to such and such place I just get so lucky there you know so I'm going to keep going there oh my god like I I feel like saying I just told you they only offer six to five game blackjack games there. Why you keep going? Like I, I want to say that, but I don't. It's their business that they want to waste their money. They can, but like I, I figure why are you even asking me if you, yeah, have you already made up your mind of, of what uh, what constitutes? I mean, you're saying game. like the people, some people you saw them playing a certain machine. You have, there was one like right across the you know another aisle over or whatever has better odds, and you tell them, oh okay, thanks, and then like don't even oh listen. yeah you yeah, still yeah stick with that machine. Yeah, There's, I had this happen in Laughlin one time where. I, I right next to me there was a, I'm playing a, an eight five bonus game, which means eight for the full house, five for the flush, and then uh, yeah everything else is you know, standard payouts for video poker, and uh, and I also get 
depending on which four of a kind I get, I get extra coins. Like four aces is, is uh, more than a Jacks or Better Machine four aces. So that's why it's called bonus poker. So I'm playing this, and there's a guy sits down next to me, an older guy, and starts playing Jacks or Better. I look over at the pay table. It's also 8-5. So it's the identical pay table as the machine I'm playing and the exact same limits. You having trouble hearing me here? I'm going to have a little look. I'm okay. Oh, maybe it's sound issues hearing myself. One second here. Yeah, bump something. What's going on here? There's always something on this show. Here we go, I think. I think I may have to replace a part here. There's a, I have all these... If you saw this, you wouldn't believe... There's, there's all these different cords that I have to connect together. Like all these different converters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And... There's this one part that's like $6 that keeps breaking. And I can't get, I, I would buy a, a better quality version if it existed, but all the ones I find are like, they're all like $6 and they're all crap. But I have to use it. So, like, the, sometimes when they start to go bad, if I just like bump the wire a little bit, then I can only hear myself in one ear, which is kind of just. Is it like a USB sound card or something? No, no, it's not a USB. Oh. No, it's just the computer's built in sound card, but it, it, oh. it's the wires plugging into it. Because I, I've got a, I've got like a professional headset set up that's, it, it's this headset that's used by the professional broadcast, like in the NBA. That's what I'm using here. And okay. it, has, it goes through like a preamp. But the problem is that can't just plug into a computer or sound card. That you have to go through all these different uh, converter processes to have the right connection that, pl- that plugs into the jack. So, so I have all these different things I had to buy. None of them were expensive. These little these wires that convert. And that's the, the last yeah. thing that goes into the, into the computer is the six dollar part, and I've had to replace it a few times already. This may, may be another time I have to do here. But uh, just buy two of them and save a backup or yeah, something. Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> and they're all they're all like cheaply they're all cheaply made. So yeah. and and, and uh, so I can't. I, it's not even matter like I can get a thirty dollar one; it'll be better. Like it's, they all kind of suck. Okay, so I, I think it's better right now. But uh, now I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> what were you asking me before this crap happened? Um, what did I? Uh, I was just talking about like how people play whatever game that they don't they get. There's whatever game they're on, they're not going to leave. Oh, yeah, I was talking about the, the, the Jacks are better. I know. So, so the, the guy with the Jacks are better, he was also playing 8-5. Eight, eight, so I looked and go, wait a minute. The game he's playing is identical to my game, except if he gets a four of a kind, like four aces, he just gets he gets paid less. So there's there's no advantage to the game he's on. There's, there's nothing better about it and only worse things. Same strategy, same everything, except... <laughs> the, the, if you if you get one of these better four of a kinds, I get extra money and he doesn't for the same limits. So the good thing was he it was a multi game machine, so all he had to do was switch it over to bonus poker. Mm-hmm. So I pointed it out to him, and he's like, "No, I'll stick with this." I go, "No, no, I don't think you understand." Uh, and I explained it to him. I said, "Look, it's the same game, same strategy, same limits. Look at the pay tables. You know, it's the same all the way up, except when you get four of a kind. This." Bonus poker gives you more, but you you never get less. So there's there's no reason to ever play jacks or better on these on this machine if if you can play bonus poker and get everything plus extra. The, the, so like I explained it so many different ways. Like, no, 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 I'll play this. No, I like this. No, I like. I'm like, 
So I, I didn't know if he just wasn't understanding, didn't want to understand, or just was stubborn. I didn't know. I, okay, fine, fine. I, I just like I just kind of felt bad at first watching him play it. I could have just said nothing, but I, I felt like like why not tell him he's just throwing away money. He's literally throwing away money by not playing the machine that pays you extra for the four of a kind, and and everything else is the same. Yeah, those are the people that casinos love, though. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, so. oh, there was. Oh, let's tell you something too. I didn't hear the whole thing, but it was something tonight on the. Uh, they had the poker after dark, and it's uh, JRB and uh, Tom Dwan were talking. I guess Tom Dwan thought he and he had some kind of bet he could beat the limit holding bot. I don't know. I didn't hear the whole thing. Oh, of it. I'm I go back and try to listen I, I wish to I could, it. I got to listen to that. Okay, I will, something. I, it's in the first half hour hour of the show. I don't know. I don't know if they said a whole lot, but he's, I remember mentioned beating, trying to beat the Lemon Holden bot and having a bet on. I, I, I would, if, if it was, provided it was over enough hands, I would love to bet against Tom Dwan on that one. Uh, now, not for some crazy money because he could get lucky and then I'd be at crazy money. But uh, but something that's, or I need to take a piece of it, I, that would be a very good bet for a few reasons. First of all, Tom Dwan is not an expert Lemon Holden player, especially not heads up. So that, that's the first thing. Number two, um, and this is a mistake a lot of people made with that heads-up bot. Uh, you can't play it like you play a human heads-up opponent. You could be a very good limit hold'em heads-up player, but if you don't forget on purpose a lot of the things you know about playing humans in heads-up, uh, you're going to lose big time because you've, you've got to understand the difference between playing a bot and playing a, a human heads-up and what you can do, what you can't do. And uh, I, I, I could see Tom Dwan not making that adjustment. Uh, I, I think he'd be much, much better player. Uh, the, the machine adjusts a lot as you were playing. No, it, it yeah. can't adjust. It's not allowed to adjust by law. But it can't really adjust. But but they, they can. It, it can adjust over time. What it can do is not against you as an opponent, but they they can pull all the data from oh, all okay. the hands that have been played, and every so often have it learn. They just can't have it learn during the match, and they can't have it like learn every day. They can they can pull a bunch of hands over time, and then and then make it get better. Which I watched happen, and they got very tough, and and. Uh, and it, I, I decided it was unbeatable at that point. Uh, and, and certain vulnerabilities went away. Like I used to be able to triple check raise it on certain hands. Like if it, mm-hmm. if it flopped trips and I flopped better trips or a full house, I could trip. I could check raise the flop, turn, and river. And uh, and it would not fall for it. Would fall for it every time. It would, like a human would never fall for that every time. But uh, you know, the board, you know, I've got. Uh, like, like for you know, I have ace three, and the board comes uh, queen three three. And uh, I check raise the flop. It calls, the, the turns some blank. Check raise the turn. Check raise the river. You know, it turns out that, you know they've got ten uh, three. And you know, you've just, like uh, eventually they're, they're going to find. And sometimes it'll even play back at you. Sometimes you you get even more than one bet for each check raise. So uh, th- those type of things, like I, I can't remember. It's been very few times in my life, if ever, I've, I've check raised a human three times. Yeah, I've triple check raised it. Right. It's yeah. very hard to do. It's very, you, you have to find like a mega fish, like a special, a very special opponent. Let's put yeah, it that and, way. And the problem is, like, like humans are, they, they have like a humiliation factor with it too. So, like, even if it's a spot they kind of want to bet again, a lot of times they just won't because they don't want the humiliation of, of trip, being triple check raised. Yeah. So, so like, uh, even if they think you may have been screwing with them the whole way, and they feel like they got a value bet, they won't because they think that oh, what if he check ra- triple check raises me? That's going to be so embarrassing. So the, the bot doesn't have that. But that, that's just one of many things. Like you also can't overly aggressive come at the at the bot and uh, and force it to fold. But bots in general are very hard to run off hands. The bots overcall. They call too much. 
so you've got to exploit that. You got to value bet them. You can't uh, bluff them. You, you can't bluff them or, 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 or hit them with pure aggression because they're fearless, and they uh, they, they they call down. They'll call down very light, and that's a, that's a, that's a hallmark of bots. And that, that doesn't make them easy, but that just makes playing them different. And you you, you also have to adjust the, the starting hands for that reason, because you can't bet them off as much. You have to adjust the starting hands, and and you also have to watch when the you know when the bet will th- the bots will three bet when the bot will, will you know what a check raise on the turn means things like that. The tough thing with this limit holdem bot is it has a lot of randomness to it too, so that you can't ever make a full conclusion about what it's doing. And uh, and it really has learned. It, it originally learned by playing like a billion hands against itself. And then over time it's learned by playing real opponents. And it analyzes the hands it's played against real opponents. And when it starts seeing things that people are getting over on it, it, it corrects it. So... Uh, at this point, this thing's been around for years. Uh, it's uh, it's unbeatable, and I and I know it's unbeatable simply because. Think of all the good limit hold'em players out there, and not as many as good lo- no limit hold'em. There's a lot of good limit hold'em players out there. Since the bot will never quit you, why why don't you ever see at the Bellagio or, or somewhere else where these bots are still? Why don't you see people just? Uh, Playing it all day and all night and crushing it for for big money, you don't. They they usually sit empty. So they tried and failed, or they won initially, and then they eventually they caught, the bot got too good. Right. They they just uh yeah. There, there's no one. If there, if there was someone who could reliably beat it, they would be there every day. They'd be playing it uh, forty or more hours a week. You'd yeah. see people constant. Certain people constantly there. You don't see any limit hold'em regulars there. You don't. You only see, you only see the occasional degen who wants to take a shot at it. Or you'll see. Uh, like how many hands do you think an hour you could get in that thing? Oh, that, did you ever think about it? I, I I saw it, but I forgot. I, I mean, I did yeah. it, but I'm trying to remember what I got. I mean, it's a lot. It, I, it is I a don't lot. know that much. It's a lot. To anything yes. else? Yes, it's you can get hundreds in, but uh, yeah. Um, the you and you can see all the bots whole cards at the end. You can always have it show the whole cards once it's once the hands over. But. Uh, so you do have the peace of mind whether you got bluffed or whatever. But uh, uh, in fact, I, during the summer, that uh, I am HIV guy, Jonathan Drain. I saw him at mm-hmm. uh, in Bellagio, and he he was showing me some ticket that he had from playing the the bot that he won. He's been telling he's been doing so well, and I said, okay, don't continue. I told him, I said, <laughs> short term, so you I can beat it. Sure, He's like, no. So everyone keeps telling me, but I'm beating it. I'm like, look. You're not going to be the one who can magically beat the bot at this point. It's gotten so tough. I don't believe it. I, I don't believe you're going to be long-term positive against this. None of us are. And he's like, "Well, I know you're not, but I am." I'm like, "Okay, look, trust me, you're you're not." So yeah, you keep doing it, but uh, anyway, that's yeah. The proof is just that there's no one there playing it because uh, if there's something you can reliably beat and it will never quit you, then you'll spend a lot of time playing it. And there isn't anyone, so I, I'd yeah, love to see. I, I missed part of the, the, what they were talking about, but um, or I don't even know when this, when this time was. You know, when when Tom Dewan thought he could beat it, but they, remember they were, they're talking about it, and JRB's like, "You can't beat that thing." You know, he's right. I mean, but I'd love. I don't to remember the, exactly what they were what the uh, bet was, or I'd love to I, mean, I don't know if they gave terms 
but yeah, I'd love to get a hold of Tom Dwan and uh, uh, book that bet against him because I've, I'll book that. I mean, I'm pretty much almost yeah. but especially one like him. Like if some if some limit will hold him all star said he wanted me to bet him on this. I'd, I'd be a little hesitant thinking maybe it's someone who's figured out some things the bot uh, still hasn't uh, come up with a way to deal with, and I'd be a little afraid. But Tom Dwan or any of these uh, no-limit players, I would mm-hmm. not be afraid at all to have them, to bet them with any kind of good number of hands, which would take away some of the variance. I, I would be happy to bet those type of guys. So that, that's interesting. I know... Uh, I didn't watch much of this. What did you think of the uh, the JRB, you know, John Robert Belland commentating? So a lot of people complained about it that they found it annoying. That like he wasn't commentating; he's playing. I mean, oh, I playing. What, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, the play. I mean, it's con- while he's playing, while he was there. Oh, while he's playing, he's talking. Yeah. That's just how he is. I mean, there's a lot of people. If you don't like him, you don't like him. I mean, if you like him, you. Like, I mean, I don't. Doesn't he doesn't bother me that much. He yep. does come across as the person that you know. He does feel like he's some big shot. It's kind of strange because he, you know, he's broke living JRB, and then he they said he I, he's not as broke as yeah, no, whatever. I guess but he said he did go broke sometime last summer. Is what he said on the thing, and then he wasn't broke after last night. But I don't know the then that was like before he lost a huge pot to Tom Dwan at the end. Yeah, that's and right. He was that's right. the day yeah, before. Right. That but, was, that I mean, was, that he was gets a... in those big games. Somehow he's been able to. He was like the nightclub promoter or something before he even got into poker. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I got to know him, and he's. Uh, yeah, he lost that big set over set one against Juan, but uh, yeah, he. I, I've known him going way back, and it's you know, kind of just when he came on the scene, and a lot of this whole thing about him being broke is an act. It's a, it's a semi act. There there have been times he's been broke and owed people money, and you know was subsisting on various people staking him or whatever. But uh, there's also been times he's had a lot of money. He also likes to play that up. That's a big thing he plays up. And uh, well, He's always able to get into the game. If you always yes. have credit to be able to get in the game, and then you have, you have some money, maybe your, your bankroll's broke, but you have some money that you've took a, you know, stored away for life expenses, you're not necessarily broke. It, yeah, he's someone who likes to always play up what he's losing and not talk much about what he's winning. And it's the opposite of a lot of poker players who do the opposite, who they want you to think they're super successful when in reality they're losing players. He's someone I, – I don't know how much he wins or loses, but I, I can tell you that he, he loves to let you know about huge losses he's taken and the huge wins he usually keeps quiet about. Once in a while you'll see like a social media picture of some giant stack of some chips he's won or whatever, but – yeah, well, he's like the host of some like it's like a private game at the area. I mean, there's certain people they say no, you can't play here. And if if you're playing a game like that and, uh, and you're able to get in that type of game, clearly you should be able to. I think you should be a winner. I mean, or a few of the people got should be crushing that game. I don't even know how they're managing that because it's not even legal to do. Yeah, they they there's a few tricks they can pull like like making it uh, fewer handed or something, but. They tried to once pull that crap on me at Bellagio, but I wasn't having it. Where they, they made a, this is like a, eighty one sixty or hundred two hundred game. I think it was hundred two hundred limit hold'em. And they added a tenth seat to the game. It's usually nine handed. They made it ten handed because a fish wanted to play. And then, it was a long time to get in that game. I was waiting forever. So finally, one of the good players left. 
And as I, I was like first up for a long time. Finally, one of the good players left. And I'm about to take my seat. And they go, oh, no, no, you can't take a seat. I go, yeah, it's, it's my turn. No, you can't. We're making it nine-handed again. So I, I go, you can't do that. Oh, so, yes, we're making it nine-handed. I go, you can't do that. And I go, you know, I know what you guys are doing here. You're, you're, uh, you're looking for the, who the next player is going to be. If it's someone you, that uh, you think is good for the game, then you're going to keep the 10th seat. If it's, if it's someone that, uh, that you think isn't, that you think it would win in the game or, or at least break even, you're, you're, you don't want them there. So I, I refuse. I, I'm taking this seat. So a big fight started. Not a physical fight, but a big argument started. And uh, I think I, one guy there was on my side, but uh, everybody else was telling me, no, we don't, you, know, you can't join. You're wrong. Called the floor over, and the floor thought about it and said, no. No, he's right. As long as there's a board, you guys can't change this. Once you make it ten-handed, right? Yeah, it was already ten-handed. So they say, well, yeah. Once you make it ten-handed, it's got to yeah, stay. I mean, it's got to stay ten until there's no longer a board. Yeah. So uh, that's the way it should be. Uh, yeah. I, they're definitely just trying to cherry pick players for sure. Yeah, that's what they were doing. They were waiting to see if a fish sits down. It was a fish. Oh, come on in! If it's not a fish, like, you know, no, you can't come in yet. I was like, screw this! I've waited like two hours to get in this game. Yeah, you can't change that on me. So. So I, I yeah, because you know, out. the next person was a fish. What are they going to do? They're going to let them in the game. Oh, hey, here's your seat. Yeah, but no, it's Todd, it's Todd Daniel Druff. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so but yeah, that's. I, I think uh, John Robert is is doing fine. He he probably spends a lot of money, and and uh, I, I can see where he has probably managed things poorly. You know, it's funny. He once bought a piece of me. I could have totally screwed him if I wanted to. One time in an eighty one sixty game. He uh, he just comes up to me randomly. I'm playing 8160 limit hold'em. He wasn't in the game. He says, "Hey, I want a piece of you in this." I go, uh, "No, I don't really do this. I don't sell pieces in cash games." He said, "No, no, I, I really do. I go, no, no, but I, I just don't want to do that. Sorry." And so he goes, "What? What about uh, if I gave you this much markup? Like, what if I buy whatever?" Like he, he was. Uh, he bought us. I forgot what the, the whole their whole arrangement, but he 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 kept offer. He kept raising what he was going to give me as far as like the markup in it, to where I couldn't say no. So I accepted it. So, then he just leaves, and there's no one there watching me. Like there's no one. There, there's no inventory taken of the money I started with when when we started. I was already in the game at this point. It was kind of the middle of the game that we that he just bought a piece of me in the middle. So there like there was no. None of his friends were there. No one was watching how much I was winning or losing. No one even counted what I had when I started once he bought the piece. And and he paid me in advance, so I didn't have to... No matter what, he was not going to owe me money. So, lo and behold, I, I won in the game, and I think I owed him $2,800 or something. I did very well in the game. So, then I even had a hard time getting a hold of him to pay him. <laughs> like, it was I, like I was... Uh, I'm texting him. He's not answering. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna. I'll try here, but I'm not gonna chase him around forever to give him money. If he's not answering, f him. He can. He can come get it when he wants. Finally, he answered me, and he's like, "Oh, I owe such and such person money. Uh, you know, come down and bring it to them." So I did. I, I came down and gave the twenty eight hundred dollars to whoever, uh, whoever it was. And uh, you have to wonder if some of these guys forget about this stuff. So yeah, they, I, they have to forget at some point. I, I thought he might. I, I wondered if I like. I didn't say anything. I wasn't going to do this, but I was wondering if I, like, I said nothing. If he just like would have never asked me about it. If just, yeah. <laughs> but 
but I, I, it was such a weird thing too to just randomly want a piece of this eighty one sixty I was playing, and then to just keep pushing for like when I said no, he just kept offering better and better markup on it, where I finally had to say yes. But uh, that, that was kind of odd. I also had it once where I was playing blackjack and I was counting cards. This is back in the day when I did, did that in Bellagio. I don't do that anymore there. But he uh, he sits down. He goes, oh, I see Dandruff's here. I got, I got, to, I got to sit next to him. I, I, I got to. Uh, I know what he's doing here. I, I got to bet what he bets. And I'm like, shock, damn it! Just to, like, I don't want him saying <laughs> this there. He's saying this out loud. Oh. And, and so he, so he's doing this. Oh, and, and I'm, I'm going. I hope nobody notices this. So I'm just like, I'm trying to get it across to him without saying it directly that he can't say things like this. So I don't know. He's stuck, he's played for about 15 minutes and left. I don't remember if he won or lost. See, so he leaves, and someone else at the table goes, "You know who that guy reminds me of? He reminds me of that John Robert guy from Survivor." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize it was him. It's funny. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and Eric Lindgren did the same crap to me one time. He was even worse. He's just all drunk. He's like, "Oh, Dandruff. You know, this guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. You know, I, I, I when I, he raises his bed, I'm raising my bed, and he sits down and does that. Too. He wasn't just trying to, to they say it to be obnoxious. He's, he's like, yeah, you know, the, you know, a lot of degenerates here in poker. I wouldn't copy them. Dandruff. He, he's doing it. I, I know why he's doing it. Like, uh, like, uh, crap." <laughs> <laughs> he probably barely plays. He's just drunk. He's out and about. He's going to go to a different other casino, so he probably doesn't care if he ruins it for you. No, he of course he didn't. Well, he doesn't even realize he's doing it. No, he doesn't. Too, he, didn't. But... he didn't. Like he wasn't even trying to screw with me there. He just like yeah. he sees me there and he just. And I've never told Eric Lindgren like that. That was a, a card counter or anything. They just they just know. Like they just know from knowing me that that's the reason I'm playing it. So. I, I hated seeing these poker players like when I'm playing blackjack because I'm afraid they're going to come down and do that. And uh, and then a lot of them don't understand. You can't discuss it when you're doing it. <laughs> so well, maybe Eric Lugan should just stay there a little longer. He wouldn't be as broke. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, yeah. I'm gonna probably uh, end this thing here. And uh, yeah, I just want to call in for that subject and tell you about that. Uh, let me hold them comment that they said on. Yeah, the that's bot. interesting. I, <laughs> if you find where it is in the, in the broadcast by any chance, let me know, and I, I do want to hear that and. I know it's in the first half hour to hour, but I'm gonna have to go back and listen. Uh, if I if I figure out exactly where, I'll let you know. It is it is too bad too bad I can't get a hold of him to actually book that. Uh, one other thing I remember from an opportunity I could have missed with a prop bet. I, I see. I'm, most, I'm so suspicious about prop bets offered to me. I'm always thinking that like someone that I'm gonna get the short end of the stick if I accept someone else's prop bet. So one time at one of these summer parties for the World Series that was over at, at one of the houses. In Vegas, I think this was in like oh nine, oh nine, ten, something like that. There was a Wii there, and they were talking about Wii. Someone was playing Wii baseball on there, which I was really good at. And uh, uh, Matt Woodward, uh, also known as Woodrow, he wanted to make a large bet on a Wii baseball game against me, like twenty thousand dollars or something. He made. So I, I was very good at the game, but I was thinking, he's not betting me that unless he's, he must be even better than me. He probably thinks that, uh, you know, I'm going to take it and he's going to kill Like, I was afraid that there's some angle to this and I'm going to lose $20,000. So I thought about it and I said no. Well, later on I saw it, like, like, I found out later. I don't think I saw him playing. I think I found out later after I turned it down 
that that he wasn't good at it. He just was being a degenerate. He just assumed I wasn't good. He 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 almost owned himself by just guessing that I wasn't good at it. And I, I would have killed him in it because uh, I was very good, and he kind of just was okay and inflated a few times. So I, I was so frustrated that I could have taken that, and I would have won that almost for sure. In fact, Mykon had played him in ping pong. Like Mykon had a similar thing going on with him with ping pong, where where Mykon had won a bunch off of him. He was just being a degenerate. You hear about that a lot with poker players. Some of them are really good and looking for the angle, and they know they're betting bets. You know, they know that they have a huge edge, and some of them just just degenerates, just like eh, whatever. I, I play in a huge game for. Hundred thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars? What's five, ten, twenty thousand dollars? I bet this. I mean, they get this ego thing where they think they're just going to beat you, and and it's just some competitive thing, or just they don't really care, and they, you know, they're, yeah. they're really a dog, and they don't realize how much of a dog. Yeah, they are. I should I should just gone with that. I should have just said, you know, I, I know I'm really good at this, and you know, except for someone who's you know, like no one's going to have a huge edge on me. On me, I, I I should have just gone with that, and just knowing that these were degenerates there, that there was a decent chance that they were just not very good, and just wanted to bet on something and then I would have been like a free 20k so I was <laughs> I was fresher how sweet would that have been if I just won like an easy simple 20k on a freaking Wii baseball game but I could I could have done it I just uh, I stupidly turned it down I was pissed at myself when I found out later I forgot how I found out but I found out definitively that he wasn't that good at it and he was just trying to pick something to bet on and happened to run into something I was good at so I'm like like damn it I gotta I gotta trust my more my own abilities more not not always assume that someone has some edge that that, but I'm just so afraid of running into some kind of prop bet trick where I make a bet which I think is good and then it turns out I'm drawing almost dead. So yeah. Anyway, well, thanks for calling in. We're gonna end the show tonight, and we will be back a week from today with no breaks this time. It was just a straight through show, and I thank Cal Watt for being uh, part of the show once again. Uh, Trader Ruski for coming on until he fell asleep. Notice uh, Calwan, he usually signs out and says goodnight. Uh, Trader Ruski, he just, he just disappears. He's just gone. And that's fine. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that uh, I don't remember the last time Trader Ruski actually says I'm going now. He's just not there anymore at some point. That's always a mystery because it takes a little while for him to respond when he's on mute. So you never really know if he's falling asleep. Anyway, Beer and Poker, good to hear from you. I haven't heard from you in a while on the show, so good to get a call from you here. And uh, and even thank you to, to Mumbles and the Spartan for calling in during the ticket segment I did about my Alberta ticket, which I will be further looking into in the coming days. So... Should be uh, pretty reliable Wednesday shows we'll be doing in the coming months. I, I can't really think of a reason why I can't uh, make that. I will be in a plane in the morning and afternoon of August 21st to, just to see the eclipse. I hope this goes the way I'm expecting because uh, if somehow something goes wrong and I don't see it, it'll be a lot of waste, wasted money and time. That will piss me off. And the worst thing is, like, once I'm committed to it, then I'm just kind of stuck wasting all the hours, even if it doesn't go the way I hope. All right, people. Thank you for listening. Thank you, live listeners, for putting up with the half an hour or so break we had. And we'll be back. That's all for tonight. 
sure we'll have some new and exciting topics to talk about next week on Poker Fraud Alert Radio on August 23rd. Good night and shalom. <laughs>